long ago, the fandom lived together in harmony. Then everything changed when Shyamalan attacked. His adaptation of Avatar The Last Airbender split the fandom down the middle and a gruesome war began of adapt- of how things should be adapted. That We all long waited for a certain podcast to bring the light and end the horrid war of how things should be adapted. And that podcast is here. The podcast is us, episode 151 of the Fake Nerd Podcast, where Mr. Ryan Idiopolis Oh, over it's me there, up first. Yeah, you're the one that was who a good intro. brought us this great uh, idea of talking about I did. Uh, certain things uh, of them being adapted. Hey, so here we go. Uh, That's our topic today. Hold cool. up. Are you saying we're not talking about a movie this week? Yeah, we're not talking about a movie. Shenanigans. No, we're talking about several movies. There. Well, we're not talking about one specific movie. We're not yeah, talking yeah. about summer blockbusters. No, we're not. No, we're not. This, is, Like I said, this is 151 of Fake Nerd Podcast. That's Ryan Indianapolis. It's me again. That's Brandon T. McClure. I'm back. Yes, you are back. Welcome it's back. good to have you back, buddy. Thank you. And this is Sparks Witty. Pointing at me does nothing. They can't I see know, me. I know, but just let me <laughs> do my thing. And, <laughs> and I, 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 I do the same thing, but you were like, and that. And I'm like, you know, they just they can't. They see don't me. know who you're pointing at. No, they're not. Well, that, that one over there ne- next to me, you can't see him because he's a ghost. Ooh, it's Sparks Witty, and I am Ben Magnet. Welcome. Yes. Yeah, well, Welcome to the Fake Nerd Podcast. Welcome, Hi guys. Everyone. What hey. a twist. Yeah. What a I haven't thought about that movie since last time we talked about it, and now I'm mad again. Thanks, Ben. I'm sorry to make <laughs> okay. you mad. We well, read a, we I, get a good adaptation. You know how I like to yeah. do my intros. I try to like blend the oh, main no, topic it, with the pop, with the book club and then with a whole bunch of other stuff. Don't so. give away your secret. That's my secret, Captain. I'm pretty sure people could figure it out. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Brandon, tell me about your wisdom teeth real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I now learn I might not have to get mine removed, which was always my fear. Oh. Last week, uh, I had I was off because I had my wisdom teeth removed. Uh-huh. Uh, Do you the, feel wiser? That's the whole point is that no. Oh. You, they take away wisdom. Oh. Remember, oh. You, you have it's the wisdom teeth. Oh, I can never get rid of my wisdom teeth. So if they're gone, you no longer have that wisdom. Damn. Growing up The sucks. teeth of wisdom. <laughs> yeah, my boss made the same joke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, I have my wisdom tooth taken out. Taken out. It's been a. Uh, I don't know if I've talked about it on the show, but I've had some. I've had really bad teeth problems, uh-huh. mostly my whole life, or certainly as long as Sparks has known me. Yes. Um. Uh. I. But a couple about a year ago, I realized that I had extra teeth. And <laughs> my wisdom teeth have come in. They come in about this a- age, but like between yeah, twenty and thirty. Oh, really? Because mine came in when I was seventeen. Ooh. I mean, that varies, but Generally. like the, the general idea yeah. is that they're supposed to come in between about twenty and thirty. And um, if you have braces like yourself, and yeah. you don't need to get them taken out. But I, had I, I actually had extreme circumstances because not only are my teeth kind of messed up anyway, uh-huh. but my <coughs> wisdom teeth had really bad cavities and were rotting. Ooh, so. It, they weren't impacting my teeth in any way. So if they were b- able to be cleaned and, you know, if I could, like, keep them clean like normal teeth, I would never have had them taken off, uh-huh. taken out. But because they were rotting, I had to ha- have them taken out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I was sitting there in the – I've been telling the story a lot, but I was sitting there in the, uh, in the dentist office. I had a really nice five-day weekend coming up because I took the – was I had it done on the third. I had the fourth off, and then I took the fifth off of work. And I was sitting there in the in the in the doctor's chair, and they're telling me about all the things they're gonna do. They look at my wisdom teeth, all the things that are gonna go wrong, that could go wrong. And they stick me with an IV to put me under. And I remember thinking to myself, "This is a mistake. This is how I go." And then I am home. I don't remember what happened after <laughs> between waking up at the dentist awesome. and being at home. So someone got you home. Oh, yeah. my girlfriend was there, yeah. and she got me home. She got my medicine. She talked to my mom. 
all while I was there. I but I remember but not really. I remember none of this. Yeah, you weren't conscious there. Uh, it was, it was kind of a blessing in disguise because uh, I did have a five day weekend, so that was nice. Um, but it was a lot of pain. Yeah, a lot of bleeding. Yeah, very minimum eating yeah. can be done. Applesauce. Oh no. Oh, I mean, I haven't had anything as bad as two of as a wisdom teeth, but I have had tooth extractions when I was in elementary school, mm-hmm. and. Those, like, especially because they didn't ever put me under. They gave me laughing gas. They numbed me and stuff. And the first few hours after your thing is done, because you still have all that gauze in your yeah. in your mouth. Oh, yeah. And my chin was completely numb. Mm-hmm. Like, I kept, like, poking at my chin. I was like, I can't feel any of this. Why can't I feel this? Yeah, I asked, uh, I asked my girlfriend. I was like, are my cheeks puffy? Do I look like a chipmunk? He's like, no, you look fine. It's like, uh, you're sweet, sweet lies. No, the, the sweat uh, my, no, I'm kidding. They didn't puff up or anything. Um, I was... But like now that's healed over and I'm eating again relatively normally, uh, I still got to clean it. But uh, I'm kind of like realizing how much of a relief it is to have them yeah. gone. Because mm-hmm. uh-huh. especially towards the end, like they were scrat, they were ripping the inside of my cheeks because Ugh. they were starting to like chip away. Uh, and like to, not to get too graphic, hey guys, brush your teeth. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, twice a day. Uh, and I. So now that I no longer have that, and I no longer have the, like that pressure in there, I'm just kind of like, oh, my mouth feels kind of okay. Yeah, because when, nice. when I saw you yesterday, you told me, he's like, dude, I feel better. I'm like, you? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I, but yeah, I was in bed for like five days, and that was wonderful because I beat Spider-Man PS4's DLC. Oh, sweet. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, nice. I, I decided, I was like, <clears throat> you know what? I can get up for a brief moment to plug in my PlayStation. So I did that. I put in the game. I sat down, and I just... For five days, played that DLC. It's awesome. Good, nice. It's good, real good, good. good. I like it a lot. There's some things with Yuri that are super cool. Like oh. Yuri, Yuri's real good in that. Oh, the, the detective. The yeah, cop? yeah. Detective Yuri. Nice. Some good stuff in that in that one. Cool. Uh, it's a little bit of a bummer that you have to pay. It, it is a three-parter. Yeah. Uh, it's a bummer that you have to pay for each three parts because well, that's it feels why you, like it's you not buy the season pass and it's cheaper if you buy all three. Yeah, ones. it's only five dollars cheaper though. That's still saving still money. Still five dollars. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like I bought the fire pass for um, Smash Bros. and that mm-hmm. saved me five bucks. But it feels like it feels like the whole thing should should have been ten bucks. If I'll that's, be honest, yeah. that's shitty video that's, game marketing. That's, yeah, that's the world we live in. Video dude. game DLC yeah. to a T. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it was still a lot of fun. I'm, the, a lot of cool new uh, bad guys were introduced. Um, a lot of cool boss battles. Swinging, so great still. Which of is course. why I'm gonna wait for the complete edition if that ever comes out. Which hopefully unless it will. unless we review it anytime soon. In which case, I'll have to play them. I'll just watch Sparks play them or something. Oh, that's fair. You can do that. Yeah. 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 Uh, that was my that was my wisdom teeth. So yeah, I mean, it's not a necessary procedure unless your dentist is like, "Hey, they're rotting from the inside out." You should probably take care of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's fun stuff. Yeah. Should I talk about the rest of what I did this past week? Yeah, we're, yeah. On me? we're on Before. you. You time. Um, <coughs> I caught up on on some comics. Detective Comics. I caught up on. Uh, really good. They're doing a Spectre story right now where. Uh, the Spectre is trying to find Jim Corrigan because a cult dedicated to the Spectre has stolen Jim Corrigan to kill him in that order to free the Spectre. That's awesome. It's really cool. Um, uh, the Arkham Knight's also really good. The the first story arc, the Arkham Knight one is good. Uh, I think I caught up on another comic book. Oh, Immortal Hulk. Jesus. The Immortal Hulk is really good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's solid. We just got back uh, Betty Ross as mm-hmm. a version of the Red She-Hulk. I won't say what happened to her, but it's real messed up. Ooh. Um... The Red She-Hulk. 
Yeah. There are so many layers to how you get there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Well the, well, the Ross family turns into Red Hulks, yeah. and the Banner family turns into the Green Hulks. No, I know, but it's like you have to have Red Hulk first. Yeah. And then you get Red... Sh- it's just so many layers of where the Hulk started. It's funny. Yeah. Oh, and um, there's a there's a post... There's a, quote, post-credits tease for Absolute Carnage. Uh, General Ross is currently dead in the Marvel Universe, but his grave has been extracted by Carnage for some reason, because he was at one time... Possessed by a symbiote. Oh, Good Lord. Uh, so if you're following Venom Run, you know why that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so Immortal Hulk. Uh, we're d- delving into the history of what the Hulk, I- what this current incarnation of the Hulk is. In the running theory that Banner is running with is that he's not only the first Hulk that came out when the first Gamma Bomb happened, but a Hulk that has always been there from since childhood, mm-hmm. like the, always his protective personality. And now that he's free, he's keeping all the other Hulk personalities in check. And we actually got to see Joe fix it again for a second. Yes. And that was real cool. Hell yes. Uh, yeah, so that was that's a really good comic. Was he wearing cool. a suit and tie? Well, so uh, through comic comic geekery, um, he couldn't transform into Joe Fixit. Joe Fixit just took over Banner's body for okay. a second. Okay. Uh, and then, like... And the personality then, came through. Yeah, his that's personality awesome. came that's through. That's fantastic. Because he couldn't turn to the Hulk because it was during the daytime, but he was under attack. So Devil Hulk sent Joe Fixit to help him. And Joe Fixit could protect him even without being a Hulk. That's cool. I'm so into yeah, it. That was, it's really cool what they're doing with the there Hulk. There are just right so now. many comics. Like I was reading Hulk, and it's great. Just like I had to, I had to drop it off. But I'm like, man, that still sounds so cool. Yeah, if you guys, uh, for the audience, if you guys haven't read Immortal Hulk, highly, highly recommend. Probably the best Hulk run in in uh, man a long time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't, time. I don't want to say that because I've never read a Hulk. I read a lot now. of the Hulk <laughs> books. Like my favorite, honestly, my favorite was this was this quote unquote stupidest one where Mark Wade put, made him a shield, uh, uh, an agent of shield. Oh, the indestruct- went, indestructible Hulk. Yeah, that book is super fun. Like it's not a regular Hulk book, but he's like time traveling and he's like hanging out with the Avengers, like being like smart Hulk. It's like it's it's a weird book. Yeah, they um they also try they also try to find uh they're looking at like oh the abomination came back in a really gross grotesque way. Yeah. Really cool. More like more like movie version or something N- different. No, it, it is it is a it is the comic version of uh, abomination, but they use Blonsky's DNA to form with the. Uh, res- with the corpse of Rick Jones. Yeah, he was a bomb once. To uh, make this weird <laughs> version of the Abomination that has like hands on his face. Oh, it's body re- horror. And like sh- and like spits up acid. A lot of body horror That's in this int- series. I'm into it's it. Really, really disgusting. Really horrific. I'm, I'm glad to hear. What issue is it? Like twenty. 26, I think I just Holy read. Holy crap. I'm really glad that there's like a 26 issue Hulk run that's all been incredible the whole way through. Yeah, and it sells really well. That makes me really happy. It sells more than Batman. Because uh, <laughs> The Ultimates, which was Al Ewing's last book that I really liked, that book's dope too. did not sell well and was canceled. And so I'm really happy that I'm reading an Al Ewing book that is great and yeah. it's selling well. So I could keep reading it. I'm super right. happy Hell about yeah, that. Hell yeah, dude. Um, and I saw three movies <clears throat> uh, this past week. I saw Anna, which is terrible. That's a shame. It's honestly one of the worst I've seen of the year. That or Shaft? Oh, Shaft is worse. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, is the action at least okay? No. Uh, oh. The action is choreographed well, but it's cut to shit. Oh, it sucks. So it actually has a very bad pacing to it. Um, and you lose track of the narrative when you... So we follow Anna, and then Anna does a thing, and then it goes six months earlier. And then you follow how that thing happened, and okay. then you catch up with the present, and then she does another thing two years earlier. Mm. And then you do, it's like it does that a lot throughout the film. And no, after thanks. a while, I was like, I've completely lost track of where we are. If it was even like a decent action movie, like like Atomic Blonde, yeah, like then that'd be cool. But it's not even a good action movie. That sucks. Yeah, I was. That the trailer really sold me. It's a bummer. And the the action sequence. I was telling Sparks this actually. Uh, the action sequence in the trailer, um, is in obviously is in the movie, but it's 
cut so badly that it just becomes it's boring. That sucks. And it's really bummer. It's really a bummer. That's a shame. Uh, I saw Late Night, which is the Mindy Kaling Emma Thompson film. Right. And I really like that. That that was that was really funny. Uh, Emma Thompson is hilarious in it. She's so good. She goes hard into that into that role. Makes a whole meal out of it. It's real fun right to watch on. her in that role. And then uh, yesterday, which I really liked. You yesterday. did. Yeah, I, mean, I really liked yesterday. I've been wanting to see yesterday for a while, but I just haven't had the chance to. There's a lot of twists that they don't give away in the trailer that oh, that's really good. helped uh, helped the movie for me. That's cool. Does um, Paul McCartney make an appearance? Don't say it. I'm no. not going to say. Don't say it. Yeah, don't, don't, don't say it. Don't say it. I will not say. Uh, again, a lot of twists in the movie that really helped helped my experience. He's Paul McCartney. <laughs> um, uh, especially like there's a there's a subplot that doesn't go at all the way I thought it was. I, th- I th- thought it would, and I'm just kind of like awesome. Right on. Yeah, I really liked yesterday. Yes, want to see that? Yeah, that, that's really all I did this week. <coughs> so nice. with uh, Anna being bad, that's two in a row for Luc Besson that have not gone well. What was the last one? Valerian. Oh, but I at least like that movie. Sure, but, but I mean, like, it didn't do well. Yeah, it's, it's his production company is doing really badly. Yeah, and and one of the biggest problems with Anna is actually that's its lead. Like, so it's a, kind of a, supposed to be a strong, empowering female character, but he shoots her in a way that's super sexist and like really leery. Yeah, um, he is French. He's kind of he's yeah. yeah can, and yeah. she can't act at all, and Aww. you can. It's clear that she's only in the role because she's pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, she does a thing that a lot of amateur actors do, which is yelling equal emotion. And so there's a couple of times where she's just yelling, but there's no emotion coming out of it. She just you know thinks that because <coughs> she's yelling, there's emotion. Damn, and it's really unfortunate. She she does hold the movie down, and that's unfortunate. My boy Luke Evans is It's not there. really her fault, though, because she was picked for the role. Sure. It's just a, a shame that, you know, Sky gave us Fifth Element, but this is yeah. where we're at. Yeah. Right now. Again, like I said, his production company is in trouble. And he, like, he like self-makes these movies, too. And mm-hmm. Valerian cost him so much money. It's, just, it's such I a shame really that, like... I really like Valerian. It just was... Uh, yeah. He does, he's not great at casting. No. No. Because no. Dane DeHaan was 100% the wrong person for One the role in Valerian. Yeah. So... Like we said, it should have been Idris Elba and... Matthew, Matthew McConaughey should have been Lorelai. Laura, Laura, who, who said this? Lo- we did on the review did of really? Dark Tower and Valerian. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Wait, did we Got review it. those both at the same we time? We did. No, uh, we I reviewed War for the Planet of the Apes and Valerian at the same time. Okay. But Dark Tower came out like two weeks later. Got it. Listen, honestly, I would watch. I would watch a romantic <coughs> Matthew McConaughey Idris Elba sci-fi romp. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah I would too. I just didn't remember that we yeah, said yeah. that. <laughs> oh, speaking of, um, I watched. I finished Gilmore Girls. Oh yes, that's the last did thing I did as well this past week. I finished including the new season, including the mm-hmm. Year in the Life uh, four issue miniseries. I really liked that show. That show was super charming and a lot of fun. Uh, the ending was like, the, man, they almost nailed the ending for Year in the Life, but then they do a thing where it's just kind of like, you sons of bitches, you almost had it. I I have not watched Gilmore Girls, but I have heard that the new ending pissed a lot of people off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could have done another twenty two episodes, and it's the same girl. It's the same showrunner who does. Um, Marvelous Mr. Maisel. Okay. Uh, so sh- I really like that showrunner. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I really liked Gilmore Girls. And if uh, Gilmore Girls was supposed to have two more seasons when the WB became the CW, but they ended up with one final season. And if they had those last two seasons, <coughs> I think that show would have ended on a w- a wonderful note. Right on. But it's unfortunate that it's kind of both notes it ends on are kind of lack- lack- lackluster. Hmm. Yeah. Boo. Anyway, that's, that's, uh, that is now all I did. Okay. Right. Yeah. All right. What's Who's up, next? guys? Uh, I'm just, uh, mine's easy. I played more Zelda. Um, still playing that game. That game's still incredible until I was talking to Ben about this yeah, earlier. Uh, I hit a point where you have to be stealthy. And uh, I'm not here to be stealthy, and it's really infuriating. And I played it for an hour, and I rage quit. Well, luckily, that's only <laughs> one part of the whole game. It better be. It's only the one oh, part. I had to quit that aren't game. You, you aren't real you quick. Hitman King? 
I am Hitman King. Yeah. I also so I stopped playing that. Then I played Hitman, and I and I did some great stuff. There's a so new mission where <laughs> like it's called the musician, and you get a violin if you beat it, and you have to like you have to knock out all the musicians, and you have to do all these different things like certain quests. Hey and guys, I'm like, check out check yeah. out the basement arcade special for Hitman. It's real good. Yeah. I'm, a I'm, bit where Sparks just goes, Ryan. No. Don't. <laughs> yeah. And that, yeah, that's how I play most of my games: is fast and furious and loose and crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then I played Skyrim for about 15 minutes with mods, and I was like, wait a minute. I just said I was going to play Fallout 4 with mods. So I in- uninstalled Skyrim to install Fallout, and now I'm going to play that for probably a couple days before I get bored of that. That's me. That's not all you did. Wait, what else did I do? We watched Stranger Things. Oh, I, sorry. I forgot. We also watched Stranger Things. That show is really, really good. We're we that thing out in, like, two days? Yeah, we we yeah. did it pretty quick. We're going to try and finish that this week. Yeah, Um. like, just super quick. Um... The more I think about it, I th- I think it might be my favorite season. Truly, the stuff with the character, like the character arcs, like the stuff that I care about are character interactions, character arcs, and see people progress as people. And I think this season does more for all, almost all the characters in such beautiful, realistic ways. Especially as them being teenagers, mm-hmm. uh, it's really, really cool seeing these actors and these <coughs> characters grow up in real life. I thought the exact same thing. Yeah, that's all for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I find it impressive how much of a hold Stranger Things has that most people watch it within a week. Yeah. And, like, after season two, like, I wasn't, like, urging to run into Stranger Things. But after that first episode, I'm like, oh, they found it again. They yeah. found that first season, lo- that first season, uh, uh, like, spark. Spark. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I was, mm-hmm. I was super, yeah, I was super, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I was super engaged into that, that first episode, but just, for like, schedules. And yeah, of course. We couldn't just get the next episode going. Sure, sure. But I really wanted to. Yeah. Um, I loved in the first episode, and I can only talk about the first episode, unfortunate, um, because I'm sure there's more of this, but, like, when Hopper is, Yelling at Mike before Mike being a little shit with uh-huh. Eleven is so good. Yeah, like the uh-huh. realistic teenage aspects of this grander sci-fi epic. It's like it's it's the stuff I I truly love about filmmaking and television. And like you can have these small scale things about a dad trying to protect his daughter while having these epic you know this monster's taking over the world kind of thing. Like that's I eat this shit up. I love it. It's so good. Yeah. Now, everything. I don't know if I have a bad thing to say about Stranger Things season three. Yeah. I just loved it that much. Fanny and I, we were watched. We watched it when I came home um, on the third because it, it dropped on midnight. midnight. And we're like, "Hey, is it on?" And because I get off at like one, I get home at one o'clock in the morning. So we got home. I was like, "Hey, is it on?" And we, we just watched the first two episodes. We're like, "Okay, we need to sleep." And then we'll watch the rest. And then on the fourth, we finished the whole thing. And and no spoilers. No regrets. It's really funny how this came out on the fourth of July. Yeah. <laughs> and how it's almost intrinsically tied to the plot. Yeah. Stuff involving the. Oh yeah, of they July. knew what they were doing. It's hilarious. I it's love so it. Good. I'm pretty sure they knew. Um, like when they released it, it was like people are probably just gonna binge this all day. I binged it all day. Yeah. We. It helps it. that it's only eight episodes. I saw it on. Uh, I even went and saw Spider-Man: Far From Home. And when we were coming home from Far From Home, they and I were like. You know, let's just finish Stranger Things. I rather, I can't wait to watch Stranger Things. Once we were done with Stranger Things, we we're like, man, that was so good. Well, that was the other thing I was going to talk about. Far from Home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Far from Home had a really strange reaction. Right. You weren't you weren't on last week, unfortunately. Yeah. So we missed you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I didn't get not get to share my thoughts. I don't have really anything to add that you guys didn't touch on. Um, I was pretty much in line with all three of you. Um, the only thing that I would have added is that I don't, and this is a Marvel Cinematic Universe thing. It's not a Spider-Man problem. I don't like um, the suit. I, I like <coughs> the design of the suit. I don't like what they've done with CG costumes for the Mar- for the Marvel films. You see with Iron Man post Civil War, uh, 
but not pre-Civil War. So with Iron Man, for example, and for The Amazing Spider-Man, they did the same thing. Uh, so The Amazing Spider-Man 2 um, will come into play, but they, uh, they have the chess play for Iron Man, and then they build onto that, and they will give a practical when they need to. Uh, but the, most of the time it is a CGI costume, but that chest plate is always practical. That chest plate is always there. But in Civil War, they decided to put everything over the chest plate. So it became a completely CGI costume instead of a partially CG costume. And that's happened to Spider-Man 2 in Civil War and, every, and subsequent movies. For Spider-Man, <coughs> we clearly see set footage of, P- of Peter Parker in a practical costume. We, we have seen the footage. He has a practical suit. But if you look at the footage, sometimes there's little, t- there's little dots there, motion capture dots. And that's for them to overlay an entirely CGI costume on top of it. I think it makes it look really fake. I think it makes it look really weirdly will, leathery and glossy. Yeah. I will fake. agree with you on Iron Man. Specifically, yeah, like like post-Civil War. Like, I just wish sometimes they use a little more practical stuff because they definitely did that in the earlier movies, and mm-hmm. I will agree with that. For me, and Spider-Man... And I think it, look, it looked better in Endgame. But because that's, that's nano stuff, so it's not... But, but I didn't the like the Infinity War suit, but mm-hmm. I did like the Endgame suit. Because So I will acknowledge that the technology does vary. Yeah, yeah. But I think for the most part, it I don't like the over-reliance on CGI I, costumes. I can't agree with you. I'll just say, for me, it personally doesn't bother me. Like... I'm I'm absolutely sure there are special effects reasons that they that they have to do it that way. Like you know, I'm not a special effects mm-hmm. guy. I don't know. Um, it it definitely impacts me more with Iron Man than Spider Man. Uh, but I definitely I definitely can't disagree with you. Like it's definitely noticeable sometimes. I think I think something that bothered me a bit about it, in specific to that in Spider Man Far From Home, is that we're watching a character who specifically is wearing a motion capture suit who's designed to be creating CGI illusions, and yet when his CGI illusions go up and then Spider Man's CGI suit also comes into the screen, it's kind of hard to make the two feel distinct yeah. when they should. Uh, and his should feel like a practical suit and it's just a very it does it does look Yeah, that's why it I like looks it does look cheap you know it's not real that's why i yeah. like the stealth suit because that is a completely practical suit yes. they don't cg overlay that overlay that one except for the eyes yeah, yeah. that's what that's that, that suit works for me really well it's great um amazing spider-man i told you i said amazing spider-man 2 has a very good costume it's a completely practical costume sometimes cg but when it's cg they make sure there are still like wind flaps increasing to, to be honest amazing spider-man 2 as far as like translation of costume to screen is my favorite Spider-Man costume translated to screen. You know what? I'll agree with that one too. Uh, um, visually, the the shots of him going in New York in Amazing Spider-Man Two, being the hero, are visually incredible. Yeah. When, so like when you see in Amazing Spider-Man Two, when when Peter Parker is falling, his suit is still moving in the breeze. Yeah. It's still tight, but it's still moving in the breeze. Because that's supposed to be fabric, whereas is Spider-Man suit. It is an Iron Man suit. It it's like, like it like shrinks mesh. to him. It like it, it like you know it, it expand or like a destrict. What is what's the word? Like. It it, stri- it like stricken on restricts there. restricts thank restricts, you yeah. Yeah. I think that's right yeah um yeah like the back to the future shoes I get yeah. I get that there's a story reason for it but I I just I don't think you wish it was practical I, I, wish it was I, practical. I do too yeah. I do too I just I, I I have the same I have a I have a similar issue but not exactly the same issue with the nano suits in with the quantum suits in in Endgame I I, I, I just don't I I. I don't like the over reliance on CG costuming. I much prefer practical costuming. I agree. I will say uh, the actual reason for that is because they didn't have. They were shooting both movies back to back, and they sim- simply did not have the design of the suits ready. Yeah, right. I know. So, like, I think that's just a a logistical there's, reason. There's definitely like reasons for it at times, but yeah. I do think like an overall consensus on like the Marvel Cinematic Universe films. I I agree that just in general, and Spider Man is one where it glaringly gets to me, is 
practical with CGI to enhance is the same way that I prefer my monster movies. Yes. Yes. It's the same way that I wish certain things like Beast and Beauty and the Beast live action were done. It's the same way I'd like my superhero costumes to be done. I prefer when it's practical. The fact that uh, Jake Gyllenhaal insisted on having a practical suit most of the time so he could actually feel like he was wearing it and they had to build it because they were just going to CGI him Mm -hmm. makes a difference when you physically see him in the costume when he is physically in that costume. Uh, It is impactful. Funny enough, bringing up Spider-Man 3... Like Sam Raimi, like those movies are very CGI heavy, but that is a dude who loves practicals. Uh, the Caravan of Garbage from the Weekly Planet yeah. just talked about Spider-Man Three. The the bank scene where Sandman is robbing a bank and he's on like the bank uh, uh, car and stuff. They they hired an amputee, so when Spider-Man punches Sandman, it looks like his arms going through Sandman. But they hired a guy an amputee, so they CGI the first part of the arm, and the amputee got to p- actually do like a fake punch. Yeah. So they use as much practical stuff as they can to make the CGI and the real stuff merge together. And I'm like, sometimes. Marvel just has too much money. And it's real, the problem. And see, that's the thing. So, if, like, if the Spider-Man Homecoming suit and the Far From Home suit, uh, it's the same suit, but, like, if, mostly. But if, if they had... color difference, yeah. If they had... We know the practical suit exists. So, if they used that practical suit and then touched it up with CG, that looks a hell of a lot better than putting an entirely CG costume on top of yeah. an already yeah. practical costume. Yeah, I think we're, I I just think we're all in agreement, yeah. Be- yeah, uh, Peter Parker looked the best fighting the elementals when he was just a schoolboy in his casual yes. clothes yes those scenes were excellent because i was tom holland doing stunts yes. yeah sir yes. i can help i'm strong and sticky, I'm sticky. Yeah, dude. <laughs> uh but for the most part I, I but outside of that and everything that you guys said on the mm-hmm. on the episode um i, re- I really like the movie i'm a little burnt out on the mcu right now sure yeah um we've we've spent a lot of time talking about it and a lot of time watching those movies yes we have well, we have a year wait now that i'm so happy about yeah. that because if black widow was like next month i'm hard out I, I don't think I could ever get burned out on Marvel movies, but specifically like after Endgame was like, this is the finale to this thing. Having Spider-Man immediately after was like, I don't know. I love Spider-Man. I don't know if I really needed it this soon. I need a, yeah. I need a cool down. Yeah, yeah was, I think I think I could like, have used like, too. Yeah, I'm not burnt out, but like I don't need them this quickly, this I, succinctly together. I, I feel like if they the intention wasn't to be able to make another Spider-Man film within two years, it would have been delayed. Yeah. yeah. But they want it out so that they can get another Spider-Man movie out in two years and... Keep him yeah. young. I'm business keep him reasons. Active. I am. I am happy to have the break till yeah. the next Marvel. Sure. Film. Sure. Yeah. Uh, very happy about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I watched Stranger Things this week. Oh yeah, That's we did. What I did. Yeah. Uh, I also uh, dealt with computer issues, so some of our YouTube stuff went up late, like Basement Arcade this week. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> computer <laughs> um, issues, man. It happens. Yeah. How many times uh, does this episode go up late? Well, yeah. not this specific episode. It might go up late. We don't know yet. <clears throat> Who knows? Uh, but yeah, uh, what else? I, you, I heard you playing more ukulele. Oh, yeah. I, I heard that. Ukulele. I don't know how much you played, but I heard the you, noises. A bit. Like a real ukulele? No, no, no. Ukulele, which oh. is a... The Banjo-Kazooie uh, game. Like Banjo and Kazooie. It's from All right, the same so studio. quick side note. The second one, Ryan was saying that uh, Sparks was playing ukulele. Sparks' girlfriend is here um, on her laptop, and she just looked straight at me and mouthed a lot. <laughs> oh, okay, so it was a lot. Cool. <laughs> it wasn't a lot. It was uh, like, <laughs> you napped for four hours, and I played while you... That is not a lot. <laughs> Ask these guys who play video games a lot. Is four hours a lot? I played... Four Sp- hours in one I week. I played Spider-Man PS4 Brandon, for you five are not days. The, there you go. See? Brandon doesn't even play video games. Yeah. Five days. Yeah, five I'm, days. Anyway. I'm not going to lie. Four hours for me, I consider myself lucky if I could play it for four hours straight. Yeah, otherwise... I think I did, um, no, I think I did that Friday um, when I... I uh, <clears throat> are, are you done with your week, Sparks? Yeah, I don't, I don't I was, well, I was always going to say is that I, I just worked a lot, and fortunately I was able to get yesterday off. Yeah. We all went to Disneyland. Yes. Yeah. 
We, uh, ben and I got to see Galaxy's Edge for the first time. Oh, yes, we did. That's <laughs> that's Smuggler's Bounty, Smuggler's, Smuggler's Run. Smuggler's Run. That ride is really cool. Yeah. Oh, my God. So uh, my week was pretty much just like work, 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 because I, na- I have a week off this week. So I am really I don't have to go to work tomorrow. So I am so stoked that I don't have to go to don't have to work. And I'm just like, yes, I can relax. I uh, when um because Sparks messaged me on Thursday about going to Disneyland on Saturday, and I originally had other plans, but I'm like, no, nah, if there's a chance for me to go to Disneyland, I'm gonna try and go to Disneyland. And I just thought about it, so I'm like, you know, what? I'm gonna try something. And if it works, cool. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I Jedi mind tricked my boss, and he gave me an extra day off. That's amazing. I'm proud so, of you, dude. So it's like you usually don't try to do that stuff. No, so I'm proud of you for trying. No, so I'm like, you know what? Because I I want an extra day. I'm I'm burnt out. I'm tired. I hate going. I hate coming home that late. It's it's. I, I needed you. some time to myself. I need to relax. So I mean, Friday I had a day off. I played some video games and I watched episode seven and eight of Star Wars. Um, I watched seven with uh, my girlfriend's best friend because she's never seen these movies until she met me. So hearing her reactions from any Star Wars or new ones? any Star Wars, mm, starting so, with seven. No, we started with one. Oh. Well, no, we started with four, five, and six. Then we went one, two, no. No, you, you started on Star Wars, and this was the weekend that you showed her Force Awakens. Yes, yes, the yes. there we go. There yeah. we go. Okay. She's she's seen all the other films except for Solo and Last Jedi, but we were watching Seven. You, you mean Rogue One? Yeah, Rogue One. Yeah, because mm. no, she did see Rogue One. Oh, okay. Yeah, she did watch Rogue One, but she hasn't seen Solo or Last Jedi yet. Okay. N- but now she's seen Last Jedi. No. Oh, you but watched that without her? Yeah, we watched okay. it without her because she watched Force Awakens and she loved it. She was yelling and screaming and absolutely loving it every time. Like when um, Harrison Ford came on screen, she was yelling. Carrie Fisher, hey, she was I'm crying. Cranky. She screamed no when Ben Solo stabbed. Uh, Spoilers. When, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> when uh, when Kyle Ben Ren, Solo stabbed Papa Solo. Yep, pretty much. So the whole time. And then after she left, um, Fanny and I were just like, man, I want to watch Star Wars again. So we watched episode eight. And, and I'm so glad you did because you put you put episode eight on your I was, on your I Instagram was, story. I was Instagram story, yeah. And you did mostly the throne room fight scene. And I was watching that. And I'm like, I'm sitting there going, like, man, Last Jedi is really good. Yeah, yes. I, I didn't I send you <laughs> yeah. a message? I was like, you said love, love. uh-huh, <laughs> love it. Because like I was I was engaged watching <laughs> through on, his phone. On, on a phone, like, oh yeah, this is still dope. I'm like, oh yeah. man, this is so cool. Yeah. I was I kept waiting for your next update for the next <laughs> couple ten seconds. Yeah. So I'm rewatching Last Jedi. I'm like, man, Last Jedi is great. Yeah. Just to, like to prep myself because I was just so hyped to go to Galaxy's Edge on yesterday. And on yesterday, yes. And when we went, I want to say like when we first like when we got in Disneyland, we were walking out. We entered the land through the Hungry Bear side on the far western side. So you go through the Resistance Outpost first. So as we were walking up to that, you can hear the music and oh, the yeah. forest. Oh so yeah, so that's a yeah the opposite way of coming in. So yeah. like you don't see all the stuff first. No, you don't. That's awesome. So just see, just hearing that as we're walking up, I I think I was having like a, religi- a religious experience. Yeah, yeah. I was just so happy. I was just so like, oh my god, I'm here. And then I saw the X wing. I saw the relis- the the resistance kiosks and the the future queue to rise the resistance. It took me two and a half hours to get there, but I was also happy. Yeah, that's. I'm sorry, buddy. It's okay. Traffic sucks. Traffic was horrible. Yeah. It told me an hour and a half, and then I was like, nope, one more hour. <laughs> you bitches. How do you just <laughs> add an hour? You're awful. <laughs> that's awful. The so traffic was so bad. It was an awful driving experience. But the smugglers run. Oh. Um, was kind of a religious experience for me. <laughs> I, <laughs> like, I really, it really it. hit. Like, watch, walking up there was like, oh my god, we're here! I'm finally here at Galaxy's Edge. This is great. 
and it, it's been dead because I was preparing myself, like mentally preparing, because we went to Disneyland on a Saturday in July. Everyone's off of school. Everyone's off of work. That place should be packed like a can no, of sardines. It's been, a, it's been a, actually a problem for both theme parks, Universal Studios mm-hmm. and Disneyland. Like the, the attendance has been re- down real low this, yeah. this summer. That's so crazy. I know. Yeah. Hey, guys, we all don't make enough money to always do these things, and that's that's what happens. Yeah. yeah. This country's in a deficit. Yay! Yeah. But you know what? Being there... On yesterday, it was a great. It was great. Like when I first saw the Falcon for the very first time, I was like, "It's there, it there it is." The amount of detail it's that's in that ride, in, in that in that whole park, is incredible. Being able to pilot, I got to pilot. We rode at three times yesterday. I rode it twice. You rode twice. I got to ride three times, and I got to pilot each time, and it was just like. Yeah, I got to pilot both both times too, and <laughs> <laughs> Sparks was on on the first time, and there was, we crashed a lot. I was like, "We're good, we're good, we're good, we're good. We got this. Don't worry about it. I got it. We're good. Nope, we're good." I think Megan was still shouting at you. You're still <laughs> driving. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that no, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm mildly jealous of both of you f- that your first experiences were getting to like walk all the way up there and be pilots. Because Ryan and I, our first experiences were as engineers, double yeah. engineer. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we didn't have that as like the very first time yeah. we're we're behind the wheel of it. Yeah, but uh, so that's really cool. Well, also I think it was cool because my buddy Scott he was at VidCon and he called me up and said, "Hey, I just bought myself a two day pass to Disneyland because VidCon apparently he was hating it." So he's like, "Are you gonna be in Disneyland today?" I was like, "Yeah, cool. I'll meet up with you later." So he goes single rider smugglers run. He this, he comes out of it and there's only a forty five minute wait for the ride. So we're like, "Hey, guess what? You're going on with us again." And we had a full cabin of six people. And our whole party was six people, and as the first time going on that ride, and then the whole group said, "Yeah, let Ben and Fanny go and pilot the Falcon." I'm like, "Oh!" I got to sit in the Han seat. Fanny was on the Chewy side. The Chewy it, side gets to go to light speed. Yeah, I know. I didn't realize that. Well, that's Punch fun. It. I got to go the second time. I went on Smuggler's Run. Uh, we got to. I got to sit on Chewy side, and every time Fanny was yelling me to do stuff, I always answered back with, <laughs> "Like try yeah. to do Chewbacca." Trying, I love it. It was. Smuggler's Run is great. Yeah, all of Galaxy's can't wait Edge for that, new, for that new ride to open. All of Galaxy's Edge is great. Are we talking about that? No, the, the Disney World is in December. Talk about it right now if you want. We're well, good. I thought they announced that the Resident Disney World is in Rise of the Resistance opens January 2020 in Disneyland. In Disney World, it opens with the opening of the land in December. Nice, nice. Yep, it's a long time away. Uh, yep, actually, it's not that long. It's unfortunate for our friends. I was actually going to bring them up anyway, so it's unfortunate for for our friends at Downright Nerdy, uh, who are planning to visit in December and be hopefully have both the rides open by then. That oh, will not be looks the like case, going sadly. The other uh, place. We'll we'll just have to make the trip worth it for them in other ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that sounds. They dirty. were they were messaging us. It did sound a little. Dirty. We can do our own Rise of the Resistance. Oh, oh God, it's going to overthrow the government. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, they were messaging us while we were at the land. Uh, we were just having conversations about a whole bunch of different things. Uh, I hopped on their live stream earlier today for their podcast episode for this week, uh, just to defend my boy Goku in a battle against Scarlet Witch. Hell yeah! In their competition. Um, but yeah, just wanted to give them their proper shout outs. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah. you know, they actually being uh, an awesome supportive fan base. And now you bring up last Jedi is really awesome. And I know that's going to get them all riled up. So <laughs> get them ready for oh, they discussion. don't like last Jedi. That's correct. He oh. doesn't like last Jedi. No. Heck yeah. I can't one, wait to talk about actually it. Actually one of the things I was, I want to get Ken Napsok to get them to oh talk boy. to well, them. Really, really quick anecdote. Cause I was thinking about this when I was watching last <laughs> Jedi and force awakens, 
is that both are really good films, but for different reasons. Uh-huh. Like I, while I was rewatching uh, uh, Force Awakens oh. with, oh my god, can I quick, quickly, quickly give you yeah. the scene? So we're, he's talking about this in the exact same spot that you and Sparks and I, Ryan Sparks and I talked about it at Earl of Sandwich. We had the same conversation. We did. We did when we were talking about Star Wars. Okay. Ryan when we, we went, went to, to Disneyland. Disneyland together, Ben did this yesterday. Oh. Same spot. Talked about Star Wars. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. So hey, that place is great. Earl Sandwich. Oh no, Earl Sandwich, Sandwich is the place Sandwich. to talk about I, Star I, Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Earl Sandwich for life. Hell great yeah. Meatballs, baby. Hey, that chicken avocado. Mm, favorite. Anyways, so because I was because while I was watching it with fans, friend Grace, who has seen the original trilogy, thanks to me, and she, we're watching Force Awakens. She's like, oh my god, it's just like the originals. I love this. I look, and she agrees. She likes the originals, but and and not the prequels all that much. Sorry, Brandon. Hater. No. <laughs> she likes it all. She likes it all. But as she was watching, she was like re- reminiscing, like, oh hey, that's that one thing from that one movie, or that's that that. And as I was watching Force Awakens, I thought this movie is very nostalgic, but at the same time, it's not. It's still not bad. Hey, you it, could be good and nostalgic. Yeah, it is. It doesn't hit you over the head with it, the nostalgia. That's, yeah. I think that's Force Awakens, Stranger Force Awakens. Yes, yeah. I think Force Awakens is great personally. Yeah, and, I love that movie. Oh, I love that movie too. I love and both then, the new movies. As I'm watching Last Jedi with Fanny again, just the two of us, I'm looking at it I was like, no, this is what, I feel like Last Jedi is what Star Wars needed. It's like, you got the nostalgia stuck out, stuff the out of the way, and then it's like, when Luke tosses his lightsaber behind him, it's like, Okay, buckle up, sucker. You're you're on a new ride now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll ride up down right nerdy. Thank you for that, Ben. <laughs> um, <laughs> we do actually before we get into the news, we do have a giveaway to announce. <gasps> we do. Oh, we're doing Ooh. it now. Yeah, Hell let's do it yeah. now up top oh. uh, instead of wait for the up end top, of the episode. We do it up top. We don't wait for the end. Um, Shots fired. So thanks for listening to this almost an hour long intro to oh, the episode. Really? Hell, <laughs> this is my dream. So yeah, I had a, I loved my day yesterday. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna have to put in some timestamps. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, we had a giveaway, uh, and in the giveaway, at the instructions, if you follow the instructions on Instagram, you will win, you win a Mondo uh, Spider-Man Homecoming poster, a uh, handmade uh, cup cozy, Spider-Man cup cozy, and Spider-Man keychain, both of them handmade by at Crafted by Z. Awesome. Uh, a Spider-Man, uh, a Spider-Man stealth suit from Far From Home print uh, by Coldest Heart Around. Um, and uh, you had to all f- follow all three, like the post, and you also get a comic book notebook where you can make your own comic book mm-hmm. if you want to. Ooh. Um, so we had a lot of entries. It went really well for us. Uh, thanks in part to Downright Nerdy. Thank mm-hmm. you guys. We really um, love you. You guys had over twenty submissions. <laughs> um, somehow, unfortunately, spoiler alert: you did not win. Um, I tried real hard though. I'm sorry. The winner ended up being non-victim one. Uh, whose friend says you ain't gonna win shit? So <laughs> in your face. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> so congratulations. Hell yeah. Um, message us with with your shipping details, and we will get that stuff out to you as soon as we can. That's yep. amazing. So congratulations. Thank you everyone for supporting for supporting us and for uh, entering our giveaway. Yes. It went really well for us. Uh-huh. I'm thinking we should do it again. Oh yeah. Not we won't do a weekly one, uh, but we're gonna. I think we should set up another one uh, yeah. down the road. When something happens, so, yeah. we will. We might do this again. So, big yeah, big movie was, release time. Yeah. Yeah. That was really good for us. Real fun for us. We got a lot of. We got a lot of good. Good. Promotion for that. Yeah. So thank you all. Uh, again, non-victim one, send us your information. Everybody who responded to the giveaway, thank you. Uh, Try again next time. time. Yeah. Next time, yeah. Try again next time. Appreciate you. Um, all right, shall we get into our bread and butter? Yes. Let's do it. Oh, man, are we here? And here's your bread. 
And your butter. He's been butter. Hey, okay, not in my ear, thank you. All right, then, time for our bread and butter. Yum, oh, yum, yum, man. Yum. Let's get into some sad news first, unfortunately. Hey. Oh, 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 yeah. We had two major deaths this week. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that hit the nerd community pretty hard. Uh, one is bank robber Rip Torn. Uh, and no, I'm kidding. That's uh, that's horrible. <laughs> but Wait, no. what? He robbed a bank. He attempted to rob a bank at one time. Gee, about hey 10 man, years ago. We all have a past. <laughs> about 10 years oh, ago. Oh, now I'm remembering. Yeah. Oh, he was troubled. Because I, I remember, <laughs> yeah. so Rip Torn passed away at the age of 88 this right. week. Uh, we, fans will probably know him from Dodgeball. If you could dodge a wrench, you could dodge a ball. He was Zeus and Hercules. Zeus and Hercules. Yes. And, he was, um, Zed. and he was Zed and Men in Black. Yes. Was He's also in Freddy Got Fingered, one of the most oh. insane movies ever ever committed to film. He's also Hephaestus in God of War? He is. He is. God of War 3. Yeah. So yeah, he's really great, really great actor. Wonderful, wonderful actor. Uh, his voice is like, it's instantly recognizable. Yeah. 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 So if you uh, didn't know the story about 10 years ago, I had known that something, I was like, Wait, I thought so. He passed away. I thought he was like quote unquote canceled. Like he like he was like racist or something. Like no, I was yeah, misremembering yeah. something, and I was like, "There's some." It was something that happened with him, and something it, big. Because I remember when Ben Black Three came out. I remember he, he wasn't hired back from Men in Black Three. Exactly. Yeah, people said that oh, the actor. I because I thought Rip Torn was dead for a long time, mm-hmm. which kind of sucks because I know because uh, I mean Dodgeball and then uh, Men in Black. But then when Man Black 3 came in... God, Dodgeball's so good. Yeah, no, it <laughs> it's is. Emma Thompson as O taking over... For Z. And it's a Z. really, really funny eulogy uh-huh. in Men in Black 3. It's one of but my favorite scenes I of the movie. I thought he was already dead. That's mm-hmm. why I figured, oh, he's not in Man Black 3 because he died. I didn't know that he... Yeah, there was a controversy. And so what the controversy was was that he was arrested for drunkenly trying to rob a bank. <laughs> oh. In his hometown. On January 29th, 2010... First degree burglary, firearm while intoxicated. Yes, he had oh. a gun. <laughs> oh, he yeah. was blackout drunk in his hometown. And this dude's really rich, so he doesn't need to do this. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I mean, like, now, I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's for a roll. Now we can laugh about it, but <laughs> man, that's crazy. Yeah, so yeah, he passed away sadly. It's, it's sad to miss him. Yeah, he he's he was like a legendary like like quote unquote like crazy actor. Like he went through a lot of like. Uh, trouble throughout his years for being just a, a crazy personality. Um, he was really, really famous in the 90s for the Larry Sanders show. It's a show I've seen. It's Which on he HBO. won an Emmy for. He won mm-hmm. multiple. Uh, he's like really celebrated for that show. Uh, so like we know him from like nerdy stuff, but like he's an acclaimed comedian for decades. Oh yeah, oh, for yeah. decades. Um, so it's just 88's a, a long life. Like it's yeah, a shame. It's a shame. But like he, he he's definitely going to be remembered for a lot of great roles. I yes. mean, luckily they still use him at the as far as I know at the Men in Black ride over at Universal Studios Orlando. Oh, I recently watched Men in Black one and that that. Zed is really good. Yeah, yeah. We're not hosting an intergalactic character. Oh yeah. yeah. But oh, and of course, one of his favorites. My line. boy. <laughs> and, I love Hercules. And oh, that's right, because he didn't do the voice for Zeus in Kingdom Hearts three. No, no. no. Uh, it was a different guy. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, but uh, he, the guy who does who does he voice matches on um, Riptorn pretty well. But um, what was I gonna say? You could dodge a wrench. You could dodge a ball. Yeah. How many people quote that? One of I, the most fam- one of the most quotable lines in history. Yeah. yeah. Dodgeball, um, American classic. It is, and I will never yeah. take it away because yeah, yeah. that movie is great. The nobody uh, makes me bleed so, my own uh, blood. <laughs> yeah, that's it's sad. Yeah. R.I.P. Rip. The yeah. other, the yeah. other Hector Jesus. The other actor who passed away this week was Eddie Jones, who was more prominently known in the nerd community as Jonathan Kent from Lois and Clark. Yeah. Oh, this, okay. Ooh. This is the Dean Cain Lois and Clark yeah, yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he passed away at the age of eighty-two. Okay. I don't know. 
Okay, this the story is very weird. I haven't asked my dad about it. But you, uh, Brand, you know I have a Dean assigned Dean Kane. I uh, do know this. Yeah. Um, headshot. I've, yeah, we've we've seen it. Oh yeah. yeah. It's not a headshot. Or by the way, it's a full body. It's shot. a full, full, body, it's shot. A full body shot of. Dean I mean, Kane there is a suit. shot of his head in there. Yeah. So you're not totally it, wrong. Anyways, it's signed and autographed. He, my dad got. My dad said it was either I don't know if it was Dean Kane's dad or the actor who played his dad on Lois and Clark. He knew him somehow. He helped him out for something. And he was able to get me a autograph picture of him. Nice. So I don't know if it was him or Dean King's actual father, but either way, this is sad because I loved uh, yeah. Lois of Clark this when I was, was a kid. That was my favorite Superman show. Yeah, that was that was your your Superman. That was essentially your Superman for a long time. It was, yeah. Yeah, it's it's really. I don't know him from a lot of other. From, I don't think anything else. Um, but yeah, that's a, that is a bummer to losing a Jonathan Kent. He's a voice in Big O. Oh, is nice. he? Really? I'm looking up. He's he does a lot of lot of small Man, small stuff. Big O's been getting a lot of play from us recently. <laughs> yeah. I really liked Big yeah, O. Yeah, I Big O's great. I now I want to watch Big O. I see Big O again. <laughs> yeah, I watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I seen like an episode. and I thought, oh sweet, giant robot. That show was awesome. Anyway, so yeah, R.I.P. Um, Eddie Jones. Yeah. Really yeah. sad. Um, all right, should we move on to the to the meat of the meat of the episode? Meat. Whoa, this is whoa, bread whoa. and butter. We are in bread and butter. So we are we having like a calzone over here? What's going bread, on? Bread uh, to the meat of the bread and butter. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it's the really disgusting meat and bread. Meat potatoes? Are you stealing from Michael? A double down, maybe. Um, wait, <laughs> wait. Yeah. Meat and potatoes. That's why. That's why he calls it. Yeah. So and on the Riley podcast, yeah, yeah. Michael Carl started saying meat and potatoes because he kept starting to say bread and butter. Too and much. I love it. Yeah, Good. Riley always called them out. I was like, hey, stop listening to that podcast. He's like, no, don't. Hey, don't stop. Yeah, <laughs> don't stop. Uh, don't stop me now. So, so Black Label has some news. Gee, man. Like uh, I, I just, uh, I know it's not Vertigo. Right. This is so awesome, though. So we're gonna start with actually the Vertigo esque uh, title, real quick. Um, so the same. Some Vertigo news. This is not where I thought this was going to happen, but uh, welcome nonetheless. So John Constantine is getting another new title. This will be his third title since the New Fifty Two. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, this is gonna be called John Constantine, comma Hellblazer. It's written by Simon Spurrier, yes. who is currently writing Doctor Afra. And and uh, art books. by Aaron Campbell, who um, wrote a book called who was the art for a book called Infidel. This is not, this is going to be a Sandman spinoff book. Yeah, it's weird. It's great and weird. Yeah, so it's it's part of the Sandman universe, which John Constantine has never been affiliated with before. But if we get a, a, a proper Vertigo-esque John Constantine from this, I'm down. That's the Ooh. weird thing, because they aren't uh, say, uh, Constantine is not from Sandman, but in the Vertigo universe, they're all in the same universe. Right. Which is the DC universe, but it's its own side Vertigo universe. Yeah. This makes me truly believe that like Swamp Thing is coming back to quote-unquote Vertigo, and like John Constantine is coming back to vote Vertigo, like doing what they used to do, what was a good uh, best-selling book. Don't make it the PG-13 New 52 Constantine, because nobody wants it, and nobody liked it. That Rebirth Hellblazer book was actually not bad. The, the Rebirth one? Okay. Yeah, yeah the uh, Rebirth one I didn't was read good. that one, but the New 52 one was not good. No, it wasn't good. Um, so if we're going back you to like... You say that about 80% of New 52. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. Uh, if we're going back to mature, you know, these side stories, and it's, it's just under Black Label... Beautiful. And dude. not only beautiful. That. Make him rated R again. Make him smoke again. Yeah, I'm sure he hey smokes guys, now. Take Animal Man with you. Dude, <laughs> yes, I'm not seriously. joking. Like I think this is the test. I think if jo- if Constantine is successful, then they're like, all right, clearly this is what pe- the people want. So um so I'll read this. I'll read this. Uh Hellblazer's the one title I've always aspired to write. Uh ever since John Constantine slunk from Alan Moore's brain into Swamp Thing, dropping secrets like grenades, uh bewildering vegetables and spinning mysteries, I've been down to the to his misadventures with eerie gravity. John Constantine is the cynics magician, a man selfish dri- selfish drives and cataclysmic ha- uh, self-knowledge. 
who tries to do the right thing in spite of himself, in spite of the cost, in spite of the vile and violent world he occupies. He may not be the hero we need, but he's definitely the bastard we deserve. That's Barry talking. Um, This is going to be launched with a October one-shot called The Sandman Universe Presents Hellblazer Number 1, and it actually ties into an older... To a older Sandman comic, an older uh, Hellblazer comic from the old Vertigo days. Uh, it's about a. Uh, I'm, I don't want to read it because it's so far away. I yeah. messed up the thing, but <laughs> um, it's about a older John Constantine coming back from the past. Guys, old man Constantine to stop uh, to stop his his horrible future from happening. That's brilliant. Yo, the and right. it, it ties into a a the I think it's called the Long Night, which was a Hellblazer miniseries okay. from Vertigo. So yeah, real cool. And the great. writer said it's not the hero we need, but the bastard we deserve. The yeah. second that the writer said that, I'm like, I'm in. Real I'm in. quick, uh, j- j- are we gonna talk about Legends of Tomorrow news at all this week? Do we, we have anything? Tomorrow news? Okay. Do you know what the next season's gonna be about? Yes, I just wasn't going to talk about it because I'm the only one who watches it. No, it makes me just it. So you know the girl that Constantine is supposed to like save and like like she gets damned and like it's the reason he's like all sad and stuff. Oh, from his show? Well, from his entire history, like I know, but like I I remember from the show. Yeah, Astra, she's the villain for next season, and she's grown up and mad that Constantine. Uh, so this happened at the end of the last season. Yes, you, Constantine fell into hell, Mm -hmm. and he met her, and the the trio of the devils mm-hmm. they tricked him into thinking that he had to pick between saving her soul or saving brandon j rouse character of the atom who was also trapped in hell mm-hmm. and he picked her because that was the longer sin on his heart and when they were they showed him the image of her as when she disappeared into hell and then he meets this fully adult woman who actually enjoys hell and has bent hell to her whim because she stopped waiting for constantine a long time ago so oh. so this guilt on constantine like his whole character arc about trying to save this girl for decades and stuff like she's now his villain and that's going to make me start watching that show yep because that is incredible yeah i didn't want to say it is reminding me of something like you that guys watch it but yes no. yeah yeah because like i saw the news report i'm like no i yeah and i'm like that's awesome so like so much cool constantine stuff is happening right now and i'm like oh baby it's great i'm so happy Okay, so I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read. Um, so the so the one shot Hellblazer one will be in October. Then the series will launch in November properly. Um, the one shot will be written by Sperrier, and then the art will be by Mar- Marcio Takara, who did Wolverine: The Long Night. Also worked on X23. It's a great artist. Yeah. Um, so this description says it's going to build on on a momentum from the original Books of Magic miniseries. Sorry, not not the one I said. Uh, where Tim Hunter traveled into the future and encountered an older dying Constantine in the midst of a magical war. That version of Constantine is now somehow alive and in the present. The series will focus on Constantine's struggle to understand his current predicament and pre- and prevent that future war from taking place, even if it means killing him, Tim Tim Hunter to break the cycle. That sounds great. I'm assuming probably because they're doing this because Constantine is on just dark is that oh my god is that book still going on it's real good i i, it's, I just didn't realize it was still happening wow yeah. it's, it's a really to, good book. i need to pick that book up crap um, we were just looking at the uh, swamp thing cover for it the other day i know it's it's so many issues in like i don't want to i could just pick the trade up yeah and so this will launch the second season the second quote-unquote season of sandman and all the other books that have been going on will also relaunch that's so uh, cool. i don't think relaunch but i think we'll continue yeah this is um, awesome this is really cool news yeah i'm that's super stoked again like that. We make the joke like I just wish it was called Vertigo, like but like Black Label is giving me almost everything I want, yeah. like really quickly. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Is like we we were never questioning the idea behind yeah. the line combining. It was the why are we calling it Black yeah. Label? It just it's it's really great. 
Like, it's really cool. Yeah. So uh, the other news is that um, Jeff Lemire is launching two books with oh the Black God. Label. My baby. Uh, which got me and, and Ryan and everyone, I'm assuming, really excited. The first one, probably I the most... i never heard of him. Go on. <laughs> probably the most excited uh, is Joker Killer Smile, which he is doing with his longtime collaborator now, Andrea Sorrentino, Gosh, which oh he's collaborated God. with the likes of Green Arrow, Old yeah. Man Logan, currently Gideon Falls, which yep. is an incredible series mm-hmm. um, for Image. Uh, it's going to be a new three-issue miniseries that will focus on the relationship between Joker and an idealistic new Arkham Asylum doctor as Joker tries to manipulate his way to freedom. This doctor will find his happy, his happy professional and personal lives crumbling around him. Uh, Jeff Lemire had this to say, getting to work with my longtime collaborator, Andrea Sorrentino, on a Joker story is very exciting. The Joker is an iconic character, and we wanted to create something that challenges readers to look at his to look at him in a new horrifying way. And I like that a lot. Yeah, Don't dude. glorify the Joker. No. He's terrifying. I'm I'm super stoked for that. It's gonna be a three issue miniseries, probably prestige like the other ones. So yeah, that's that sounds real cool. This is this yeah. is like truly exciting. Like this and the next book, I'm like it's so cool that like, cause <coughs> excuse me, Jeff Lemire like he 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 writes like PG PG thirteen books, but like much like a Rick Remender, like when he goes a little harder, uh, he really shines. Just like Black Hammer just dropped this week. Yeah. Oh my shit. god. Did it really? Yeah. I have to go to the comic store. <laughs> um, but like he gets to do his mature stuff with established characters, like you know Batman, Joker, and stuff yeah. like that. So like again, like this and its next book. Next book, I'm like, I can't see how these are bad at all. These are I, so good. I actually prefer his harder edge stuff to his more PG work because he's because he's limited. Yeah, much like a remender. Like he he gets he's limited when he has to do stuff. Like, like I that. always That's I always say like I loved Animal Man, but I liked. Justice League Unlimited, Justice League United. Yeah, like it was a fine book, but it wasn't anywhere near as good as his other work. I agree. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's Justice League Canada was supposed to be called. <laughs> yeah. Although Animal Man's in that book, and he he portrays a really funny, like washed up actor Animal Man. Yeah. I love his version of Animal Man a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Justice League United was actually supposed to be where the Animal Man story was supposed to end. Yeah. But because he left that book prematurely, the Animal Man story is left hanging. His yeah. Animal Man run will never finish. And it bugs me to no end. It bugs yeah. me too. Um, anyway, so yeah. The it other it po- really it makes me feel rotten to the core. Oh, God. Uh, the other one is Breakfast called... Club. <laughs> the other one is called... Descendants. The, qu- <laughs> the, qu- <laughs> the question, the deaths of Vic Sage. Mo- wait, multiple? Multiple. Uh, oh, I thought it was one. Nope, it is the deaths of Vic Sage. All right. Um, this is the question. This is the original question returning to comics. Uh, also, at the same time, uh, Renee Montoya as the question is returning to comics in the pages of Lois Lane. By oh, really? Greg Rucka. Oh. So Renee Montoya as the questions back also. Oh my god. So I'm super excited. I love the question. The question is one of my more obscure um, fascinations. I, I think he's a cool character. Everything um, you need to know about him is if you watch one of the episodes of Justice League Unlimited, hell, he's sorted yeah. through Batman's trash. <laughs> yes, he That's is. everything you need to know about what type of character he is. He's so good. Doesn't he, he also talk he to dates, Huntress? He dates Huntress, mm-hmm. and there's a bit where they're trying to do uh, That's the bit they're trying to, to do uh, uh, like sexy talk on yeah, the phone, yeah. and uh, and Hel- and Helena is like, "What? So what are you wearing?" Is like blue trench coat, green shirt. Yeah. No, you're really bad at this. Yeah. Orange socks. <laughs> and he like, opens up a can of ice cream. Aha. 32 flavors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he's super, he's, a, he's the most paranoid person in the, in the entire DC universe. Yeah. And they, they rebooted him for the 52 with the Trinity of Sin and was awful. <sighs> I pretend that part doesn't happen. You, when, you make likes. Go ahead, Ben. No, but one of the things I love about um, that version of the question from New 52 is that I, the little plastic things on the ends of shoelaces, I will never forget what they're called. 
They're called acklets, and their true purpose is diabolical, <laughs> according <laughs> to the question. Yeah, oh, yeah? Okay, yeah. Okay, all right. But uh, these two books that Jeff Lemire is writing for Black Label, I'm actually more excited for the question than I am because for we the don't Joker. Get, we don't get a lot of Vic Sage. Eggs. No, we don't. And we haven't for a long time. Exactly, yeah. because the qu- question is one of those... I feel like after since we started doing this podcast, I've been talking especially to Ryan. To uh, Brandon, you've helped me into get into the flow of a lot of obscure characters, Swamp Thing in particular. And then I'm talking to Ryan about even more obscure characters. To me, it's like, no, I want to read the question. I want to. I whenever I give more dams about Victor Von Doom as infamous Iron Man. I give more dams about that than oh yeah, obviously Joker's gonna sell because it's the freaking Joker. Everyone knows him. Whenever, I want to read the question. Whenever um, Batwoman. When the news of Batman started, my first thing was like, "Man, they better bring in Renee Montoya and bring in the question." Mm-hmm. Like, goddamn! I think it's a sure, sure. Thing. I would yeah. love that because Renee and her were were almost yeah. to be married. Yeah. yeah. Before the New Fifty Two like killed her off page, <laughs> and then brought they brought her back for Reaper. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, okay, so yeah, so this is a fi- five uh, four issue miniseries. The question: The deaths of Vic Sage that uh, Jeff Lemire will be writing with uh, Dennis Cohen and Bill Sinkovich. Sinkovich. Sinkovich, which they are going to be it's kind of a continuation of the their last book with uh uh denny o'neill i want to say denny o'neill sure yeah I, I think it's denny o'neill um so the new series oh it's actually it's this it's this quote right here there you go um this new series directly harkens back to cohen and sikhevich Sike- uh previous question series with writer denny o'neill uh, the deaths of Vic Sage opens with the faceless vigilante seeing his end, which sparks a large mystery uh, that spans from the Wild West to the 1930s. Oh. I'm so... Is this a period piece? I don't know. To the 1930s? Yeah. That's a good question. Oh. oh. Yes, this is awesome. I'm so down. This is a weird period piece, like... Because the question's an old-ass character, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like Rorschach's um, based on he's him. He's a Charleston character. Yeah, yeah. So it makes... Yeah, dude. This is totally going to be like an old-school book, I bet. Yeah, he, he was... he was. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Watchmen was based off of Charleston characters mm-hmm. um, because he couldn't use the Charleston characters. Charleston was Blue Beetle, was Captain Adam um, was in the question. Like, they, those were the Charleston characters that DC bought in the 80s. Yep, yep. Uh, no, 70s, I think. A while ago. Yeah, and then uh, the question just came up from the DC Universe because of that, much like Shazam. Shazam. Oh, um, that z- makes sense. Yeah, yeah that's, why the, that's why Rorschach is the question and not Batman. Uh, A lot of people get that wrong. The, yeah. the Rorschach is supposed to be the question. Okay. Dude, Night Owl is definitely Batman. Yeah, Night, <laughs> Night Owl, Owl is, is Batman, yes. I mean, come on. But, he's, but he's actually supposed to be uh, Blue Beetle. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's, you're yeah. right. That's true. Wow. They're all the same no. thing. You yeah. know what? The connections have been realized. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and Dr. Manhattan is Captain Adam. That yeah. That's the easiest one to one. Son of a... Bit. Yeah. Or apparently it wasn't the easiest one to watch. I didn't know who people Captain think he's Superman. Yeah, I, which I mean I get, but I can, to be Captain I, Adam? I understand, but yes, he's supposed to be Captain Adam. Yeah. He, Captain Adam's the one with the silver skin. Who have you yeah. puncture? Okay, yeah, yeah. now I remember who he is. Wonder Woman hits him with a sword and he explodes in that movie. Yep, yep, yeah. Yeah. gotcha. Yeah, um, I, I think we just blew a lot of people's minds about yeah. Watchmen. Um, <laughs> so Lemire had this to say: De- uh, Dennis Cohen's run on the question has been a touchstone for me as a creator and a fan of comics for a long time. Getting the chance to work team with, Den- with uh, Dennis and Bill Sienkiewicz uh, to return to to uh, a hub city and Vic Sage is a dream come true. I might actually check out some of this older question stuff because if it's going to tie directly to it, uh, I haven't read much question outside of like modern stuff. Yeah, me too. Um, so I might check that out. Yeah, I'm I down. haven't read any question. And the second I saw the whole Trinity of Sin part, I thought. No, I'm just saying you don't take a regular dude who digs through trash and you make him an, like um, omnipotent a demigod. Like, demigod. Yeah. No, it's you not, don't do that it's bullshit. It's literally the opposite of what he is. You don't we don't bull- even know who he was supposed to be because Phantom Stranger was retconned to be Judas. 
You really? You don't yeah. remember that? I, I try to forget. Right. Okay, was, so for those of you, so the, for those of you who don't know, the Trinity of Sin we're supposed to we're supposed to be like the big thing. That Pandora, def- Pandora's box. Pandora, Pandora's box. The Phantom Stranger was retconned to be Judas. Uh, he, so they gave him twelve pieces of silver around his neck. Um, there Good. was a cool issue where actually he makes the specter. Okay. That was a cool issue. All he right. like betrays Jim Corrigan and makes the specter. Speaking of the Phantom Stranger, you want to see a great Phantom Stranger Holy portrayal? Shit. Watch Swamp Thing on Something DC Universe. Something I never thought would Phantom happen. Swamp Thing? Yes. yes. We haven't Dude, told yes. him because he doesn't watch Swamp Thing is incredible. Oh, my God. The Phantom Stranger has he, appeared. He does. Multiple remember, times. Remember when Spectre showed up in Constantine? Yeah. That was so cool. It was. It's much like that, but uh, probably even better. <laughs> that Constantine show was real good. Yeah. When was that show? Anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. So... More Joker news, actually. Oh. Um, for those of you who like Halloween, the movie. Or the thing. Or the thing, the movie. That doesn't work. I was going for a thing. Uh, <laughs> 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 I did it. Uh, yeah, John Carpenter is uh, apparently writing a Joker comic. Weird. This is nuts. This is so cool and weird. Yeah, John Carpenter, the uh, legendary filmmaker. is one of, Well, absolutely one of my favorites. Writing with Anthony Birch. A Joker one-shot called Joker the Year of the Villain, which obviously will tie into the Year of the Villain stuff that's yes. going on with Justice League. I'm pretty sure Anthony Birch is the same guy. Uh, he wrote Borderlands 2. He was a primary. Yes, he did. Yeah, he's a video game writer, and he's uh, he's trying to do he comics He also now. did uh, the Boom, um, Once Upon a... No, um, Kurt, Rus- uh, Kurt Russell's John Oh, es- Carpenter Escape books. from... Escape from New York. Gotcha. He did the crossover with the other Kurt Russell. Big time? Big Little China. Little China. Gotcha. Oh, that's sweet. Okay, yeah. yeah this he did the crossover comic. Cool. So he's he knows John Carpenter very well. Okay. Yeah. I guess he worked. This is not the first time they've worked together. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, they're doing a one shot with Philip Tan and Mark Deering. Philip Tan's great. Yeah, Philip Tan's real good. Yeah. Um, the solicitation for the book says now a human alien hybrid, Lex Luthor, has made his uh, appeal to the world, asking its citizens to embrace. Sorry, <laughs> embrace doom and give in once and for all to evil, humanity's true nature. In exchange, he will grant them. T- uh, the tools to ascend to their ultimate sel- uh, selves. While some DC villains and heroes are willing to hear what Apex Lex has, c- has to offer, <laughs> Apex Lex, the clown prince of crime isn't going to wait around until Lex gets to him. This puts the Joker on a mission to get his uh, swagger back in, in a world gone ma- gone bad by outbatting everyone else, proving that the greatest v- evil is always the one that leaves them laughing. Okay. Um, I'll tell you what. Do you guys remember? This, in this the was the most batshit announcement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you guys remember the Dark Knights, uh, mm-hmm. the, the Dark Knights Metal books? Yeah. yeah. And all those tie-ins had all the supervillains gaining like extra powers. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh, it kind of sounds like that with Lex doing the exact same thing for the villains. It's but a little bit. I mean, it's Scott Snyder also. Yeah. Um, what what Scott Snyder is trying to do um, to give a little bit of what Just League is about? The universe is about to be judged. And it needs to make a shape. And he's either make the shape of justice or the shape of doom. If it makes the shape of doom, it's destroyed. So Lex is trying to make the shape of doom, whereas the Justice League are trying to make the shape of justice. And it's kind of a race to until they get to the shores of judgment. Gotcha. Real cool stuff. I like it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> this is just bananas, though. Yeah. I was, like, the Jeff Lemire stuff was exciting to me as well. John Carpenter, though. But John Carpenter saying, hey, I'm doing this Joker comic. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, what? Yeah, and then the the description of what it would be, I'm like, this is bananas, and I love it. Yeah, yeah, I was really, I was really shocked to hear about to hear about this because I never thought in a million years. And he, the so he, it's not his first time dabbling in comics, no, but it not. is his first time dabbling in something this of this nature, high profile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Mark Russell is also doing a Riddler, Year of the Villain, by the way. 
The Flintstones writer? No, yeah, yeah. I just like I, I'm not generally like you know like the like the the but Forever Evil all those tie-ins. But this like one, but the Riddler one is about is about Lex not going to the Riddler, and the Riddler's pissed about it. Okay, yeah, he's j- okay. Yeah. That's cool. All right, and he, Mark Russell's really good. Yeah, um, yeah, John. To be honest, John Carpenter the last decade hasn't really produced anything at all. Uh, <laughs> he's been doing a lot of music. Okay, like fair. he composed he the score for uh, the most recent Halloween. Yeah. And he's also released uh, two comic collections called Tales of Halloween, which are not tied to the film franchise. They're just think like okay. scary stories, uh, scary stories, the book. Yeah. But they're they're comics. Oh, cool. no and idea. he okay. was making those. I oh, have I one of the collections actually. Cool. It's gonna okay. be a book club when we get to Halloween. That's awesome that cool. he's still writing. So yeah, his yeah. his like his f- his filming has has taken a turn. Like he doesn't make movies anymore, but he's still writing, which is great because he always yeah. writes and directs his own movies and stuff. Yeah. So that's really that's really cool. Well, he did was an executive producer on the Halloween. So that's true. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like he used to make movies all the time. Now he doesn't make movies anymore. He had a quote that just said, "Like the Joker's awesome. I'm happy to be doing this." He's so, he, dude. That dude loves video games. Like he loves. He lo- he's just like a really cool dude. He's ha- he just happens to be eighty. Yeah, yeah. He's just like us who just n- never grew up. Like his favorite games are Dead Space. Like he loves Dead Space. He's you like, I want to like make Kevin it- Smith when he's eighty. When Kevin Smith is eighty. Kevin Smith is more nerdy, but yes, the same type yeah. of guy. Yeah, yeah. I kind of want to be like Kevin Smith and John Carpenter when I'm. John Carpenter's a cool dude. <laughs> I, told, um, I promised myself that if I have grandkids when Disneyland has their 100th anniversary, I'm go, I'm taking them. You think Carpenter is a cool name, a cool first name? Yeah. Okay. I, I legitimately always thought about it if I ever had a kid because I want to call him John. Carpenter Eliopolis. <laughs> Holy shit, don't call your kid that. I would, I would, <laughs> you, you know what? If you want to name your first kid after John Carpenter, just call him John Carpenter Eliopolis. Maybe. That's kind of No, they're just going to be JC, Jesus Christ. <laughs> JC, JCR? JC Heliopolis. That's like JC and his dad RJ. They're the Heliopolises. <laughs> I'm never having kids. Heliopoli. <laughs> Just dogs. Uh, <laughs> all right. The other one is uh, Carpenter is a great name for a dog. I, yeah. For yeah. a dog. There we go. Yeah. Hell yeah. Indiana. All right. Mm-hmm. So the next the next thing to talk about is Fantastic Four Grand Design. Yeah, baby. This is a spiritual sequel to uh, X Men Grand Design, which was done by Ed Pisco. Yep. Um, this Plis- is Plisker. This I think. is. A, Probably. Yeah. This will be done by uh, Tom Scioli, so it's not by, by Tom Scioli. Um, they had this. He had this to say: uh, Fantastic Four is like the manga. This is like the Magna Carta of Marvel. This Magna. founding document. So being allowed to get. Oh, it is Magna, isn't it? Magna Carta. Yeah. Well, this is hard to read. Twelve fifty. Oh, X Men Grand Design. I had to look up what it was. Yeah, dude, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah it's actually been. It's been sitting in my my comicsology for a while now um so being allowed to get my hands on it is thrilling they've given a tremendous amount of creative freedom to just go for it so uh, uh, real quick um x-men grand design it's it's kind of like the new uh, spider-man life stories where it takes place in every decade every single x-men event every single x-men issue matters so this is a a a historical retelling of the x-men's history that includes everything, and it's all everything matters. So it's like a origins in a way, like like an X Men origins book, but it's uh, it's one. It's very modern, and the art's very much like Godzilla Half Century. What's his name? James. James Stokoe. It's very James Stokoe looking like, very uh, much like that. Uh, but it's but it's it's fifty years of X Men history, and every single thing matters. So like every little detail is like in every single panel. It's a lot, and it's really cool. Yeah, which so allows a lot of creative freedom. So expect a lot of the same thing for yeah. this uh, Fantastic Four Grand Design. What Absolutely. was the other comic news that you said that broke that broke today? 
It broke today. You said something about oh, it. Oh, Dave, there's a David Bowie comic coming out. Yes, that. Yes. Mm. By it, the Allreds. Uh, yes, by the Allreds. Um, and it's going to be autobiographical, but also have a inner story of Ziggy Star- Stardust and the and the Spiders from Mars. So it's going to be like a story within a story, much like Watchmen has a story within a story. It's just cool. David Bowie's getting a comic. I love David Bowie. Yeah, and That's a movie all. soon. Oh? Yeah, they, they, they're trying to Did they to announce it? it? Yeah. I'm not couple, shocked. A couple months ago. Actually, immediately after Bohemian Rhapsody, they announced it. I'm totally not <coughs> shocked. Uh, yeah, so that's that's really all the comic book news. Yeah, that's a lot of really great news this week. Yeah, a lot yeah. of cool stuff. Like, truly, yeah. There's more I could read here, but like, look, the, it's just the stuff you know. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, HBO Max was announced this week. <laughs> oh, boy. So if you guys don't know what HBO Max is... Uh, Neither it, do we. It is, it is Warner Media's streaming service. This is their prestige service... Uh, that they are crea- that they are going to curate much like Disney Plus. The uh, a lot of people say it's the Netflix uh, of for Warner Brothers, but that's not. It, this is a prestige uh, streaming service, which means uh, curated, which means stuff like CBS All Access, Disney Plus, um, DC Universe, yeah, HBO Max. Those those are all curated for specific content, whereas Netflix was more was more network based, was more like yeah. we'll we'll take anything. Uh, yeah, because that's why, I mean, Netflix now, they have a huge, there's like an own tag of Netflix originals. Yeah. However, you could still scroll down and be like, oh, I could watch Stardust. I could watch The, way, the though, Mummy. I could watch all these other films that I don't It was the own. first of its kind, really. Yeah. yeah. Back then. By the way, though, uh, this is going to neuter Netflix. Because uh, HBO Max will take all their stuff off yeah. of Netflix. Yeah. Um, like, honestly, the second, like, for Netflix, Friends and The Office, like, like, we, people make jokes all the time about millennials, but like those shows are on everyone's TVs all the time, just in the background. I've been like I've been coming home for the past few nights. Gilmore Girls, yeah, a lot of those type of shows yeah, that are older. You know, Fanny's rewatching. It. She's been watching The Office. I've never got into The Office, but there it is. Yeah, it's on. And I'm like, okay, Parks and Rec is better. And there's a re- but, but there's a reason why Netflix, why Netflix, mm-hmm. like spend a lot of money for those shows is because they that keeps people subscribed. Yeah. yeah. But now they're like, going to lose them no matter what. Yeah, I, I see the memes on the internet all the time of people saying, oh, I have all this great stuff. Like, I just finished watching Aggressico season two. There's Hilda that I want mm, I, I all, to watch. I need to watch. There's all Hilda. these shows on Netflix I'm going to watch. And the joke is, oh, I'm just going to rewatch The Office for the 129th time. Comfort food, baby. Yeah. Yeah. But it's there's nothing wrong. There's easy, nothing wrong with that. They're easy to put on in the background oh, yeah. and just do whatever you want. Yeah. And that's that's what the, that's what those old sitcoms were were really good at. We're we've kind of in the age of prestige television right now where you can't really put anything on in the background. You can't put Game of Thrones on and not pay attention. No, to you it. can't. Or things like Stranger Things. There yeah. are still some of yeah. that television, but there's still it's a lot of paying but attention. I would to. remember going to like be on my laptop just dicking around on the internet and I would have South Park on in the yeah. background. And it's like, yeah, it's just background noise. So now Star Trek. Yeah, I put I deep. Sp- I, I I went through three shows of Star Trek mm-hmm. on the background. <laughs> like it's it's easy to do. I'm surprised that CBS Access hasn't pulled Star Trek from Netflix. By the way, but anyway, um, just wait. Why did <laughs> you put that in the air? I'm sorry. What happened now? Oh, no. Uh, all right. So Warner Media's uh, new new prestige streaming service is going to be released in spring 2020. We don't have a price point yet, uh, nor a specific launch date. But it's just 20, sp- spring 2020. I could tell you the price point. Expensive. Yeah, probably. Probably. Yes. Um, it's going to include content from properties like DC, TNT, TBS, True TV, The CW, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, Crunchyroll, Rooster Teeth, HBO, and more. That's what? That, that, so I didn't hear you read that quote. That's the quote that we will have content from. Yes. Oh, so it is not sh- replacing HBO now. It no, is taking stuff from HBO. And that is and that that's is the problem. That is something they have, they have clarified later is that the only quote that we have so far um, of the... Uh, let me see if I can find the quote. It's not hard, but I just want to get it right. Everything, quote, will not change. 
Well, Ver- so, there goes okay. Verve. I mean, I I haven't watched Verve for a while, but but no, it's not going anywhere. It's no. just yeah. gonna be part of this new service. Yeah. Are they are they pulling all their Warner stuff from both Netflix and Hulu? They don't have anything on Hulu anymore. Because yes, they do. Cartoon Network shows are on Hulu. That's Warner. Oh, they'll pull them. AT and D doesn't have stock in Hulu anymore. Okay, they sold it to Disney. I mean, sure. It might just be a time thing. It might just leave like in a year or two. Or something. Yeah, that that's probably what's happening. Um, it they 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 have no. They can't have stuff on on Hulu anymore. I don't know what the time limit is, but no matter what, it was going to go anyway. Mm. So the stuff that's on Hulu will go. Mm. Because the only reason why anything was on Hulu is because they had stock in it, uh, but now no longer. Yeah, I got to be honest, guys. I don't know if I want this. Yeah, you're not giving me HBO now. You're giving me stuff from HBO now. Yeah. It's not see, the same. And see, that's the it's that's not the, the problem with these prestige streaming services. Um, when you neuter Netflix, and for better or worse. Hulu is now a, a prestige streaming service. It is now Hulu competes with Netflix. Absolutely, I watch almost more stuff on. No, Hulu. but it's Disney. It oh, it's true. Yeah. It is now owned by Disney. Yeah, yeah. And w- within five years, there won't be any Universal properties on it anymore. So mm-hmm. it will just be Disney. Yeah. So, so Hulu is was saved. I think Netflix is in serious trouble. I. I it uh, is now. Sorry. I only think Netflix is in trouble if they don't cave to the market and lower their price point because the thing is that like they don't have to lose the subscribers by lose by docking the price point down because they don't have to spend the money to keep those big contracts like friends anymore that's true they can they can take the price cut and just be smarter like how many freaking things has netflix funded originally that is like bad well they're a lot they're most right there's so they funded too much stuff that's that's bad but there are things that are great like stranger things all of those things, those can those can still be just less. Try to put out less. And see, so you, uh, you, you bring that's up, your original content. See, so you bring so you you brought up Hulu. Hulu was really great because it had Warner Brothers, Universal, Disney, Fox. It had all those curated content, and it wasn't uh, prestige content. You didn't need to. You had the options to watch whatever you wanted. Yeah, that was the dream back and in the day. That was so, uh, that was really great. Um, HBO Max will be the exclusive streaming home for all of the CW shows. All the Cartoon Network shows, um, probably not the HBO Now shows, but anything. Oh, oh yeah, no, yeah, that is the other thing. Um, so like, Air, like let's like Arrow's only going to be on this surface. Yes. That's I mean, it. Will like air on the CW. No, that's. But then it will it will no longer stream on Netflix, or anywhere else. Because they're canceling the CW streaming service, but, but keeping <sighs> CW Seed, which is a different one. But they're the CW streaming service is actually not doing well anyway, so that's it, fu- it's not. I, uh, that I don't like. But yeah, I don't so like it. it will be the exclusive streaming home for the for the CW shows. That sucks. And yeah, it is not going to be seven ninety nine. You know that. And if the rumors are true that it is going to be fifteen dollars, that dead. That's HBO d- Now's price point. Yeah, yeah. That's dead in the water. There's no. There's no way this is going to succeed. And Disney, to be fair, Disney screwed them over by lowering their by putting their price because at so smart. low because they knew what they were doing. Yeah. They knew everyone was going to buy it at that price. Nobody. Nobody should be paying. Look, I think HBO now. It's frankly too expensive. It is. I think Netflix is too expensive. It uh, is now. It used to be hella cheap. Yeah. But but HBO now, I at least give the benefit of not only do you get access to uh, every show they've ever made, ever, ever, which mm-hmm. no other streaming service does that. Yeah. No other streaming service. Yeah. That's that's like owned with a, with a channel or something like that that's directed to that. I'm hoping that's what Disney Plus eventually is. I believe They it. have everything they've ever made, ever, because they have such a huge library. Yeah, I agree. But... Uh, that's the advantage of HBO now is they have the entire back catalog of everything and you have all the movies that go on HBO f- like whatever they have contracted to show on the air right now on HBO that's on HBO now also yeah. HBO gets 
like so movies, old movies that could be new movies. Yeah. HBO gets like new releases faster than any other place too. Yeah, so, so yeah. I think there is an advantage in having HBO now for fifteen dollars because I it's think, not restricted yeah. even to Warner. Yeah, you just get new movies. Yeah, uh, and again, the quality is like HBO really is like almost higher than every other. Thing. So like, yeah. I don't mind spending fifty bucks for HBO because they have consistently for decades proven to me that they are worth it. But curated streaming services like HBO, like HBO Max, like Disney Plus, like CBS All Access, like DC Universe, the more that this becomes the norm, and the Universal's is coming, like they've announced it, it's coming. Yikes! Um, it we you hurt the consumer yeah. when you give them yeah. so much choice. I mean, yeah. this is this is we talked about this a long time ago that all we're doing is we are in the progress state of heading towards not channel packages anymore, but streaming service packages, yeah. because that's what it's going to become. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, we're, we're, we're on the road to that, where it's going to be like, here you can get your Disney Plus and your HBO Max and your HBO Now and your, uh, name one more for me, Hulu, uh, all lumped into one. Oh, but if you go up this like $5 next year, you also get Netflix Crackle, and Epics. CBS All Access and Verve. Epix is actually doing really well. Yeah. Epix <laughs> doesn't need to make a lot to do okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so they, uh, they'll they probably offer a bundle of, like, of just like, hey, if you want HBO Max and you want DC Universe, If that bundle's that. really good, yeah. I'd consider it. No, I'm saying like if no, the bundle No, I, I can't. Like, it had to be really good. It would have to be like, if you give me DC Universe and HBO Now in a bundle- for 20 I'll do it because that's me dropping HBO now and DC universe separately and yeah. putting them in with that bundle plus HBO max. Then I, I do that. Yeah. But I don't think they're going to give us everything. Cause we do know that Disney plus is bundling with Hulu when it launches. Yeah. Like you can get both if you want it to for yeah. a lower price. Uh, than it would normally cost. I just feel like this, this Order HBO max it. needs to do a lot for me to really, it does. It, it has, has to, to pull its weight. Yeah. 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 Um, and again, this, I, this, this might ruin DC Universe. Like we don't know what the hell's going to happen in a year with that service. I wonder what they're going to do to their apps. That uh, if they're go, it, this the way that this would really hurt the consumer is if they restrict and take away the apps that allow people who pay for the channels through cable uh, and premium, which is how I have access to a lot of yeah. like Adult Swim and things like sure. that. Uh, if they take those away, then you can't access them anymore. That Wait, way. Wait, is Arrow on the DC Universe app? No. no. Uh, because they have an exclusive uh, Netflix uh, contract. So when that ends, that might go to DC well, that's, Universe. No, sorry, yeah, that's, sorry, that's what I mean. So yeah, when the Netflix deal ends, because it's going to end soon. or, it's, or it It'd is be it? stupid if they didn't put like, it onto DC Universe. My fear, yeah. Well, they, yeah. they say the exclusive home for the, for the CW shows will be HBO Max. That's I, I get what you're saying, but I'm saying if you're keeping DC Universe separately and still hoping that does well as a streaming service, you best be moving those CW shows over there because those are DC Comics characters. Because from what this sounds like, and I could be wrong, but it sounds like, hey, if you want to watch Arrow and The Flash, you need HBO Max. You you can't just have DC Universe. And they're DC Universe shows. But for whatever reason, Doom Patrol is probably going to show up on HBO Max. This no, this is, is that, that, but that's what, I, 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 what I'm saying is if your, your game plan isn't to bring all these things under one umbrella and cut them and say, here's the one thing, but to keep pieces into a larger thing yeah. and then also try to get people to still want to buy the other streaming services, this is you have to at least feed those other streaming services to make them still worth it. So if you want DC Universe to survive in the atmosphere where you're creating for this, you have to move those Netflix shows over. Mm-hmm. Or it's dead. Because you're basically, yeah, this is like dead on the water, it feels like. like if, if you can watch all the DC Universe exclusive shows on HBO Max and not have to pay for DC Universe, why would you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
there are a bunch of sh a bunch of exclusive stuff going to this to the streaming service. Uh, doesn't look like at launch, but it will eventually. Um, for example, Dune: The Sisterhood, which is going to be the um, Denis Villeneuve, which uh, is the pain in the butt one that's going to make all of us Dune spin-off. <laughs> yeah, um, TV series Tokyo Vice, um, which is a nonfiction story about Tokyo by Jake uh, Adelstein. Um, uh, uh, Tokyo Metropolitan Police, uh, starring Ansel Elgort. Oh, interesting. Uh, the Flight Attendant, a one-hour thriller from Greg Berlanti. Okay. Uh, Love Life, a ten-episode, a half-hour romantic comedy anthology series starring Anna Kendrick. Uh, Station Eleven, a post-apocalyptic limited series directed by Atlanta's uh, Hero Murat Murray. Damn. Uh, Made for Love, a tragic comic novel adaptation uh, directed by S.J. Clarkson. And the Gremlins animated series, which you guys talked about last week. Yeah. It, they There are some cool things in there. Yeah. Are they enough to... That's the thing, is I need to know a price point. I need to know what I'm getting. Because I'm not willing to get HBO Max on top of DC Universe and HBO Now. And let's say I did pay for one other service from them, which could be... There's... The Boomerang subscription channel is six. Uh, or... I can't think of the others, but like Warner has other subdivisions yeah. of like private streaming services. Boomerang is one of them. Uh, yeah, Boomerang's one of them. And and like I if I'm already getting all those, you got to make it worth it for me to want this whole thing instead of those individual services. If I'm losing something in the transition, I'm not going to pay for all of them. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. Too many services, man. I think Warner is the sloppiest of the streaming services at handling this because they're spread so far yeah. and thin, and this doesn't seem like a good plan to get everybody on board with like one... Because uh, you could go big if you're offering all that content. You if could they, go bigger I in the really, price point. I really think they want it. I really think they should have. I don't know if they want to, but I think they should have. It kind of sucks, but they should have merged everything into one. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think that everything, sh if everything was under one umbrella, if you told me absolutely everything that's on HBO now, absolutely everything that's on Cartoon Network's uh, service, absolutely everything that's on Boomerang, which is every Hanna-Barbera cartoon throughout all, all the, the history, DC plus Universe everything pre-2005 Cartoon Network is on Boomerang. I'll pay 20 bucks for that. Absolutely. Right. You get Courage the Cowardly Dog and all those plus, shows. Uh, plus what, what, what Ryan said, the DC Universe stuff with the comics. Yes. If you like, the whole, you whole put, app was you there. Put Put all of that in HBO Max and you say 20, let's say 20, that becomes a lot more worth it to me. Yeah. This new programming, an entire back catalog of all of these different things, that becomes a little more reasonable where I'm like, cool, I feel like I am getting a big package because if I bought all those things separately, it'd be a lot more. Yeah. yeah. But that's not what's happening. Yeah. They're piecemealing from every service. And this to right make a now doesn't seem service. like something that can compete. Yeah. I agree. Um, all right, let's move on. Moving on up. Um, some miscellaneous news real quick. Uh, the, in the Invisible Man has found his lead. Oh? Uh, no one. They're actually going to go with nobody. But just well, I mean, CGI a, uh, save on, a save on an they're actor. They're going to CGI air. Yeah, they're going to CGI <laughs> air. Um, no, they, they have cast Oliver Jackson Cohen from The Haunting of Hill House uh, as the lead role. Yeah. Which one? Do we remember? He's the, he's the brother who had the drug problems. Oh, he's so good. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. That dude's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad all those Haunting of Hill House people are getting roles, baby. They're all so good. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that the Cuphead show is coming to oh. Netflix. Hell yes. What? Oh. I knew you guys would be excited it about this one. Bananas. Holy shit. Uh, honestly, one. I the moment that Cuphead's like 
full animation of its game was the coming aesthetic, out. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, a TV show or a second game is an inevitability, and I just don't know which one it will. I'll be. tell you what. There's an expansion that was supposed to come out this year, but they've put so much work into it. They're just gonna they're uh, delaying it till next year, and it's gonna be almost another full game. Yep. For for yep. Uh, is that DLC. the stuff there where you could play as Miss Chalice? I think it's already yes. out. Really? This is is so that for the Xbox or the Switch? Because I just bought this. Game I, I, I don't know. So this is gonna be the same animation that. The game is known of for. Of course it is. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm well, saying. Imagine it being like okay. gross 3D. The design of the poster looks a little different from what the game is, but it looks like it's still going to be in that same like the rubber arm type, like the 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 Fleischer cartoons yeah, yeah. of the 1930s. Yes. Um, they they had this to say: uh, the current goal is to stay as far away from computer-assisted puppeteer animation as possible. Yes. Uh, the idea will still be that every frame is hand-drawn. Uh, it's going to be hand-drawn, but digitally. Tradigital, he said, was the, yes. was the yeah. quote. So this will come out in four years. Uh, <laughs> this is oh, why yeah, Netflix. This, is, this yeah. is why Netflix wow. is fine. Yeah, stuff like this because Cuphead. This is incredible. Yeah, I'm so happy about With this. An in- because Cuphead was an indie game that already got huge. Like a lot of eyes looking towards it because of its tra- of its. It's one of a kind. Yeah, because it's yeah. like a completely hand drawn. It's a completely hand drawn video game, and now and af- now that I can say I beat Cuphead. I want more Cuphead, and that that there's a show. I was like, this is great. It's gonna follow Cuphead and his sidekick Mughead. Mugman. 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 Thank yeah. you, Mugman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mugman. This is in the beginning process, obviously. Yeah, so baby. Yeah. there's no release date set. We're probably seeing it in about two years. Yeah. Well, it took I'm the, so happy. I remember hearing about Cuphead at E3 years ago. This game took like almost four years to make because it was like yeah. a, a couple dudes making yeah. it. Yeah. They're gonna have a lot of money and support, but if they're still gonna hand draw, that takes time. Yes, yeah, it they, does. And they still don't know what the plot is. Yeah. And you so. know what? Yeah. Let them work it out. They know what hey, they're doing. Hey, I bet you involves a devil and dice man and all this cool stuff. I wonder if it does. Of course it does. Of course it does. Right. So yeah, so, but they do say they do say the yeah, game. Yeah, of course it does. <laughs> they do they do say the game told its story. The cartoon will tell its own story. That's what I was hoping for because I didn't want a re- complete um, reenactment of the game. I just I can't mean, imagine if, those if the devil not. and king dice are in it. That's yeah. fine, but I don't want Cuphead and Mugman go kind of like going into our it, little topic later today. It, yeah. it will certainly play into its like you know it knows who the fan favorite characters are. Right. They will show up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So oh my god! I just remember the uh, more news of that. I'm so happy right now. Uh, Paper Girls. Yeah. Woo! Uh, Paper Girls. A Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, Don't forget Cliff Chang. Cliff Chang. Thank you. Lots yeah. of articles have been I going out. I wasn't sure about the. Yeah. I wasn't sure who it was. They people seem to forget uh, the artist who was also the co-creator. It was basically his idea, and Brian K. Vaughn helped write it. Like oh. it is, it, They're giving Brian K. Vaughn, Brian K. Vaughn all the credit, and it's real sad. Brian right. K. Vaughn has. We know that he has a deal with Legendary to develop a bunch of his comic books into shows, uh, while also writing a Gundam Wing uh, or a Gundam uh, movie. Hell you yeah. scared me there. I was like, is it really Gundam Wing or well, is it just it's Gundam? Gundam? Gundam. Okay. It's Gundam. Um, so Brian K. Vaughn's first. Uh, uh, legendary adaptation will be Paper Girls, which is a super cool comic. I only uh, read the first volume. Uh, uh, I never read it's, much further. It's, it's incredible. It's like, hey guys, you like Saga? It's it's another great book that's really long running and great. But it's Upcoming also book club for it's sure. Also, uh, way easier to adapt than Saga. Way easier because Saga was w- Paper Girls is like basically like uh, if all the Stranger Things cast were girls. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So so Paper Girls was so Saga. Brian K. Vaughn made Saga to only be a comic book. Like yeah. he, he does things in that comic book that he makes sure cannot be done in another medium. Giant because, Cyclops wieners. Because he wants it to just be a comic book. But Paper Girls is a lot easier to create Yeah, um, into into something. There's like weird time travel. It's, and there's, it's so it's, good. It's, it's, it's a cool comic. Yeah. Um, it has a series order. So it's going straight to series. <sighs> Hell yeah. Um, for Amazon Prime. 
Stephanie Folsom, who worked on Toy Story 4, I don't know as what, but she's going to serve, serve as sh- uh, uh, showrunner. Cool. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. So that's cool. That's really oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Like, that's that's like a good tone. Like, I- I- any capacity she worked on Toy Story 4, like, that's a good ad- uh, correlation. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So, just pulled out this guy's mug. I felt bad for you. <laughs> yeah, I felt bad for me, too. Um, I mean, I feel bad for you, most specifically, but... Netflix has announced that Zack Snyder and Jay Oliva will be working on a Norse mythology anime series. And uh, that's the most... I don't conf- immediately hate it. That's the most more. conflicted I've ever felt about I, I a thing. I need more information. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an, uh, su- super anti I'm not anti I just know that like Norse mythology anime are two of the like most hype things you could give to Brandon right now. And you supplemented yeah. one of the people who he's adamantly yeah. not. No, I know. Not only that... No. But Jay Oliva, I also don't like. Yeah, he's the new animation, like the new 52 animation movies guy. Yeah. Now, my one defense of this I'll say is that your favorite Zack Snyder film is my favorite Zack Snyder film. Which is Legend of the Guardians. Where he did animation, and that looked incredible. Yes, it does. So I'm not writing this off. I'm not writing it off. All right, that's fair. I won't write this off. But it's the the powerhouse of Zack Snyder and Jay Oliva. Both both creators I'm not happy with. Yeah, I feel you. I I can understand. So it's like... You got me. You got me hopeful with a with a Norse mythology anime series. This is, I'm in, but like this mm. is Netflix too, right? It's yeah. Netflix. See, well. I'm ho- I'm really hoping. I'm really hoping that this is not another anime series done in the same animation style as the Godzilla and the Knights of Cydonia. Don't more like Ooh. Castlevania because Castlevania's animation is incredible. Yes. Uh, it, but you know, like it depends what division of Netflix this is coming from because some of them. Go to that 3D animation. Isn't there, a, Polygon Isn't there a Greek mythology show coming out? In yeah, there is. Gods and Monsters. Gotcha. It's called Gods and Monsters? Pretty yeah. Sure. So there's a video game called Gods and Monsters coming out. Yeah. And there's a TV show called Gods and Monsters coming out. It's about the same that. thing. I'm pretty sure they're both called Gods and Monsters. That's I, amazing. I thought that was weird when they announced yeah, Gods and Monsters. That's amazing. I love it. Um, is there any more details? Let me see. Uh, Zack Snyder's innovation and in story and visual storytelling has pushed the industry forward yeah. and established him as one of the most distinctive filmmakers of his generation. I would say visual filmmakers. Yeah, visual. I will give him that because he is a visual. The a Greek great anime series is called Gods and Heroes. Gods heroes. And heroes. Got it. Um, uh, this is John uh, Deer Durdury Durdurian Durdurian. Sure. Dodorian. Dodoria. Derek Dondarian. Derek Dondarian. Head of anime programming. Um, we are beyond excited to partner with him and his exceptional team to bring the iconic characters and stories of Norse mythology to life in this in inimitable in, in I don't know style indomitable inimitable <laughs> inimitable. Listen, I will agree. Like uh, for what to say what you will about Zack Snyder, the the one time he did animation, he did it really well. So if we're going off of that alone, again, also the Jay Olivia thing does not make me excited. That makes me less excited than the Zack Snyder thing. Yeah, because Jay Olivia is so boring. <laughs> yeah, if it were like if the if you told me like there was someone else who like you know creative mind uh, writing. If like Gandy Tartakovsky was involved now, sure we're was what, sure was stepping in and Zack Snyder was handling like direction of animation, I'd be like okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not but, like right Jay, away upset. Jay Olivia has Oliva has made two of the. Better animated DC films, but most of the worst. Or more definitely like the middling ones. Yeah, most like, of the middling yeah. ones. They're just kind of mad. They're, they're just kind of boring. None of them are ever bad. They're just like, okay, fine. The Dark Knight Returns was the best. That's, that's good. The, that two part is real good. That helps by having a great source material. Yeah, Justice League War, I didn't like. Um, it's I, fine. I enjoy fine. Justice League War. I like War Green for Lantern getting punched a lot. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Especially when he's like, Green Lantern's like, Dark got this, and Dark Side just bitch slaps uh, him. It's great. I will, uh, I will yeah. remain optimistic about this. Yeah. I, uh, I want to, but. Mm. Truth be told, like the idea of these anime series that explore these mythologies is definitely interesting to me. I want them to be as 
willing to go for it as the Castlevania series is. Here's the thing. Of all the people to go hard, Zack Snyder is the guy. If you re- if, I'm just saying, like, for what you want, you want mature? I do. It's, it, he is a mature guy, right? Yes, um, I, but and, I also you know hope that it's not. Under, I hope it's it. not gruesome for gruesome's sake. Yes, yes. I, he, yes. he does understand archetypes better than he does. Under, he understands characters, and most of the Norse mythology is archetypal. Yes. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. So you know, there you go. I, I we'll see, baby. I love that owl movie. So it is a good owl movie. Yeah, owls are the legends really of Gahul. Uh, what was the other one about Maria Rambo? I forgot her name. Oh, Lashana Lynch, Lashana Lynch. Lashana Lynch. has been uh, reported a lot of places. So it seems like it's it's very very close to true. Uh, to be appearing as the new 007 agent in the next James Bond. Now, not James Bond. No. Which a lot of people are just, she's James Bond, she's a woman. How can she be James Bond? Right. Check yourself, calm yourself. The new 007 who has stepped in after James Bond has has left. Has retired, apparently. Yes, and she's going to be bringing him back in for... A mission. There are only nine double O uh, numbers that can happen. Of course, they would replace one yeah. <laughs> if one of them retired. Yeah. Well, um, a few people of them are just died. mad. People are just mad that it's a lady. Well, a few of them died. Like, d- doesn't double O six die in a movie or something? Yeah, uh, uh, Sean uh, Bean. Goldeneye. Yeah. Sean Bean. No, yeah. he doesn't. He doesn't die in that movie. He's, does he not? Well, he dies at the end of the movie. But I mean, this, he dies. I think we had a conversation about this a long time ago where we said like, don't make a female James Bond because that makes no sense. Make yes. your own double O yes, seven yes, character, yes. and this is that. This Wait. is yeah. This is giving me kind of what I want. Yeah, and but people are still mad. Wait, yeah, wait. just let her be her own character. Side note: yeah. Sean Bean's in Goldeneye. Yeah, he's the villain. Bro, Goldeneye. he's like the second oh. main character. I've you need to watch Gold- Goldeneye. Yeah, yeah I know. He's a legitimately good fun action movie. I, I bet it I like is. Goldeneye I just never been it was able supposed to be a um, it was supposed uh, to be a Timothy uh, Dalton. You, I'm sorry. Movie. Were you mm. saying you have haven't seen it at all? No, I've only known Goldeneye because of the game, have and you? even then, I've only played the multiplayer. Hold on, have you watched? Any of the Pierce Brosnan 007s? Yeah, Tomorrow Never Dies. That was the first one I watched. Okay. That's a pretty good one. I like that one a lot. Which you is the one with the diamond face man. Oh, that's Diamonds are forever. Yeah, yeah. that. and the, is that the one with Halle Berry as well? Yep. Yeah. yeah, I've seen that one. Hey, no, I'm that's f- Die Another Day. Die, die Another day. day. He surfs Diamonds in that where's, where's the one? Diamonds the, are forever okay. is the Sean Connery film. The guy who plays uh, Rubble Stillskin in... Uh, um, Robert Carlyle. Yeah. yeah. Which one is he in? Uh, he, I believe, is the villain from uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Tomorrow Never Dies. No, 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 no. No, not Robert Carlyle. That's the that's Terrence Stamp. This guy I think is Terrence. Terrence Stamp. Stamp is in Tomorrow Never Dies. Okay, Robert Carlyle is not in the James Bond movie then. Yeah, he is. Do you guy. guys remember when James Bond got captured and then they did a trade with All a guy right, who had diamonds on his face, and then this Asian guy hey. turned into a white guy? And so you want to oh boy, you want to hear something even worse? Okay, hold on. <laughs> I'm sorry, I hadn't thought about that movie since oh, I last oh. watched it, which was over a decade ago. Hey guys, remember when and I, you just laid it out? And I went. Oh my God! <laughs> you yeah. want to hear something worse? What? So there was a game. There was a video game that was coming out just before Skyfall called 007 Legends. Oh yeah. Uh, 007 Legends went through all the bad James Bond films for some reason, um, and one of them was Die Another Day. Gosh. And the Halle Berry character is in it. It's a white woman. Oh, that's racist. <laughs> it is just a white woman. It, it was the one Pierce Brosnan movie we weren't thinking of. The world is not enough. The world is that. Not oh, enough. that was not bad. That's right? the one. That's one no, with Silk Skin, right? Is that the one where he's got the bullet in his head? That's, yes, that's yes. Rubble Silskin. Uh, the, the one, the only Pierce Brosnan James Bond movie I consider kind of bad is Die Another Day, and I didn't. I was never really like. I just was like, I remember not really liking that one that there much. Is, and then you just said that, and I went, Oh, there, there was were a one lot of good scene in that movie. Isn't it uh, the opening? No, it's the fencing scene. There's oh, a scene yeah. where the Asian now white guy paraglides yes. into a <laughs> castle <laughs> and then has a fencing match with James Bond in a castle. Is that also great. the same movie where the helicopter has those chains, those like saw blades that try that cut the Aston Martin in half? Is that also the same oh. movie where Famke Jansen? No, she. That's Goldeneye. Guys, that's too, Goldeneye. There's too many James Bond movies. <laughs> there is. Uh, Anyways, <laughs> I apologize to go on that, that tangent. No, I no, love it's it. It's fine. Uh, I 
I'm kind of sad because I just remembered how like Pierce Brosnan's one of my favorites, and he went out on a bad note. He, he was did. my favorite. He was supposed to be. So, did you ever hear the story about how Casino Royale? How I found out about Casino Royale. Hmm. Um, he was actually contracted for five Bond films. You always contract them for five Bond films for some reason. Um, Pierce Brosnan w- was yeah. contracted for five, but he only got four um, because they decided to reboot. Without telling him, oops, they never paid him out of his contract. They never told him. He found out on when he was watching the di- the Today Show where they announced Daniel Craig as the new James Bond. Wait, that's me. What? And he <laughs> called. He, so he called his agent. He was pissed. That's awful. I, I bet he was. Hey, M- MGM was. Casino Royale. Hey, really if you want to watch a better Pierce Brosnan went out like a champ uh, movie, watch uh, After the Sunset. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. And the Matador. And the, and yeah, the Matador. Matador. Yeah. Oh, what other. So Both of those are fantastic post-James Bond Pierce Brosnan. Hey, guys, yeah. does he play a centaur in a movie? Yes. Percy Jackson. <laughs> yeah, Percy Jackson, baby. The first Percy Jackson. Lord. Replaced by Nathan Fillion in the second one. No, what? no, Nathan Fillion played Hermes' father. Oh, my God, you're right. Sean yeah. Bean is also in that movie? No. Oh, does my God, you're right. in that no, movie? Pier- Pierce Brosnan was uh, in the first Percy Jackson, and then um, Giles from Buffy was in the second I Percy didn't watch Jackson. the second, so that's... Oh, my God, Giles got a movie role? Giles from Buffy played the Pierce Brosnan role in the second Percy Jackson. Ooh, good for that guy. Anyway, Lashana Lynch is apparently <laughs> yeah. so Going back to Shauna Lynch. Hey, guys, we really like James Bond. <laughs> who I just found out today that she was British. Because yeah. I never knew that. This is uh, a lot of people from Captain Marvel. Yes. Yeah, I found out a lot of people were British today, like uh, Billy from Stranger Things. He's, Dacker Montgomery. He's Australian. That's I never knew name. that. That's a great name, Dacker Montgomery. But we, d- we don't make good actors. But yeah, so yeah, right? her having the title of 007, cool. Yeah. Sexist people get the hell off Twitter. God yeah. damn it. I yeah. mean, this is basically like re the Halle Bailey Ariel conversation and just put it right here. And oh, it's the same Lord. two weeks in a row, right? Oh, um, damn it. But I'll just cut it in. So that was a fun conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but but basically, I'm I'm for this. This was always the thing that we said, like, d- please don't, because for a while there were articles saying like, make the next James Bond female. Same with Indiana Jones. And we were like, don't yeah. t- make the same character archetype and make her female. That doesn't translate. But do make a new 007 and let her be female, and that's fine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So this is this is. This is good. If this is true, this is good with me. Yeah, this could be their attempt to try and spin off again, just like Jinx and Die Another Day. That's Ooh. her name. That's Halle Berry's name. And I, I'd like to day. believe that they're more competent and this will be better, but I also <laughs> fell asleep during the last James Bond movie. So Spectre was pretty boring. Yeah, You and I saw that together. <sighs> we did. I, did we I was I really tired, but I felt bad. I was like, Guys, man. when those reviews started coming out, and we've talked about James Bond a lot, but we're going to talk about just a bit more. When those reviews came out for Spectre and they were bad, I'm like, Skyfall is so freaking Skyfall's good. Amazing. Skyfall okay. is incredible. I can't believe it's like the same team and okay. everything, and it's like, so, how is it bad? Ryan? And you got uh, Christoph Waltz as a villain, and yeah. he's like the lamest so villain. Okay, so Ryan, don't hate me, but I have a tiny little confession to make. What? I have seen Skyfall, yeah? but I was falling asleep during the third act. You not because it, I was bored, again, because I was exhausted. I get I had it. A That's long... not a confession. Um, I, dude, seriously, <laughs> no, Skyfall I, is like one of the no, best. But then when I went and saw Spectre with this guy, I was so excited because Christoph Waltz, he's the Bond villain. Yeah. And the not only that, Spectre. Not I was only so that, excited. Christoph Waltz plays the most well-known Bond villain, yeah. Blofeld. This is his yeah. origin story, and it's like boring. It's really screwed up. I want to watch. Yeah, but that <laughs> opening was real good. It is. That opening's real good. No, I want to watch Skyfall again because I want to see Harvey, um, Javier Bardem. Yes, yeah. Javier Bardem. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I want to see him in a good movie. No, guys, you you really just want to watch uh, James Bond like, is it, Home is Alone. Is it Benicio? Is it Javier? No, I'm I, not I, sure. I no, I knew who exactly who it was. I just heard Larry Batteries. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't. I just forgot how to pronounce his name for a hot it's second. Okay. No, I want to see Javier Bardem in a good movie. That's a fun James Bond chat. We should do a James Heck Bond yeah. episode. I how many movies? Twenty something. Less than the MCU 24. now. Wow. Twenty four in a fifth of the time. Oh wow. No, uh, twenty four. MCU has twenty three. 
No, no, no. The MCU has 24 because we know Black Widow's coming. Oh, that's fair. Damn. Okay. And I mean, you could make the same argument that Bar- Bond has 25, but we know we got three more. The MCU is about to beat it. That's yeah. insane. In it's a fifth done of the next time. year. Um, all right. So some trailers. Wait, oh. isn't there Mortal Kombat news? Oh, there was more. It's just real news. quick. This is for me. So one, we didn't talk about the casting. Joe Talsum, he's from the Raid. Did we talk about that last week? Uh, uh no, I don't think we did. No, did I just I talk about you? Talk about you? Okay, I anyway. think we talked Joe about Joe Talsum from the Raid movies. He was in one of the Fast and the Furious movies. He's in uh, The Night Comes for Us on Netflix, an original movie. He is an incredible Indonesian martial arts guy. Uh, the Raid movies are extreme. They've announced that the Mortal Kombat movie is rated R, and he's playing Sub Zero, <gasps> and they're gonna have fatalities in it. Meaning, yes. I have complete faith because I wasn't sure what type of action movie this was gonna be. This is going to be a the Raid John Wick real intense martial arts, and that makes me so excited. I mean, I'm oh man, but also you gotta remember they've got the most boring main character in history. I know, but the fact that you got this guy means like it's not gonna be a like it's not what's like a boring action movie. Like, give me something like Anna. <laughs> I haven't seen something I've seen. Uh, uh, I don't know, just like something traditional. Mortal like, Kombat Annihilation. You know what? You know why? No. It's, you know why it's bored? Why it's hard for you to figure it out? Because what makes Anna so frustrating is that it's hard to make a boring action movie. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, like if you have like, if you let action, people are engaged. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, bad movies, whatever. But like, just uh, the creative team, like it's still like unsure. But like the the acting or the the actor that they got, like just immediately puts me in a happy mood. That's all. Okay. That's all. Actually, now they brought Mortal Kombat. I was at you work. You think they bring back Christopher Lambert? No. <laughs> Damn. No, this Ryan. isn't a Mufasa situation where he's like <laughs> legendary. No, but uh, Ryan, I was. Um, they had the the late show with Stephen Colbert on um, a rerun at work the other Did night. Did he bring back Christopher Lambert? No, he brought out Ronda Rousey <laughs> because she was in <laughs> was uh, a Mortal Kombat 11. And no, Brian but got the, so mad right but away. Here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing that I that I was like, wait, what? Because they he brought up Ronda Rousey, and you know how the band only plays something. The band freaking plays Guile's theme from freaking Street Fighter as she's walking out for a Mortal Kombat game. Now, I wonder if that's them joke, they're joking on her. I don't know if that's them joking or what it is. But It would I have been thought, a joke if she had like called them out on yeah, it. Yeah, but she, I, she probably doesn't know. I thought it was hilarious because yeah. I'm like, that's Guile's theme from Street Fighter. Not in the same game. And I'm wearing a Guile shirt right now. You can't see I it. Thought, I, I was going to ask if, if that's sounds a Logan like shirt. It's or Guile. Okay. The, the, his like, thing is on the back. I got it from Uniqlo. Sounds like they're the real fake nerds. <laughs> And the Colbert. Tonight Show? No, yeah. Not the yeah. Tonight Show, the Late Show. Stephen oh, the Late Show. Stephen Colbert. He knows his shit. Uh, we should get Christopher Lambert on the apparently show. Apparently not about <laughs> video games. Well, it could be the band. I don't know. All right. That's all. Trailers. Yes, trailers. Trailers. Let's start with Lupin the First. <sighs> Lupin the Third, the First. Oh. The, 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 the One Third. Uh, uh, three over one. This is Toho's CG animated film. Yeah, uh, like it's all yeah. it's all in Japanese, so like we don't. There's know only like two production companies in Japan. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's in Japanese, so like we don't know the story or anything. But like the animation is just what I want to talk about. It looks incredible. Yes. it looks truly now, like I can't believe like Lupin the Third is getting this type of movie. Now, normally CG animation does not work for me unless it's Mobile Suit Gundam, like with Gundam the Origin and Gundam. Are you, um, are you du- talking like specifically with anime? Yeah, with anime. Okay. Well, this is more like like but like this is Tintin. A, this is a definitely but, di- this but, is a different l- style because wait, wait what? Let me finish. Let me finish my thought real okay. quick, please. Now, because I normally for those shows like for Gundam, it's like this the CG goes well with the action of the with the stuff flowing up. But then we have stuff like Godzilla and Isidonia and Berserk, unfortunately, the Netflix Berserk. That's where that I thought where you were going with I this, know, but, but th- it's not the same. It's not even close to the same animation the same. style. No, but but this wait. one is super stylized, and that's why I love it. I I understand the point he's making. Just generally speaking, when anime style is translated to CG, mm-hmm. it doesn't usually go well. Exactly. When that's when that's your form that you're going for, anime almost always looks better in 2D. They use the you cheap say this, 3D. You can say this about almost every anime that even is most of the time traditional uh, 2D animation. We I was watching the anime I was watching a, a while back, which was the Goblin Slayer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, every... 
every character in there was rendered in 2D animation except for the main character, Goblin Slayer. Most of the time, he was 3D animation, so he stuck out like a sore thumb and looked weird, and that was to save on costs, and yeah. it didn't look good. And so there's a stigma about when you're going CG with anime style that it's not going to translate. But it's weird, it's weird to... I don't know why it's hard for me to see that comparison because this film is more of a, in the style of like a Western 3D animated film that we have now, whereas like Godzilla uh, was it, a more... Was it's more a, like a Pixar almost. Was, oh, yeah, yeah. Was a, yeah, that Lupin the Third feels like a Tintin, like a Pixar. Like yeah. a, yes. Whereas this, yes. whereas Godzilla and all the other times that we, that uh, we see that sort of 3D animation style yeah. in animation well, is a completely different mm -hmm. subset of animation. I 100% uh, agree with you. My, my point was merely explaining Ben's thing, which is that when he heard it's a CG Lupin movie, he immediately thought bad oh, yeah, because okay. anime yeah. going to CG almost never turns out good. Yeah, yeah you're right. Then, this does look good. Then we see the trailer and it's still the same character designs of the original anime just fleshed out and done with, like what Ryan said, they have a budget. It's not just hastily, oh, let's just throw some... Let's throw the, like the three same. All the characters look like they so they're supposed to do. This did remind me a lot of Tintin, by the way. That is a good thing. It, it, it does it look looks like, like a, it looks it, great. It looks like a super budget of like a made-to-day Lupin the Third video game, and you're seeing yeah. all the cutscenes. Yeah. But it's a movie, and I'm like, that's incredible. Uh, real quick for the people at home who don't know Lupin the Third, uh, it's about a bunch of thieves and a bunch of cops and all their twisty turvy lives, and uh, uh -huh. it's like the greatest band in like Carmen San Diego kind of. You stuff. have uh, Lupin, who's the mastermind. You have um, the guy with the sword, whose name I forget. He's a cool guy, but he's always he can. You cut have the marksman, and I and yep. I just read he can shoot anything in point three seconds. Yep. It's like pew pew pew. pew. Yep. Hell that's yeah. him. I used to watch. The, I watched a few episodes of the anime as a kid. I was. A, I called myself a big loop on the third fan, and then my parents said, "Don't watch it anymore." Yeah. I'm like, no. Please. Yeah, I. Uh, I'm not familiar with this anime. It so. just, but like, I, even you can admit, like, man, this looks dope. Right? Honestly, yeah. if you ever wanted to like just take a jump in, pick a movie, and I would recommend the Studio Ghibli uh, loop in the third film, The Castle of Cagliostro. That's the best. And just that is top tier loop in the third. Just and you can watch that. It's self-contained. Stand alone, baby. Hold you can just watch that. Hold up. Did you say Studio Ghibli? Oh, yeah. Miyazaki. Miyazaki Your made shit. a loop in the third film. I, I, I need to watch this shit Ca right now. Castle of Cagliostro is Miyazaki doing his own That's like the uh, most famous loop, loop in the thing, third yeah. take. It's why it's one of the best. I need to watch that shit. Do you have it? Uh, I do not have we it We will here. now. <laughs> I will. Um, all right. So then the other trailer that came out this week was Maleficent Mistress of Evil. This is the second trailer. Uh, what do we all think about this one? I'm conflicted a bit. Yes, I, I am as well. I'm kind of into it. I still like the. I still really like the aesthetic of the film. I love yes, the, no, I, the look of it is. Yeah, the look of it is uh, a plus. It yeah. sucks that uh, whoever that new guy is is playing Prince Philip, and that we lost Brenton Thwaites. He's too busy doing Titans. Too, too busy <laughs> doing Titans. Um, that's a bummer. Uh, but I'm remaining optimistic in the sense that I'm still happy that they're pursuing a completely original new story. Yes, this yeah. is nothing that's ever existed before. Uh, and I'm all for that. I'm mm -hmm. all about it. I really liked Angelina Jolie as Maleficent. I really like Elle Fanning as uh, the princess. And yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer being in this is awesome. I really like Angelina Jolie as Maleficent. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I want to be real optimistic yeah. about it. If the story is exactly what it looks like in this trailer, I'm not going to like it. So yeah. If the story is... If we're being lied to in the marketing, then I'm I'm on board. I want to think. So, I want to say we're getting lied to. I think we I think we are in, to an extent. Um, obviously, Michelle Pfeiffer is is pushing uh, Angelina Jolie into a villain role. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Michelle Pfeiffer is the villain of the movie, or um, or tricking Aurora to see her. In that yeah. Way. Uh, but then there's also more of Angelina Jolie's Maleficent's race. Which I did yeah, not that was expect. a crazy extra thing. I, I did not expect that at as all. As someone who loves crazy fantasy, weird sci-fi stuff, like. 
for some like I should love that, but when I saw it, it, I, it didn't connect with me. I'm like, oh, so she's not unique at all. Here's here's why I connected with here's why I connected with me. Uh, in the in the first one, there's, there's clearly a species that she is a part of. Okay. Um, because there's not. She's she she's was born a, that way. She's a fairy. That's yeah. what she is. I thought she was just like a deviant. So basically. like a Thanos, like yeah. the Eternals, yeah. Like yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Um but also it was so out of left field that I was kinda like, Okay, I have no idea what's happening. And yeah. I, like uh, that being taken su- by surprise by Maleficent sequel was really that's, pleasing a, that's a to good me. point, yeah. Like oh I didn't expect this, that's a should be a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. yeah. Um, for me what kinda got me was like the medieval warfare stuff. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes, that's stuff I'm into. I love, I love yeah. that outfit that Angelia Jolie yeah, is in. So do I. <laughs> but I love how Maleficent is now being the, she's kinda like the overprotective mother. Cause it's five years after the first one. She's Hopper, and, and I also I love how Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer's like, she I kind of got like she's Michelle Pfeiffer's character is a little bit of a racist because she's like, okay, you've done well defying your race of caring for this girl. Now it's my turn. You can go away now. And and Maleficent's like, bitch, no. She's my daughter. Yeah, I need to watch the first Maleficent again. I haven't seen it in a it's, while. It's, it's been a while. I yeah. can go for a rewatch, but I like this because I feel like Michelle Pfeiffer is gonna be the true villain in the movie. And but, I I. I love seeing the two of them together. Like, I mean, that's just, so cool. Just seeing Angelina Jolie as Maleficent again. I when I first saw the movie the first time, I was like, "No, that's Maleficent. That's it's like straight out of the animated film. I'm into it." And I'm, I'm I'm digging this. I actually really am digging this. I love how she still has her wings the whole trailer. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. keep that. Yes, continue on with what I, you did with the first film. I will pretty much only be unhappy about this if it is cookie cutter of like she's just bad now and she's on the wrong side and doesn't I, I really don't think they're going to go that direction. I want to believe that too. Yeah. But uh, but I but I don't want to be stupid and not, and think that it can't. Here's what I imagine. I think the movie will end with everyone thinking she is this mistress of evil but she's not. And that's like how we set the world up for like the future, basically, like almost like the, the end of the dark knight where everyone thinks Batman's this killer. I don't think that that's where we have to end it. No? Because Maleficent already undid the, it has to end with her being perceived as the bad guy. Yeah, I guy. guess you're right. Um, it but already undid it because she was saying, like, those stories aren't true. Those yeah. stories were all being told they're proven not true. So uh, what I do think is that the Mistress of Evil is really going to be a moniker you think is Maleficent, but it's going to be Michelle Pfeiffer. I think that M- Maleficent's race is going to want to fight the humans and they're going to like there's going to be a lot of like tricking Maleficent and playing with her emotions yeah. and putting her she's at the neutral wrong side. In situation basically. yes I think her her fairy uh, the type of fairy that she is like when what was the actor's name who showed up she would tell you thank you chewy I cannot say his name for the That's life fine. of me um he flies I in. only can say it because of a uh, mortal Harris okay but I think he's gonna try and take Maleficent away I think Michelle Maleficent's gonna be like no I don't want to leave and it's gonna be this whole thing of her trying to get away from Aurora, but she doesn't want to. That's what I think what the movie's mostly going to be. So and there's going to be some trickery involved. This trailer told me that this movie is Disney's version of Troy, where a princess <laughs> gets taken to another place, and then the, the kingdom has to go invade to get that princess back. Yeah. But instead of uh, uh, Brad Pitt and a bunch of horses, we have giant tree monsters. We have his ex-wife. And yeah, and that's the stuff I'm into. Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. the stuff <laughs> I'm into. They are divorced. Yeah, I that's forgot stuff about that. I'm into, yeah. This, uh, again, like... I'm more on board than I'm not. Like, again, I'm just saying. I'm more interested than, like, wow, this is something, like, actually original in the Disney universe. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm mostly excited about. Yeah. This, and so my movies like Maleficent uh, have me way more engaged than a remake of The Lion King or Aladdin. Or and Dumbo. as good as Aladdin is, like, it's the same movie. Yeah. And that's what, like, the more I think about it, like, I was kind of harsh on Mulan last, like, last week or two weeks ago. But, like, the more I thought about it, I'm like, oh, that is what I want. That is doing its own thing, not it's, tied exactly it's to going the original. more to the original legend. There's no yeah. Li Shang. There's no Mushu. Yeah. 
So Which, I'm totally. I'm. Yeah. Uh, by the way, that was a trailer. Actually, I did have some thoughts to to add to the Mulan thing. Like, yeah. I, I thought you. I thought you guys. I'm glad you said that because I did think you were, you were being pretty harsh. Yeah. On and the more Mulan. afterwards, I was like, man, I should have said more because I was like, man, I actually really like the trailer. Because like, what? Like exactly what I said. Like Mulan, Peach Dragon, Maleficent. Like those are the types of, of movies I want Disney to be making. Yeah. I don't want them to be making yeah. one for one remakes. Yeah. I am just gonna miss all the songs, but like, I get it. No, I'm I sorry, Brandon. I was pointing at you. I wasn't trying to say anything, but that's like pretty much. Oh, I, I know what you were doing. Okay. <laughs> I, I really think Girl Worth Fighting For can still be in there because that's a marching song. Yeah. <sighs> it probably won't be, but it could Girl be. Girl Worth yeah. Fighting For. Um, all right. Any, okay. any more we want to touch on before we get into our main topic? Mm, no. Mm. Nice, nice, juicy uh, bread and butter burger. All right. Let's do it. All right. Then time now for our main topic. Uh, Ryan, why don't you introduce us to this one since this oh is my your gosh. idea. Okay. Um, hey guys, I'm Ryan Leopolis. Uh We live in the world of adaptations. You go to the movies every week, and there's a new Marvel movie, there's a new comic book, a new a movie based on a book, based off a video game, based Wait, on a television show. We're going to the movies to pick up a comic book? No, you The don't. dream. Right? <laughs> hey man, that's good marketing if they were to do it. But you know, the world of adaptations, like so many things, you know, Spider-Man, Marvel, Arguably Batman. the Disney remakes we were just talking the about. The Disney remakes, all of it. Like basically everything's an adaptation these days. There's not a lot of original stuff and if there is, nobody watches it. Please go support original things. Um, so and I stop think bitching about how Hashtag support original, mo- original things. Hashtag and also, that and then you And also it. hashtag stop bitching about things always being adaptations and go support original shit. Also uh, hashtag save something. Did you guys see the thing I, I, I posted on Twitter where it was just like um, uh, it was just another rant of like I'm so tired of all these uh, of all these remakes. Like, uh, you know, we we can't come up with anything better because it makes me so, it makes me so sad. And so I was like, you know what? No, don't blame a company's desire yeah. for more profits yeah, on yeah, creative yeah. bankruptcy. I there are three original films out right now. Go see those I, instead of bitching about the th- yeah. the second Lion King film in 20 years. I don't know if 25 if, years. 25 I don't know years. if. Uh, it feels like the same post related, but like some guys like, oh, like it's it's year 2050. I'm walking into my 80th Marvel movie. I'm slowly dying inside, and everyone's like, hey, you don't have to go see those movies. Yeah, don't be yeah. a dick. You don't need to be a dick. Hey, because they keep making money, so. Hey, well, yeah. Yesterday, yesterday is out. That's original. Yeah. Um, ready, yeah. ready or not, original. Ad Astra Mid- is a high Mid-summer. budget. Yeah. Is a high budget sci-fi film coming out. I'm so sad. Astro's gonna bomb. Mid- I'm so uh, sad. Uh, Ryan, Midsummer. That's original, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so stop. <laughs> bitch. <laughs> the wrong topic. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know. But I think still. you'll find that yesterday is in fact based on a song by the Beatles. I'll called kick your yes. ass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically, he's not. Hey, hey, that's a beautiful song. Okay, that's a great song. But yeah, like I don't. Like, I didn't really have like a. I don't think an overall like vision of what this topic is. But like, there are so many adaptations uh-huh. in the world. Like, what do we think? What do we think makes a good one, a bad one? Like, what? Because we each have different personal takes on like what we want from. Adaptation, right. so I think it's just a nice way to, to talk about all of it. I like that. Yeah, I I, I enjoy this because I know like like a uh, like, let's say Aladdin, right? We just saw Aladdin. Uh-huh. That's an adaptation of that movie, almost hundred percent, right? Except you know, of course, the character's a little different, but like the script's the same basically. Yeah, l- let's be let's be clear. An adaptation is basically taking taking uh, a property from one medium and bringing it to the next. Yes. So yes, the live action uh, remakes are in fact adaptations because they are taking them from an animated medium. Into a live yes. action medium, except right. for Lion King. Except for the Lion King, which Lion is King is animated, that animated is the, into a different type of animation. That's that a really the, good looking animation. That is the <laughs> biggest asterisk we can think of. Yo, for man, that. it's animated. We'll talk about it next week. We will. I guess. Oh my god, we will. Oh You're boy, right. yeah, we will. But so for I want to say good adaptations. Um, there are two films I could think of that are good adaptations in my point of view, mm-hmm. and they are Watchmen and Ready Player One for very different reasons. Yeah, Watchmen. I say it's because when I re- I did read the book before I saw the film, and when I did see the film, I thought it was great because it was it was beat for beat the main points of Watchmen. 
and yet they took a, and yet they changed it in a way that still made sense to the film and could still make sense to the to the comic. Holy shit! You want to go there first? All right, let's do this. Hell yeah! I'm the guy with the Watchmen tattoo. Let's talk about yeah. this. I'm more. I'm. I'm. I like the movie a lot. I so do I. I think, um, like, like uh, Zack Snyder, hit or miss uh, visually. We mm-hmm. can't complain there. He's a great visual film. I'm, go- I'm yeah. going to talk about this through the lens of what the topic is. What makes it a good and bad adaptation? Yes. I think Watchmen is actually a bad adaptation. Okay. I don't. I'm not going to call it a bad movie. I'm going to think. It's, I'm going to say it's a bad adaptation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. The problem is, is because the the creator of the adaptation mm-hmm. doesn't understand the source material. That is Start, correct. Starting at the very beginning of an adaptation, you need to understand the material that you are adapting. What makes a good adaptation is understanding. And I do not think that Zack Snyder understood the uh, what he was adapting. Okay. I yeah. agree. I, I also agree. agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I, still, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think that Watchmen, when we, we were speaking last week a lot about Spider-Man Far From Home, like film language and narrative and everything, Watchmen suffers from that too. The film language doesn't actually construe to the plot and the story and the narrative and the themes what the book is doing, even though the ex- the visual art of what yes. you're seeing is exactly the same, just copying, it's missing yeah. everything that w- it was trying to say. Just by copying what it looks like does not give you what it feels like. Yes. And, it, it and is. in some circumstances, it does work. I will say everything including involving Dr. Manhattan mm-hmm. is almost flawless. From what I read in that comic to how I see Dr. Manhattan, like that is, especially the stuff like I'm on Mars and he's like sis, sis, doing stuff by himself, that is, that right. is a perfect adaptation. And the stuff of Sil- Silk Spectre, that is a bad adaptation. And Zack Snyder <laughs> she is bad in that movie. Zack Snyder is a person who is not good at this because he likes to take something and he's like, if I make that exact same thing in movie, it work. And that's what he did. Like, look at Batman v Superman, the one scene where Batman jumps off the roof and goes down to the other floor, and the lightning bolt hits, so it's the exact same cover from Dark Knight. Yeah. Uh, for a moment. Yeah. And he's like, that's real good because I did the thing. It looks like the it, thing. That's his logic yeah. about you adaptation. Miss, you, you lose the power of the thing. Mm-hmm. Just, by 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 ma- by recreating the thing, you you lose the power of the thing. Um, for Watchmen, for example, when a lot of people say this is a good thing, I actually don't agree with this. Uh, the ending for the movie Watchmen was changed to be Doctor Manhattan was the thing. Um, you, and that's a great, really good example of Zack Snyder didn't understand why Alan Moore had it be. I think it's a good ending. That I, ending. So I think it would be a good ending if the movie prior to it had built to it better. Because I don't Osmond think, Davis I don't think as an idea yeah. that the ending is bad. I agree. But I do think that the film narrative, because it hangs so close to the comic, doesn't give me the story that makes that ending work as well as what it's the comic did. It's a really did. good example of, of, what, of what you're saying, um, Grace Point. Um, sure, yeah. Gra- Grace Point Broadchurch, is, is, Broadchurch. The, is the adaptation of Broadchurch from, from, from Britain to America. Broadchurch uh, had the mystery, the solved the mystery. Grace Point is the exact same mystery with a different ending. Yeah. But it doesn't go the same, but it, it goes the exact same way and then it's like, nope, it's this. And so Watchmen does the same thing where Watchmen's like, we're following the exact same beats, but it's a different ending because, because. Con- just real quick, conversely to that, uh, Being Human is a British show and when they brought it here to the States, they took the same concept, which is a ghost, a werewolf, and a vampire all live in the same place. But they completely changed what the driving story of their the- their arcs were mm-hmm. and took them into an entirely different direction. Because in the British one, by the time you got to season four, you've time jumped like f- 40 or 50 years into the future with whole new characters and everyone knows about monsters and it's a mess. And being human season five, you are just five years down the road and these characters are trying to live their lives. Yeah. And that, in my opinion, is a better adaptation of that idea. I think Watchmen, honestly, um, the the 
cast saves that movie more than Zack Snyder does because uh, yeah. because Patrick Wilson and oh, yeah. J- Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Balin uh, uh, Ackerman. Mm, I don't. Jackie Earl Haley. Jackie Earl Haley. She's absolutely the weakest link in that entire movie. I, I mean, think. she is. Um, but she she's was not just like the first person I could think of. Yeah. On top uh, but of that. basically, that entire cast, almost except for her, is is really really good casting. Billy Crudup. Billy Crudup. Thank you, as Mo- Doctor Manhattan. Yes. Um, because it is Alan Moore. Alan Moore's words, and it's those actors. It is real. It is. It is for me a good adaptation because everything there is like, man, this is all. This is all. It's all good. You know it's all, it's all pretty good. More, this reminds me of the Killing Joke animated film. Mm, that's that's it, taking liberties, baby. That's, the Killing Joke animated film is another instance where, um, if you're adapting something, uh, I don't think personally. Going back to what the top, what, what we're talking about, like I don't think uh, one for one dialogue is a good idea. It doesn't always work. It doesn't no. always work. And I think especially when you're looking at the Killing Joke movie, that's where you see the, 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 the problems with doing something like that. Uh, when you... When, so, so, when, real quick, Ben. When you... Uh, because once you get over the really shitty Barbara Gordon plot that they threw in there... The comic um, starts. <laughs> the comic starts. <laughs> yeah. But, it's, but then it becomes Alan Moore's dialogue. And, and it doesn't it, sound the it same. It sounds stiff. It sounds rigid. And Kevin Conroy... Sounds like he's phoning in a performance, which we know that Kevin Conroy doesn't do. Yeah. So I think the Killing Joke suffers from that, from being a bad adaptation because of that, for among many reasons. I yeah. W- I would say Killing Joke suffers because they added two stuff Sex that was gargoyle. Yeah. They had Jesus had, Christ. They added two stuff that was in the original thing. Yeah. Like yeah. whereas. Well, no. You know what? Actually, adding. Adding, Not always bad. I won't well, think that's always bad. Okay. Take, take, for example, Superman vs. the Elite. Superman vs. Oh, the Elite yeah, is an adaptation right. of one of you're a right. single you're issue. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And they add a ton of stuff, Let and it actually helps that movie. Okay, uh, may, I, may I rephrase? It is, um, it is an example of adding stuff gone wrong. Sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, I think that the biggest problem with adaptations is right off the bat, if you are going to note for note recreate the same thing just in a different medium, you're already failing. Lion King yeah. coming out next week. Uh, Psycho. Like Lion King's a great example yeah. in the sense that Psycho, what yeah. we've talked about off air, and I'll just bring it up here because I'm not going to talk about it next week, is that if Lion King had decided to start with something like the opening of the film being a flashback to a young Mufasa and a young Scar and a story about the two of them and what drove them apart as brothers and how Scar got his Scar as there has been told in children's books before. If they had done something like that, you're already telling me this is going to tell you more of a story in a different way and a different perspective than what the original film did and you are getting something different from watching this than watching the original again. What we're hearing so far sounds like I'm just basically watching the same movie again, in which case uh, the original is there uh, it's good blemishless it's in yeah. my opinion and so why recreate it if you're not bringing anything new to the table there's yeah. no point to translate it over to another medium which is i why feel that way about any adaptation i'm yeah. harping on the lion king because it's current but any and adaptation so if you. you're going if yes but if you're going to just take the exact same thing and put it over why are you even bothering? That's why I'm so excited Sorry. for Watchmen, the show. Yeah. Because it is giving me the tone that, that Watchmen, the movie, did not give me, which the comic has. Despair, a grim situation, an America that cannot Im- get any better. And, and, and th- th- we bring up Rorschach, right? Like, yeah. In the movie, Rorschach's your hero, right? In the comic, Rorschach is a psychopath. Yeah, you're not supposed to like Rorschach. It's it's very much like oh, I never get to talk about this. V for Vendetta. I love the movie V for Vendetta. So oh, not a lot of people read that comic. V is a terrorist. Yeah. V is a bad person. Yeah. Here's the thing. I read V for. I read. The I love that the book movie. But years it's after so I saw not the, fil- the book, I saw the film first. Then I read the book years afterwards when I realized, oh shit, there's hey guys. Oh, most Alan Moore oh, adaptations are not no, the holy same. Holy shit! V for Vendetta is a good example of a. Uh, uh, I think the movie's really good. 
but it it's different. It doesn't. It it tries to be different. It doesn't try to do a one for one adaptation. It one hundred percent decided I am something different from the book. Yes. Yeah. It, it made it. the yeah. choice. Yes. Yeah. Whereas Psycho, like you take one, you know, shot for shot remake. Psycho, oh, the remake God. of Psycho with Vince Vaughn, they use the exact same shots. Van Zandt's Psycho. Everything like that is the same movie yeah. with mm-hmm. different actors, and it doesn't work. There's a butthole right. in that movie. And you got and you got to like you got to wonder like. Well, if it's the same movie, it should work. But just because you're doing the same thing over again doesn't mean it's exactly, the same, yeah. same there, result. There is a problem with going into it with the idea of let's recapture the exact same lightning in the same. It's bottle. it's like a good cover. It's covers not a, are different. It's like it's just like songs. Exactly yes. the thing. A good a good oh. cover of songs different. Yeah. Uh, disturbed. Song. Sound of Silence. Yes. That is an example. Johnny Cash hurt. Yeah. Oh we my were god. Talking, we were oh talking god, about disturbed the Beatles. The Beatles has an entire album of ce- uh, celebrity singers coming Jim on. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Robin Williams coming on and doing Beatles songs yeah. and doing it in a different. Sean way. Connery. My life is amazing. Sean Connery in my life is fantastic and it's an entirely different version of that song arguably William Shatner and uh, William Shatner and Ben Folds uh, oh, Ben Folds co- hell yeah cover of Common People is better than the original arguably so uh, we're we're Nerdy Podcast we, let's talk yeah. about real quick Marvel and DC in terms of adapting into film because I think so sorry, for the ahead, most part in a lot of ways I feel like Marvel and DC have for the most part, been able to shirk away from direct adaptation problems of what we're talking about up to this point, mm-hmm. because whenever they're adapting something, they're usually not pulling from a single concise storyline that is considered pristine. They have, they have decades of stuff to choose from. Yes, uh, I think the closest that any of them have particularly gotten is when they said Civil War, which is pulling specifically from that title. Everybody's thinking about that thing. When and before it's that was Age of Ultron, though. Before and that's that not was Age even, of Ultron. That's not uh, even before, that book. Before, before Civil War, I would say the closest they got to adapting one-to-one was Extremis. No, no, no. I'm talking purely in title. Like what people think they're going to the movie to get. Age oh, of Ultron, yeah, yeah. I wasn't thinking about. But, um, no, Civil I, War, you're right. Just because Civil War, that is people a Civil talk about War. Civil War about a lot. Uh, but because you get the title, you think I'm going. It's like if they announced the next Batman movie is the Killing Joke. Sure. You know, you're there's a certain expectation of what story yes. you're getting because it's coming from a very particular comic yeah. as the core of it. And for some people, like Civil War is fine. I'm not. I'm not here to harp on Civil no, War yeah, for yeah. anything in particular, especially no, not as being an specials. adaptation of that storyline. But when you say things like that, this is one of the reasons why I say I hope there's never a Marvel film called Secret Invasion. Yeah. I don't want to see that title. I don't think it's a good idea to do it. Everybody's going to go in there with certain expectations. You are going to disappoint somebody. Yeah. It's um, Star Wars. The Force Awakens was, was uh, originally going to be called Shadow of the Empire. Mm-hmm. That They were just going to steal that title? They were going to steal that title. <sighs> and that's that's I mean, rude. They can. Uh, no, I know. It's, just, it's not nice. Um, they were originally going to do Shadow of the Empire, and so that became a whole thing where they they knew that if they called the Shadow of the Empire, they knew that people would expect that book. Uh, right. Yeah. I, yeah. Or <laughs> was that was that also the video game title as yeah. well? Yeah. Also, by the way, Shadow of the Empire so does actually thematically make sense. For the it does, is. but um, yes. it's just so no, rude but to I that get, entire game. It is, it is. So, but DC and Marvel are kind of lucky in most cases because they can get away from that because <laughs> they rarely ever go for, I'm going to say a title of this thing. I also, I wasn't specifically topping out Titles talk about character. No, no, no. I Marvel know. gets uh, characters right in DC. That was how I wanted to start this conversation. Okay, I gotcha. knew what you were going for, but that's how I wanted to start this is that I think when they get the reason why they get away so far away from getting a lot of adaptation flack is because none of them have specifically tried to be an adaptation. Although secretly in some ways, Batman v Superman was Dark Knight. And, uh, yeah, it's so Dark secret. There's barely and, any fighting exactly. between and, them. And you... You see how that failed because everybody went knowing that's exactly what that movie was supposed to be, and it fails on every level because it in, in half of the movie is a direct adaptation of it, and half of it is not. 
and it's it's not paying service to any fans on either side of the table. What yeah. I think Marvel actually does really interestingly, uh, you see with Spider-Man, and we, we we talked about what we want for the X-Men. Um, you you see how they want how they've built a franchise now. They've built a separate living breathing universe to the comics. At this point, if they adapt something, they need to adapt it within the confines of their franchise. Yeah, of um, the Marvel universe. Of the Marvel universe. So when like, they like bring when they, when they bring in Spider-Man. I was one I wanted to say when they bring in Spider-Man, uh, it was a Peter Parker who grew up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. Yeah. And how would that change Peter Parker? He's like the first second generation hero. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I didn't think about that. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, you're you're absolutely correct. I think that uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe films have had the advantage of they are very willing to bend with what they know works even if it goes against comics. Thor is an excellent example of this, where they found what worked for Chris Hemsworth, and it wasn't about keeping him beholden to the Thor classic oh, like of the comics, but allow him to work yeah. in the way that works best in the movies. There was an article that, uh, you know what, air quotes, article, that Slash Film put out oh, that said, yeah. this is why Marvel screwed up, and it was an entire listicle about why... Uh, they screwed up Thor because we can never get war. We can never get the version of War of the Realms that just aired in comics. We can absolutely like, still get. That. And you're like, wait a second. First of all, if they ever did War of the Realms, they would probably adapt it to fit their franchise. 100. Yeah. Like, what yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. Age of wow. Ultron, the comic, is about Ultron going back in time and rewriting history so he rules a universe. That is not what Age of Ultron, the no. Avengers movie, is about. Civil War, the book, is completely different from Civil War, the film. To be fair, it is still Iron Man versus Captain America. But that is. The to both stories. But the way the quote unquote civil war starts is vastly different. It's still it's still a crisis where innocent people are murdered. Yeah. It's I think civil war civil war is a, is a pretty close adaptation to For, the comic in the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning I think that they they but you know we talked about the Bucky it, stuff uh, like it throws a wrench in like the civil war actual story but yeah, like that's what I was getting it at. is still at its core Tony versus Iron Man. But I still so, uh, Captain America. Sorry. I still enjoy the film no, no, more than I do Iron the book. <laughs> yeah. No, I yeah, still and think that's, and that's that's fine. As because uh, I read the book before, and even when I knew going into the movie, I knew what things were going to be. They different. don't have half those characters. Exactly, but I got out of the movie. I said I would still feel that the movie was still a very faithful adaptation of the basics, the basic Civil War storyline, where it was Tony versus Cap, and one of them losing in the end. Uh, Batman Begins is a really good adaptation Ooh, of Batman yeah. Year One yes. yeah. without yeah. saying, I'm Batman Year One. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the reason is because they didn't say Batman Year One. They said Batman Begins. And so everyone's like, wow, that's a lot of great, like, they pulled all the great stuff from Year One, but they weren't going to the movie expecting to see the Year One comic people liked put on screen. Um, yeah. The Dark Knight is a really good adaptation of The Long Halloween. Yeah. Yes. Oh. It's, but it's not a one-on-one. But it's one. not the long but they didn't, And can you imagine, like, like short two take <laughs> those two movies, change the titles to those titles of those comics, fans wouldn't have liked it as much it, because it's not the story. And that's the problem. Is like if they're it, DC and Marvel, they have to be careful. If they are, are putting names of titles of comics that people like on there, people are going to go there expecting something in particular. I, I think that was actually part of the reason why they decided to go with Infinity War, not Infinity Gauntlet. I also don't think it sounds as cool. Yeah. No, it doesn't sound as cool, um, but it's it's smart. Yeah. Well, we were talking about earlier about the, the Killing Joke. Yeah. How it wasn't a good adaptation of that book. There are two... Uh, hey, guys, Batman. Killing Joke's terrible. Yeah, but there are two it's that actually... I mean, because we talked about the Dark Knight uh, Rises, or not Rises, uh, Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. 
The two-parter. Which, the two-parter, yeah. which I would say is beat for beat, shot for shot of the book. It's pretty close, yeah. But it's very well done. The thing is, here's, uh, a, here's the problem. Go ahead, also, yeah. the other one I was going to bring up well, was Batman Year One, because they did do an animated version of that they with did. Brian Cranston and Benjamin McKenzie. Yeah. yeah. That is also very well done. Brian Cranston's uh, really good in that. He is great in that. Katie Sackhoff's in that. Mm-hmm. Who? Katie Sackhoff from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, sweet. Bionic is woman. She, is she uh, um, uh, Selena Kyle in that one? No, she's... Um, oh, she's... Uh, she's the other cop. Oh, she's the one that. Okay, I yeah. know who you're talking about. I want to talk about Dark Knight Returns real quick because most of the DC animated movies are like like 75 minutes long. The right? They're not the early movies. ones. The early ones used to do what used to do this really well. The like pre Justice League Flashpoint paradox yeah. pretty well. Uh, Justice League Doom is a really good adaptation of Tower of Babel. Yeah, uh huh. But it's not yeah. that same. It's but not, it's not that Tower same. But what I mean is, is like all these adaptations, they are not full length movies. They're not two hours long, right? So you give something like The Dark Knight Returns instead of giving it seventy five minutes, mm-hmm. you give it two seventy five minute movies. So you actually yeah. tell the whole story. Yeah. So the adaptation that you want to tell beat for beat works instead mm-hmm. of truncating it into one episode. Right. Uh, even uh, Year One. I mean, Year One's a short book. That's yeah. Frank, Frank Miller's short book. But still, I want to say whereas uh, where Year One and Dark Knight Returns work so well is because I want. I want to say it's like partially director, partially the voice a- the voice actors know what they want to do, and probably because those books like uh, with Dark Knight Returns, they there's like hey Warner Bros gave them two 75 minute films and they're like do as much as you want with this we're giving you the time and you're oh, one it's a that. it's a shorter book it's a shorter book but that could still fit 75 minutes no problem whereas since uh the killing joke that's already a very short book that's like what 20 minutes to read they added that. yeah they, they added had nonsense. to add more stuff because yeah. they can't put out a, a 15 minute short for that just no way in hell the the dark knight returns is actually probably the best it's no, it, it it's it's an ex, it's an ex, it's an exception it's an exception not the rule because yeah. it is a beat for beat adaptation of the Dark Knight Returns. But it's so and it's got Robocop it's as but Batman. It, it's but very it, well done. But it works. But beat for beat adaptations don't always not work. always no no no. 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 So look at Psycho when we talked about earlier and even stuff that they changed like I mentioned Ray Player One earlier that's completely different from the book. Hundred percent. But I think for the it, better. exactly I for agree. the better. Because I remember an argument um, after you read the book, Brandon, that you did not want to watch Parzival play the Lich in a game of Joust I for the first been key. Hilarious. Because I'm thinking that, like, if they were on the, if they were actually jousting, that would have been cool. But they were yeah. just playing the game yeah, of Joust. They're, they're just playing. Doing. They're, they're just playing the, the game think, of Joust. I think, some of it, I think some of it is in the way you portray. It. Like, if it had been a, uh, like, he enters, there's the Lich, and he rises up, and it's like, oh, battle, and it smash cuts to them with the arcade game, that's and they're exactly playing against each what other. I imagine. That's humorous. If you know how to cut it right, it can yeah. be humorous. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's it's having a vision for it and everything. I, I think that. Ready Player One is one of those where I think like there are things in that movie that were much better, and there are things in that book that were much better, and neither of them are fantastic in either way. <laughs> but uh, I, I agree overall that Ready Player One, the film, because it allowed itself to be different, improved upon. I think it the really book. helps having yeah. Steven Spielberg because well, I don't know too. how many filmmakers could and, do that. And also, for a I, I want to say for Ready Player One, already that um, that. The novel, if you if you read it with your minds, like the way I saw it, I saw a visual. Read it spec- with your minds. Shut up. <laughs> Just, I had a. Mind's eye. I had a. My mind's eye, the way I imagined it, was already very um, visually spectacular. And then yeah, when yeah. we saw the movie, we got a visual spectacle. Yeah. But what works more, a visual in a, in a visual spectacle form uh, in a film, to a, a human and a lich playing an arcade game, or a batshit crazy drive through New York City with a, De- cool. with a DeLorean, the bike from Akira, King and Kong. King Kong just wrecking your shit. Pretty and You gotta go backwards. Yeah, that's a cool sequence, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm of two minds about that. So my thing is that. Uh, <laughs> 
Ready Player One isn't a book I feel this strongly about, but I feel like if you are trying to play an angle of like this is kind of an homage to video game history more than anything else, Mm -hmm. going for the spectacle when you go to the film of the driving thing loses some of the messaging of what that book wanted to be about. Yeah, I don't think that book executed that message that well to begin with. No, but if that is what you're going for, the movie as an adaptation already lost the meaning of what the book was trying to do. It traded character for spectacle, but in this case, I. I think didn't, that was probably I better. I really mind. for the yeah. Yeah. better. Yeah. But, but, but that is the symptom of a problem that bothers me in other films that do the same thing. Uh, going back to the Marvel DC thing that you were talking about, there's definitely, like like the, like the films across the board, uh, there are definitely times where they'll take something to the character and it's uh, totally new and it works. Jason Momoa doing Aquaman or Chris Hemsworth the adaptation of Thor. I don't feel like I'm losing core fundamentals of who those characters are or yes. anything. Right. Spider-Man and Spider-Man Far From Home is one where I'm starting to feel like I'm losing core fundamentals of who Peter Parker is. Part of this is a class thing. Peter Parker has always been a poor character, mm-hmm. not somebody who has access to rich resources and this is starting to be a little bit of a problem. Uh, hope- and, and real quick, to be fair, uh, for the last like 10 years of Spider-Man, he's he's been wealthy. And it's something you don't like, which is completely understandable. It's a part of, uh, it's an aspect of Spider-Man a lot of people don't like. They like when he's yes. no, but it poor was a, and trying. But it, was a, but it was a deliberate, in the comics it was a deliberate uh, a story choice to be like, for my arc, I'm going to make things go right for Peter. Yes. But, it, but Peter Parker, but a core, fun, but it works for a story arc. No, I but, agree. Uh, but it, it, when you're doing it in Far From Home, you're actually changing a fundamental part of the character that you end up losing. It's kind of like with Batman. If you if, if Batman kills someone, that's a fundamental part of that character that you've just lost. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's kind of a one to one. I think. I just don't think it's. I I think in this case, Marvel isn't going as extreme as Batman is. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's it's something that's becoming more and more clear to me that I'm concerned. You, you were bringing it up because I was dwelling on it this week. No, you yeah, were bringing yeah. up when we were doing Far From Home that, like, you know, I've had these blank movies of Spider-Man for, you know, the past few years. Like, I don't need to see some of those things all over again. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. But I also need to not lose the things that are core to that character just because we saw them before. Yeah, of course. Ben Parker never being acknowledged, that's a core aspect of Peter Parker. And if you're just not going to do it because it's been done before, even to just reference it, that's a problem problem that's losing something that's core to the character that's like if we just never talked about like the fact that bruce's parents were killed like we don't have to show it in a flashback or anything but if it's just literally an omitted part that of is discussion so in essential history, to batman thomas wayne is now one of the main characters in the batman book but that's what i'm I saying will, it's will, so essential to peter yeah, parker I will it's say, bananas to not even talk about it talking about adaptations if you want to adapt something if you want to adapt, adapt a batman book into a movie you know pro tip don't start with the death of the waynes tired of it we're good we know it hey we <laughs> no, know but, and i get it like I, we've seen it so many times but to to have a film where like nobody ever even like nobody mentions ever, ever they act basically like that didn't happen alfred like for example alfred needs to be like your parents would be disappointed or your parents blah 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 that would be insane if there was just no acknowledgement of the the previous circumstances of his parents at all that's just too much a part of who his character is if it's not even a present idea that at one point he had parents and they were shot and that's made him who he is all right let's talk i want to talk about um tv shows okay um batman they made series the Uh, best ever (laughs) one of the best adaptations of all time sure and the reason is not because they adapt so many comic books which they very rarely did but because they they got the core character of who Batman was sure. so well that when they made a feature length film, 
they were able to do they were able to take every liberty they could with his origin with new character <laughs> and everything and it still worked as a batman thing mm-hmm. That's if true. you get the core fundamentals correct you can do whatever it's, you want with it's the character it's also so good that it created characters and it gave character origin stories better than the comics did and then the yeah. comics adapted that mr, mr. Freeze. freeze mr freeze harley quinn so many things um, the, the phantasm yeah. like no, yeah, no, Mr. Freeze sucked before that. Like, no, that's Mr. Freeze. If you, if you oh. understand a good, really good example, if you want to get, if you want to get, if you want to adapt something, the core character needs to be there. Around him, you can do whatever you want. Not just the core character, but the core like narrative themes of who that character is. Like, I'm not saying from a specific comic arc, but like what is happening for Peter Parker. His core theme of narrative arc is like, it's really hard to be Spider-Man and be a normal person. This is part of the reason why I have a problem with the secret identity thing being revealed. Part of the point of Peter Parker's whole existence is the struggle of like trying to be a person and also be Spider-Man at the same time, not being out in the open with both. Ben, Uh, what were you going to say about about Mr. Freeze? Oh, no, I was just going to say that I... um before the um, what you call it, before the animated show, Mister Freeze was just do the freeze gun. He was lame. Then they gave him that great origin story that has been now he's adap- my favorite Batman villain. Yeah, yeah. No, I Except think Scott Sna- the one thing Scott Snyder did that I don't like is change Mister Freeze's origin. I, I'll tell you what I I really like what he did. I wish that wasn't his origin. Yeah, go ahead, man. No, but Mister Freeze became one of my favorite villains in the animated show because. He had purpose. He was wrong. He was done wrong, and he figured out a way to. Remember when he came back with spider legs? Uh, I, real cool. I forget. Wait, is this Darth Maul now we're talking oh, about? Batman, uh, the New Adventures of Batman. Yeah, I don't remember that. So in the New Adventures of Batman, Mr. Freeze comes back, and he was only in like two episodes of the original series. So the New Adventures of Batman, uh, Mr. Freeze comes back, attacks uh, Alfred and and Tim, and you find out that his his disease had progressed so far that he had to be an amp- he had to amputate his entire body, Jeez. and he could only live inside of his head, and he was using an animatronic. Uh, uh, body. That's uh, awesome. That's some Sub Zero well, stuff. Funny yeah. thing is, it kind of took that away when he they brought him back at Batman Beyond. And Batman, no, in Batman Beyond, they cloned his body again. Uh, <laughs> in order, uh, they cloned his body in order to transfer his brain so that they could cure his disease I and forgot. he could live a normal oh, life. I that forgot that part. Awesome, but, but it didn't it, work. But either way, hey guys, Mr. Freeze's arc in the animated series was really good. <laughs> but Mr. Freeze, they took a do with the rate with a freeze gun and they gave him actual purpose, a meeting, and then. And even in Batman Robin, bad movie, but they still put that. They still <laughs> kept. They still kept the main courses. Like this is how Mr. Freeze became his freeze. He has to constantly stay cold, but he's doing it to save his wife. Yeah. You know, with you know, Batman Beyond is also a really good uh, topic to touch on with this with this thing because it, it is an, an adaptation of Batman, but because it is a different character, just Terry McGinnis, mm-hmm. um, they're oh, able to old man Batman. They're able to take a lot of liberties that you wouldn't be able to. And so you know, we talk about it a lot with James Bond. You know, if you want, if you want to introduce a female James Bond, a female Leonardo Jones, you know, it's better to, it's better to make a new character yes. than try to change a fundamental part of that of what the character is. Miles Morales. Miles Morales <laughs> is a really good example of this. Miles Morales is Spider-Man, but he's a different Spider-Man than Peter yeah. Parker. Mm-hmm. You're able to do different things when you create a fundamentally different character. Yes, I agree, and I would always prefer that you do that than try to tell me that the character is something. This goes back to the Lashana Lynch thing we were talking about in 007 earlier. Uh, don't try to make her James Bond, make her her own thing. Jane Bond. Yeah, don't do that. Um, it, going back to what you started off the episode with, the Avatar The Last Airbender M. Night Shyamalan film. Holy <laughs> I, yikes. Big I yikes. Talk about I we not understanding... Well, you started it. Yeah. Talk about not understanding your characters Absolutely. or your narrative story or, or anything what that about show was supposed show. to be about at all. Anything. That's, Appa looks super That's that cute. movie. Appa? Is that his name? Appa? Appa, yeah. yes. Yep, yep. Appa, yeah. He's real cute. He looks, yeah, he looks real good. 
Momo looks adorable. Yeah, but yeah. There CGI's was this, fine. No, there is this great scene. Okay, it's not a great scene, but there's this part that could have been great, and I'm kind of stealing from this Dodger Crick a little bit here. Um, where in the in the film, in the last Airbender film, it's the scene where Aang is at the northern water, t- uh, the northern um, air temple, and he sees all the statue of his past lives. This could have been a great scene of him coming to terms with the fact that he has to live up to this grand legacy and make up for all the years he's for the hundred yeah, he years ran he's away like a yeah, coward. He's, he ran away like a coward. But it could have been a great scene of him like accepting his responsibility as Avatar. Instead, it just turns into something really dumb and stupid that I don't you remember. You know what's a really good example of, of, of the last Airbender? S- sorry, Sparks, real quick. Um, in the ver- I talked to Pi, my friend Pi, who's mm-hmm. been on the show about this a lot, uh, when the last Airbender came out. A fundamental part of Aang's character is missing in The Last Airbender. Um, and it's very prevalent from frame one of, the t- of when we see him. When, he's, when he opens his, his, his eyes in the ice, he doesn't immediately get excited and goes and say, want to go penguin sweat- sledding. Mm-hmm. He's dour. He's upset. He's yeah. like, what had happened? He's he's a he's a man with weight on he's his shoulders. He's not a kid. He's not a kid. Yeah, he's a ten year old kid. The uh, first he's scene so of last air of the show Avatar, which is an amazing show. Please watch it or rewatch it. Um, he pops up. He's like, I'm Ang. Do you want to go penguin sweating? He does. He's like, he doesn't care. He's a ten year old kid who he knew he ran. And he away doesn't from. know that a hundred years has passed. Yeah, he doesn't know about the war. I just don't war. understand how care. you you watch even one episode of that show because M Night had to done some research and he see did. the joy and the his fun. His kids watch it. Yeah, like the the whimsy that this show has, and it does have dark dark moments. Of course, it does. You have to have the dark with the light. But it is the so. The last three episodes it, are really dark. It is so like animated, yeah. and I don't just mean animated. I mean like in terms of life. Like it's yeah. so it has so much breath, and there's nothing in that movie. So um, we we talked about. I think that really covers like everybody knows. Last Airbender is not going to adaptation. Yeah. Uh, we we talked about like how with comics characters, really what's important with comics characters is don't do a specific comic story unless you are going to commit hard to it. Uh, because that's what fans are going to be expecting. Or keep to the cores of the characters. Make them still be the characters they are in the comics. The big problem that everybody had with Zack Snyder's films is that that wasn't Superman. That wasn't Wonder Woman from the comics. And sure enough, they weren't. They were these versions he was creating, hoping to lead to an injustice. Yeah. This like That was not Lex Luthor. Like, these were not the characters that people knew from the comics. It was mm-hmm. not a good adaptation of those characters because they lost the core parts of who they were. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about when a book is adapted to a movie. Let's go to Jurassic Park. Okay. Example. Jurassic Park as a book and a film are very different yeah. reads. Yet, both are excellent in their own way. And the, I think the reason that that works is because Jurassic Park, when it was adapted from a book to a film, never lost sight of the core point of the book is for the wonder of dinosaurs to immediately be crushed with the horror of dinosaurs yes. yep. being brought to the modern world. Yes. And that is entirely what the book does. That's entirely what the film does. And it doesn't lose sight of that, even though the characters drastically change in translation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But do, 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 we're talking about characters keeping their thing, like their core tenants. Do yeah. the characters in the, in the movie? No. They, no. Hammond's no. a 100 Oh, yeah. Hammond's a dick in the movie. Different right? character. But the the idea of Alan um, growing to to accept his role as a father not in the book. Okay, yeah. that, that's really good stuff. That they're, was something that Spielberg added. Yeah, and the the stuff in the book is good too. They are essentially translated into being different characters. That's cool. Um, but the way that they're translated, in some ways, what it is is that it works. Now this is you know coming in with an adaptation, and Michael Crichton had say in some of this. 
about what was what was brought to the screen and everything. But this is someone coming in with a vision of like, I want to do the same story, but I want to do it in a different way. And it's a choice of doing it different. And you don't have to keep the core concepts of those characters. If you're keeping the main, because this is a specific story, not an overarching comic series, that's why I say with comic characters, they have to be the core characters. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what you keep coming back for. You're not adapting a specific storyline. But if you're adapting a specific storyline, like Jurassic Park is, you can change your characters as long as you're not losing the main arc and, and theme and why you did the book. If right. you're not losing the story and why you made it, then you can adapt it and change it to fit. And they found that in the performances of the actors, they made Hammond better by having him be a more approachable and, that, and, and sweet man. And that's honestly because the the length of a book and the length of a movie dras- are drastically so different. Yeah. And it, it's it's drastically different. It's yes. not like a, a comic book could be the same length or whatever. But it, like it, it's so different that you have to condense a lot in order to make a book, or to make a, a book into a movie. So, realizing what the core of that book is going to be, uh huh. If you don't lose sight of that, I think you can still make a really good movie. Exactly, Ben. Yeah, because I haven't read the book, but I've seen the bad movie. Mm-hmm. How's Aragon in terms of adapting? Is, is it just a bad movie <laughs> and a good adaptation? Oh lord! Or is it a bad adaptation? No, it's a bad adaptation. Okay, because I don't okay, know anything about the so book. So there are some because it's a bad movie. Mm, there are some really. I, I want. It's been a long, long time yeah, yeah. since I've seen. Uh, Aragon. I'm just curious. I, I know that's one a lot I, of people. I would say Aragon, because I mean, Safira in the. I mean, I get where they had to cut corners. Like in the book, Safira grows up gradually, whereas in the film, she turns into a fully adult dragon like on the spot. Um, uh, sorry, Sparks, you've also read Aragon. Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. I, I was, didn't realize. That. Go ahead. Yeah, I was oh. gonna say. Uh, I was gonna say. I wanted you to correct me on this if I'm wrong, Ben. Uh, I think that the book also suffers from a symptom that I've seen a lot of books, usually ones that don't continue on with their sequels when they're adapted to films um, but sometimes ones that do mm-hmm. and because they have the foreknowledge of where their books are going they, they start up. to layer in things that were not part of that story to Setting begin up, with yeah, yeah. and interrupt the flow of the actual narr- narrate narrative arc that the book had before in order to tease up the possibility of what they know comes it's in the like future. setting up its and universe. aragon did that as well mm. yeah for they, better or worse harry potter doesn't do that for better, arguably. No, yeah. I would say for better. In, a, cou- I would in say a couple of ways, but but when you get to the last book, when you get to the last movie, and a bunch of characters pop in that you haven't seen in seven movies. I mean, yes. I like that's that. I, I actually like that, though. Yep. That's, that's fair, but I mean, like, Harry Potter never sacrificed itself to try to tell you about things before they would happen yeah. in a way that the book didn't. Like, Aragon... Ne- sorry, it, it never, like, uh, teased up Sirius Black in Chamber of Secrets. True. Like Aragon, even the marketing for Aragon and even the marketing for Last Airbender, they both had sequels in mind. The marketing for Aragon said the first chapter in the Inheritance trilogy. Oh, dude. Which <laughs> funny thing? Uh, which Last here's Airbender the thing. said the first part of the, of the trilogy. Yeah. yeah, but with um with Aragon, that didn't even to happen in the books. I got Brisinger, which was the third book, and I thought this is the last book. I get to the end, I'm like, this isn't over. This yeah. is bullshit. Yeah. I was told this was a trilogy the whole time, and then uh, Christopher Polini strips his like, yeah. Didn't he write that book, the first one when he was like 13? Yeah. What a baller. I know, right? Cool guy. But he came out with Inheritance years later. Right. And it's like, now, Inheritance is an end to that story. Yeah. It's a straight up end, which, okay, great. Last question on Aragon. If that had to be remade, would you want it to be another movie series? Do you want it to be a TV series? It has to be a TV series. TV series? If okay. you're, if, if you're Live re- action animated. Um, what would you want? Just you. I probably want a live action. Okay. Look at look at Game of Thrones. I think adapting books. I think if you're gonna adapt a book, uh, especially in the age of prestige television, mm-hmm. uh, television is the way to go. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, don't. I don't think that's always the case. If you have the 
the the vision behind it to do something like Jurassic Park, which is I know how I have to change this to fit the new medium. Mm-hmm. You have to have a craftsman behind it who knows how to do look at Lord of the Rings and like, how to that, adapt the story. Those could be huge TV shows, right, but Lord, they managed. No, you know, Lord of the Rings is a really good is yeah, a really yeah. good example of, yeah. of a really good adaptation. Right. Oh yeah, of three books like completely those, cutting because, stuff out because those those are because it's easy to say like oh yeah it should be prestige television, but honestly some of the books when they're supposed to be adapted they need the budget of films. Yeah. They can't get away with the budget of television. I think yeah. Harry Potter and, would work really well. Awesome. And if you were going to do that, if you were going to do that, then uh, you just have to know how to like Harry Potter is a great example. Some of those movies are better than others. Why? Because some of them are better adaptations of like what the book was trying to do than others. Some stray really far in order to do to do their own. Look, these are teenagers being in love hijinks. You're talking about sex. I am talking about (laughs) sex because I think six is the worst because it drops so much. What's the girl's name? Cho? Cho Chang. Cho Chang. She's in five. Four and five. Uh, they drop so much of what's important from the Half-Blood Prince in order to pay lip yeah. service to these things that they think are more entertaining for the films. Yeah. And sometimes changes like that can work, but they lost the through line of what was important about the story the book that's was why, telling. That's why I think the David Yates later films, the Half- Half-Blood Prince, Death of the Hallows 1 and 2, are the weaker of the Harry Potter films. Yeah, that's 100% why I'd agree with you on that, because it's you can tell, like you had Alfonso Cuaron and Christopher Columbus, uh, and I forget the guy who did the, uh, the Goblet of Fire, Most but those did. guys were people <laughs> who knew how to approach a film and to craft it from a book to the screen making the changes necessary in order to make the time constraint work but still keep what was essential mm-hmm. to the story and to the characters yes. and the later Harry Potter films are worse at that I yes, would I, I would <laughs> say that Sorcerer's Stone is I think to me a <coughs> near perfect adaptation Sorcerer's I, Stone is my favorite yeah it's my favorite too not um, because it takes all the big the major stuff from the books it it fleshes them out and for me when I was watching Harry Potter when I was watching um a Sorcerer's Stone for the first time, I'm like, I'm watching the film. I mean, yeah, it took out Peeves, which sucked, but you know what? I was okay with that. I didn't like Peeves. You don't need, you don't need Peeves for the, narr- for the narrative no. of the story. Hey guys, you do don't. you know what? Uh, the, the guy who directed Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, you know what the next movie he directed after that? What? Prince of Persia. Oh, my God. What? Yeah. What's his name? His name is Mike Newell. Wow. He's not. Wow. He's, he's a guy. <laughs> I, I'm not saying it's his fault. No, yeah. He also did a romance movie like Life in the Times of Cholera or something. Oh, that's actually a really good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, so no, it's it, and that's the thing is like it's not always on one person. Yeah. teams make these films. Yeah. It's not always on one person how these adaptations. I, re- I remember go wrong. watching the film Goblet Fire, and I was really looking forward to the scene in the Triwizard Tournament, the maze where Harry confronts the Sphinx. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not vital you to know, you know what Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire is a really good adaptation of that book. It's, it is. It strips away all of the fat, and I think, you know, uh, Half-Blood Prince also, uh, not Half-Blood Prince, um, this, ha- is, uh, this is where Order I specifically Phoenix. said it. Yeah, I Order think Order of the Phoenix, Phoenix and, and Goblet of Fire are really good adaptations of their books because they strip away all the fat and just focus yeah. on what the narrative of the movie is. Because yeah. you had to, because the books were getting longer, but the movies weren't going to. Yeah. Um, yes, I... I think that that Harry Potter is an excellent example, progressing over time, especially of how adaptation can be done well and how adaptation can be done less well. Yeah. Not necessarily as garbage as some of the other examples we've talked about, but it certainly happens. Uh, I definitely want to talk about one that I'm like, I can't, I can't not bring it up. Hey, here's Dragon Ball Evolution. Jesus, why uh. is Dragon Ball Evolution a terrible adaptation? Oh, let's count the ways. Uh, no, but <laughs> all seriously, of them. No, but seriously, like <laughs> it's going sense. in going into Dragon Ball Evolution. This really speaks to the whole thing of like. Mm. Arguably, Dragon Ball Evolution did the thing that I wanted, which is they knew they were going to be telling the story in a different way. They made a choice. They were just bad choices. But they did at least make a choice that, like, we are telling the story in a different way. We're not going to go about it exactly the same. It's not going to be the same thing you saw. 
that being said, they lost everything that was absolutely core to those characters right down to the fact that Piccolo should be green because we know James Marsters was on set saying, make me greener. And with with uh, Dragon Ball Evolution, Dragon Ball Evolution also has a has a larger problem of just anime adaptation. Western anime adaptation for sure, but have, this is, have a harder time. But we're talking working. adaptations in anime and video yeah. games and books. This yeah. all happens. Yeah, it's, it doesn't help that it's just also just a really bad movie. With Dragon Ball Evolution, <laughs> right. you have, and I guess for for the example, like none of these none of these that we're talking about are like hard and fast rules. Like you could do a film like Dragon Ball Evolution where you take a lot of liberties and you, and you would still. You could come up with a better, with a good movie. It's having a vision behind it. This Dragon Ball Evolution was a cash grab movie, a hundred percent. I don't know what anime movie or what big movie came up before to get Dragon Ball launched, because every time that happens, like, oh, let's say uh, uh, Ghost in the Shell was successful, or whatever. Let's do something else. Sure, something like it wasn't. That. It wasn't that Dragon Ball. There had to have been a big at, movie at the time that Dragon Ball Evolution came out. Dragon Ball Z had just ended in America, hadn't it? Yes. Dragon Ball was at a fever pitch. Yeah. The likes of which we were only no, just no, no. seeing uh, again. No, no, no. Dragon Ball GT had already started at that point. Dragon Ball Z had been over for a while. Oh, no. Do you read GT was... was no, GT started. had ended. Dragon Ball was kind of dead. Yeah, Dragon... Yeah. No, it came the out... The only like, thing that was really nowhere. popular in America, like really popular at the time, was games. Budokai's. Yes. Well, I do... I still, like 10 years ago. I still think that the Dragon Ball Evolution movie came out of the popularity of the Dragon Ball anime. I it don't came think out of a, a hopeful, perceived popularity of the Dragon Ball franchise that didn't exist at the fever pitch it does now. Now sure. it's insane, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, yeah, the, what we're seeing now is incredible. We're living incredible. a, pr- a post-Broly world, thank yeah. God. <laughs> now we got movies like... Um, we're we living in a world where every, Broly's, every Broly's month there's articles like, when the next you movie's coming out. If you could have done the same movie uh, adaptation, Dragon Ball Evolution, as long as you hadn't lost sight of what was important about those characters and the, the story that you were telling. If this is a story between Goku and Piccolo, you have to make Piccolo the king demon he's supposed to be, and you have to keep Goku on the side of good. You can't create this narrative plot. If you're trying to bring in fans of this franchise and you're trying to stay true to that story, you can't create this narrative plot where Goku was once the slave of Piccolo, and that's something that like haunts him about the murder of his, uh, his grandpa Gohan. When I was trying to think of bad action movies... Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Dragon, Dragon Ball Evolution. Evolution is a bad action movie. Mortal Kombat is not going to be like Dragon, that. <laughs> Dragon Ball Evolution also has Piccolo kill Gohan. Yeah. Grandpa Gohan, uh-huh. not Goku. Right. That really changes the story. It does. Like, the it, the whole thing, it's it, it's just misguided. It's misguided in every way, and it doesn't know how to translate its characters. And any amount that it did was only because the actors were familiar with the characters to begin you with. Know what it, you know what it, what it does? Dragon Ball Evolution uh, ends up doing... What you talked about with Aragon, like it peppers in where you could go later. Yeah, like it, it has the foresight knowledge to know that Goku and Piccolo are aliens, <coughs> but in Dragon Ball they weren't. Yeah, Dragon Ball Evolution's greatest sin is thinking that a love story is important in a Dragon Ball movie. Oh, Chi Chi. Goku doesn't even know he's married half the time. That's Give me a break. its greatest sin. It spends about. 35 minutes of that movie on Goku and Chi-Chi's romance. And that is not important to that movie at all. And that was entirely a perceived, like, this is what Western audiences as teenagers want to see. And it was wrong. Dragon Ball Evolution should have focused more on the mysticism of of Dragon Ball. 100%, but they didn't. But they focused more on the sci-fi aspects of Dragon Ball This is a world that has, like, capsule technology and dinosaurs. We should be going nuts. The dog is a president. Um, Anyway. President (laughs) dog. Yeah. Uh, That was a king. So I do want to circle around the, to this the, one because the president is the king. It's right. probably one of my staunchest, like most difficult to wrap my head around. Like, not th- I'm not approaching this right. It's it's one that really irks me in a way that is hard for me to get over because I like the movie anyway. But Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Real quick, one last thing on Dragon Ball before we dive into that. 
Stephen Chow was originally tapped to direct Dragon oh, I know Ball. It. I know He's it. a guy who did Kung Fu Hustle and Shaolin <clears throat> Soccer. All these incredible, incredible Japanese. That would have been a good movie. Martial arts movies. And he's like, no way, dude. I don't want to do what you're doing in America. So he yeah, dropped yeah. it. Uh-huh. I did not know that. That We could be living in a completely different world. He's like the Japanese Edgar Wright. He, I, I, I thought Kung Fu Hustle oh, yeah. was Chinese. Uh, Chinese? I, I'm, I'm bad with, I don't know. I'm ignorant. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, the, what Dragon Ball could have been with Stephen saying. Chow. I get, I get what you're saying, though. I love Kung Fu. Tweet Hustle. in, yes. yes or no? Just oh my that. God. Don't even. Um, yes. So Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yes. If you've read the books, which I have, uh, I would argue that Edgar Wright's film is a great film. I enjoy it. it. I really like watching it. It is a bad adaptation of the books. Yes. It mm. totally misses the point of that story because the story isn't just Scott makes bad decisions. It's Scott makes terrible life-altering decisions for all the people in his world, and also Ramona does too. And they're both the main characters. And the film completely loses the narrative as it's related to Ramona, and it only focuses on Scott and even then doesn't dig deep enough. So while I really like that movie, they totally miss the point of why those books were a do story. You think, do you think that's because the the film was in development before the sixth book came out? It... Uh, no, because the fifth book made it clear what was up with where the story was going with Ramona and Scott. And if he wasn't enough conversation with uh, Brian Lee O'Malley, as he said he was, mm-hmm. he should have at least understood where it we was know going. Because we know what the original ending of the movie was going to be, because the sixth book hadn't come out. They didn't know how it was going to end. <clears throat> right. Uh, the original ending was going to be that it was revealed to be all a dream, and he had actually killed a bunch of people. <laughs> Which is uh, dumb. Yeah. Uh, so, the and the sixth... The sixth book is paid some respects in the way they do the ending, but even then it completely... Like, the entire idea... The the part that bothers me the most, and it bothers me every time I watch the movie, as much as I enjoy it, is when Nega Scott shows up. Because that is fundamentally misunderstanding what Nega Scott is supposed to be. That's such a Nega fun Scott, part of the movie. It's, it's funny. It's a shame. Yes, yeah. but it's, it's completely misrepresenting what Nega Scott is in the books. Nega Scott in the books is the representation of every terrible thing Scott has done to the people he cares about. And that eventually catches up to him, and he has to face it in order for him to grow as a person but that's a throwaway gag in the film and that's why i don't think it's a good adaptation i enjoy it but it's not a good adaptation of those books it fundamentally misses the point of why that story is told interesting i have yeah, thought uh, about that i i can 100 agree with you but like that does not take a single thing away from that movie no like, I, I still don't, love th- yeah. i still like watching that's the movie what and i mean like what what a it's so weird because like I I want to watch that movie like all the time like I think about the movie all the time. This is this is yeah. a, this is in the same way that we were talking about Watchmen earlier where I wanted yeah. to say like sometimes you can make a bad adaptation and still be a good movie. Yeah, that absolutely. can happen. Scott oh, yeah. Pilgrim's an example of that. I think it's a bad adaptation of those books, but yeah. it's a good movie. Hell yeah, yeah, I agree. It's a it's a film I love watching. It 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 rekindled because I'd already read half of the Scott Pilgrim books and then I dropped it. And the movie coming out rekindled my love for those books and I went back and I read the whole series and I fell in love with those books. And I like the movie now instead of loving it as much because I find the books superior. But but it doesn't change the fact that, that the movie is cool and I really do like it and it stands on its own. But when we're talking adaptations, they did miss the fundamental core of what that story was, and it made it so it didn't translate as well. Can we talk about Godzilla? Is that that Uh, all right? Adapting from what? Godzilla 1998. uh, I mean, that's like the only only one that's different. An adaptation of the concept of Godzilla. Like, what the, the... I I know it's wrong, but I still enjoy it on a level, but I don't understand... There's There's so many people that point to, like, what's wrong with that film... But I still kind of understand what it's trying to do as a Godzilla movie. 
It's sure. trying to be an American Godzilla movie, which is just fundamentally different than a Japanese Godzilla movie. Yeah, and I think actually, it just culturally we're different people. We we're not going to make the same thing. I think culture. I think that's a good example of yeah. just you know the movie's not great, but it's it is trying to be a different. It's like a it's like a B, a B movie monster movie. It's not the, trying to be like a political Godzilla. movie. I think the biggest thing that 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 movie gets confused on at the end is the the like we're sad but we're also happy. Yeah. About the death of Godzilla. Yes. And that's where it gets really confusing because it's it's the movie's never trying to guide you into feeling any one way and this isn't one of those things where it's very clever and it's like you kind of interpret in your own way how you feel about this it's like it wanted to be the ending of king kong but it didn't know how to do it yeah Yeah. it's a good point uh i want to bring up i know we're going to talk we're going to have an actual topic about this later but i'm the only person who has a real connection to the x-men right sure right we've had over we've had uh, almost 20 years of x-men movies I can make the same case for Scott Pilgrim, whereas none of the X-Men movies are good adaptations. I 100%, not a single one. I 100% agree with you. Because I'm picking an X-Men book club. Uh, spoiler alert, it's going to be a book club. But every time, like, I love Hugh Jackman, and I love, no, I actually, no, I don't. Uh, I love Patrick, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. Sure. But the only characters that are at all like their comic book counterparts are Xavier and Magneto. They are the only two. Which no- is why First Class is the best X-Men comic film. Yes, and even then, it's still it, not a good it's adaptation. It's still a stone's throw away from it, but it's the closest, which but is like, why it's so good. As much as I, again, like I could, I can separate the comics from from the movies. So like, but For like, sure. Hugh Jackman, great guy. He is not Wolverine. But here, but he here, is not Wolverine. But here's a really good example. He's actually a really good example. Logan. It's not Old Man Logan. No, no. They knew they had to build. Well, again, something that's a bad adaptation. Good movie. But they knew they had to build something completely different. They d- weren't going for Old Man Logan. Yeah. They were going for a a, a similar vein. Yeah. But with with a franchise that couldn't uh, deliver an Old Man Logan story, so yeah. they delivered what th- would be their equivalent. Yeah. And again, of it. that's maybe the best example next to Scott Pilgrim of, wow, what an Oscar-winning movie, not at all like its adaptation, not all like yeah. its source material, which, again, it's not a bad thing. No, it doesn't always yeah. have to be a bad thing, yeah. and, and I 100% agree with you and, about all of that. And which is why I'm really, I, the main reason, not you know, besides like business stuff, like why I'm excited Marvel to get the X-Men, because if Marvel gets one thing right, it's their characters. It is 100% their characters. And I, I want to see the Wolverine that I've been reading for decades and the Wolverine that you guys are going to read in my book club. And I want to see the Jean Grey that I've never, ever seen on the big screen. I want to see a Cyclops that actually is a powerful leader and actually commands the X-Men instead of being... What uh, if we got like, none of those characters? Exactly. None of the... No, Storm. No, no, I'm saying, like, what, if we, what if Marvel oh. relaunched it with none of those characters? That's another... <laughs> this is why I'm so, glad, so excited for my book club. Because if Marvel straight up just introduces the past 10 years of new X-Men and completely ignores the classic characters, that would be incredible. That'd be super cool. That's that's a completely different topic for after we win read this book club. But there are literally hundreds of characters that have been introduced in the last couple of decades that have never been on screen, animated or live action that you guys don't know about that are awesome. And you will soon find out in, in this book club. Much like the Young Avengers, there are so many aspects of the universe that has never been touched. Yeah. Uh, and like being a being a school for the gifted youngsters, have it be Guys, you know what reminded me most of X-Men? Stranger Things Season 3. Because that entire thing is about being in a mall with superpowers. But isn't that, isn't that why we didn't like Season 2? Is because it reminded us, uh, us of X-Men? Yes, but I meant in terms of having fun and being in a fun mall, like having wacky adventures. Okay, that's not, not dark stuff. And I know exactly what you're talking about because like, that is kind of what I wanted, which I'm glad we didn't get. I am super glad Season 2 did not turn into Season 3 that I thought we were going to get. But the X-Men, uh, uh, they're, they're not those movies. But they are good movies, so I'm just. I ar- I always argue that the majority of them are good movies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like a lot of them are pretty standard, mo- uh, good to great movies. 
they are not X-Men adaptation movies at all. Just look at the last, the Dark Phoenixes, look at Apocalypse. Even the, X2 is my favorite. That's a decent adaptation. You know, let's go back a little further. Let's let's talk about those or, or early adaptations, the Blades, the X-Men. Blade's uh, pretty, actually, pretty pretty okay. The Bla- Blade, that, the Blade movie is not that what that comic was at no. the time. The uh, Blade movie became... Uh, well, it wasn't rated R, yeah. The, bl- the Blade movie influenced the comic. Yes, that's that true. Ca- that character changed because of the movie. That's true. Like, w- you know, what, we've s- what we used to see in the past were these things aren't cool, so let's change them to varying degrees. Like yes. we Sometimes they kept the core character, sometimes they didn't, and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. Um, I'm blanking on all of them at this it's point. It's really crazy. <laughs> it's actually, that we think about it, it's super, super crazy that Marvel's first big movie was a rated R adaptation of Blade. Because Blade in the comics is like, he fights Dracula like with Spider-Man. Right. Like yeah. he's a PG, PG-13 character. So a, like, he, what a risk that actually really worked out in a he weird He was way. a black exploitation character yeah. in early, early years, and then he became Wesley Snipes. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's, that's kind of what he is in the comics now, which is... He has been that way since. Which yeah. is cool. He's a cool... Blade's cool now. Yeah, he, but he wasn't... Ori- he originally wasn't a half vampire. Yeah. He w- originally w- didn't do all the cool stuff. Uh, the movie fundamentally changed that Again, character. Again, l- like the Batman animated series, something that like... <clears throat> something does something so well that it makes that adaptation better than what it originally was. And, and uh, in speaking in that old times, what's one of the greatest comic book films of all time? Superman. Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2. And why? It's pretty much 100% an excellent adaptation of 90s Spider-Man. Does any of the, the Spider-Man any you grew up with when you were a kid, that's him. That's Spider-Man. And Doc right Ock, there on the screen. Doc Ock is so different than he was in the comics. He's completely re-envisioned, but it didn't matter because yeah. everything else about that was he so a, true to the core of Spider-Man. He has like a uh, uh, professor, professor, Dr. Freeze, Mr. Freeze almost yes. origin, which makes him better. Yeah. 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 yeah uh, Spider-Man 2 is great. I love it's my favorite too. Spider-Man movie. Um, well, Spider-Verse exists. I keep forgetting. Spider-Verse. I, w- I, I was watching that. I was watching that this morning. Spider-Verse. It's real good. Oh, I knew. Yeah. I, I'm probably going to uh, watch that tonight. Spider-Verse is a good example of an adaptation that has nothing like the, its, its namesake. Its no. Namesake not at all. Yeah, it's literally not even. It just has multiple Spider-Man. But every single character is true to its core. I yeah. Just, uh, there's something about Spider-Verse that just strikes. I want to say like the, uh, what, a lot of, of these adaptations. Because like, Ryan, you were saying the X-Men, bad adaptation, but great films. Yeah. And then we would look on something like, say, Watchmen, where it's, it's a decent film, but it's a, but a good adaptation, but it's not that good of a film. Yes. So yeah, yeah. I want it's it's weird because there are all these like different subsections. There's no of, hard and fast rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when we say beat for beat adaptations, like uh, Psycho, the the yeah, remake, it's, it's well, <laughs> that's a hard and fast rule. Don't yeah, do that. but still, it's not that good. <laughs> yeah. But then we look at other stuff like The Dark Knight Returns, and um, it's it's beat for beat, but it's great. Oh, you know what? Actually, controversial opinion. I think Vince Vaughn's pretty good in that Psycho movie. I haven't seen it, so I can't say. I think he's the it's only. Been, it's been a while since I've seen it. Also, William H Macy's in that. Yeah, like, yeah. People, everyone and tries. H. I, I want to yeah. say everyone with tries. all these at ad- like Aragon. I would say Aragon is a really bad adaptation and it's a really bad movie. Yeah, it's a bad because, all around. Because as I as I'm watching as I saw the movie for the first time, I was thinking to myself, "That's different from the book. They didn't do that. They did not um, flesh out one of the dwarf characters at all, who becomes Aragon's best friend." Wait, there, is there a dwarf in the movie? There is a dwarf. There's supposed don't to be, but oh, you don't. don't but all. he doesn't say a damn word. Oh, okay. You have um the. Um, you have this one princess who does become queen, but she only has like two lines, and she's a major character in the politics of Alagasia and the rest of the books, and she doesn't do shit. Yeah. So you're put. So you have these characters that 
are going to be, especially for a film that was trying to set up sequels, who are going to be major players down the line, but they don't do Jack crap. Oh my god, Stephen King is the king of adaptations. Every one of his books is a movie, basically. Mm. I just realized that. Most of them are... And only until recently were most uh, all of them pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I well, only until recently did they start trying to be more true to the story that yeah. King was going for. Even if they're not recreating all the moments yeah. from the book, like the they Shining, they are recreating the intent of what the story yeah. is. Like the Shining is a great movie, but like that's a bad adaptation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Straight up, yeah. terrible adaptation. So yeah. let's let's do final thoughts. Yeah. We're yeah. at, we're at yeah. Um, It's it's weird because when we talk about attitude, I was looking forward to this conversation, but then we got. Not off the rails, but it was one of those things where it was like, there's so many different subsections of what makes it good, bad, and what's different. It's kind of personal in a way, too. It is personal in a way, yeah, but it, that's a really good point. But I, w- I also want to say that ad- adaptation is like catching lightning in the bottle. Like, if I had the chance to, like, when I was a kid, when I was really getting into um, Final Fantasy games, there were three games I want to adapt into either films or TV shows, and that's Metroid, Final Fantasy XII, and Final Fantasy VII. Holy I've given up on... Didn't, we didn't even get into video game yeah, adaptations. Yeah, but... They're mostly all bad they're in the movies. <laughs> they're mostly all bad. But I wanted... I mean, 12, I think you could turn that into a 12-episode miniseries, hour and a half each episode, but it has to have a big-ass budget. Metroid, I think that could work great as a science fiction horror film. Oh, yeah, dude. I think those could be great. But, once again, it all depends on... I think it's... Like, all art is subjective. So, 100%. So, I mean, yeah, we all will have good adaptations and we all have bad adaptations, but it really just depends on how you yourself feel. So what am I... Oh, no, you, you oh, oh, let's go because I just on my mind. Uh, Starship Troopers is one of my favorite movies. That is that is furthest. That's one of also one of my favorite books. Yeah. It is one of the furthest adaptations to a book you could possibly imagine. Uh-huh. Both of them are great in their own ways. Uh, I think it's super interesting because like it is very personal. Like, yeah. Things with like Spider Man connect differently with you, or is, like connect with me. Um, it's it's it is really personal, and I guess at the end of the day, as long as the movie is good, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So but just make it good. Yeah, I guess. World War Z is a really good example of that. Yeah. Oh, I good. love that book, and that's that's just a journalist talking to dudes, where Ooh. that turned into a huge action movie. The movie's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. There's a game that just came out that's Left, left for Dead. Sparks. Uh, I think that the core of it always comes back to. If you don't have a reason for it, even no matter how f- close to the source you you're staying or, or how far away you're going from changing it, if you don't have a clear idea of like why you're doing it or you're actively working in a direction that is away from what was so intrinsically important to why the story was told in the first place, then you're doomed to failure. I think across the board, when we all agree that something it doesn't work, it's because they they it feels like it was just done because, or it wasn't done with any thinking about how it related to the original source or why the original source was important. Um, even things like Paper Towns, which is a book I absolutely love, I don't like that movie because the third act they completely lost the point of what the story was about, and I don't understand how that happened. They completely changed it, and it didn't work. Uh, Death Note, the live-action films, go Ooh, in their own direction. Li- they go <laughs> in their own direction away from the anime, and they had a clear choice, but they stay true to what the story was really about and the characters that were in it. The American one, talk about missing the point. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So it, it's always just a, like, you can make changes or you cannot make changes, but whatever you're doing, you have to have a reason to do it, and you have to be staying true to what started it. You have to keep some core part, otherwise just make a different 
different story. It, there's no reason to adapt it if you're not going to keep the key pieces that made that story important to begin with, why it was being made in the first place. I I just have one video game movie I want to talk about, and it's the original Silent Hill because I made a couple different ones. Mm-hmm. The first Silent Hill, it's a it's a it's a it's like a seven seven point five movie. It's fine, I but the like as- it, yeah. but it's the aesthetic and and the score and like the acting and like the person who made that movie is like a super artsy French director. That dude gets Silent Hill the game super well and the movie is kind of okay but like the again like the aesthetic I and like the design the either what i don't hate the sequel either i i haven't seen it so i don't know Sean it was in 3d it's got Jon snow in it um but yeah silent hill is a really i think a an excellent adaptation of silent hill uh yeah i uh i don't know if i have much to add to that but it it is ryan was absolutely right it is super personal it, it is it really depends on what you're looking for like if if you go into Aladdin looking for the same movie you'll be happy but if you want something different then you won't be yeah um but you for film for people like you know like spark said like there's got to be a a reason for a change change for change sake very very like even even Aladdin as you said has some difference to it for um, the better, I think. It's the some, thing that, as we'll talk about next week, it's the thing I dread about The Lion King that I feel like it's just, yeah. I could watch the original instead. If, yeah. you, if, you, if you change something, there's got to be a reason for a change. you gotta, you got to follow that change for how it's going to fundamentally change. It's 30 minutes th- longer than the original, too. Uh, I, so I've that's, heard. That's uh, Lion King is adapted into a Broadway musical and talk about change, but not for change's such sake. A good, such a good play. Uh, made strong choices and kept the core of what was important. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's. Uh, that was a nice m- jaunt. Yeah, yeah, should we move into our book club? Yes. Sure. Hey, welcome to the Fake Nerd Comic Shop. Yeah, hi. Um, do you have any books? Uh, could you be a little bit more specific? Um, anything readable? All right, then time now for our book club. Ben, take it away. Yep, so as I s- stated earlier, I freaking love Avatar The Last Airbender. And one of the questions that left hanging when that show ended was what the hell happened to Zuko's mom? There's, I want to say, what, three or four good episodes talking about his mom? Yeah, I was not about Not about his, or not like him trying to find the mystery about his mom. Just but like, just referencing her. Yeah, referencing yeah, her. Yeah, I was shocked when that show ended and they had not solved that. Like a good, great last scene was Zuko and Ozai is him staring him down saying, where is my mother? And then it cuts to the... Mother. Then it c- <laughs> like that song. And then it cuts to uh, all of them and Bossing say, like, all happy because the war's over. And we finally got the answer let's in graphic l- novel form let's in give a the little, search. Let's give a little background of these graphic novels. So yes. they initially started as there was a three-part graphic novel, original graphic novel series called The Promise. Yes. That was the origin of Republic City uh-huh. because Legend of Korra was airing at the same time. Woo! Yeah. Yudao is eventually going to become Republic City. That's yeah. awesome. So then the second the, the second story arc started mm-hmm. and three new original graphic novels of The Search, which are actually an adaptation of an animated film that was planned before Legend of Korra started. Legend of Korra yep. derailed those plans. Oh. Um, so this is where this came from. Yeah. But now we finally have the answer, and these graphic novels are still going, and they're still um, continuing what happens after the end of uh, uh, the show. There are it, even it, Legend of Korra it's ones. It's uh, yep. not the answer. This one's The Search. Just so you Duh. know. <sighs> <laughs> he threw away some microphone away. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there even, uh, there even Legend of Korra. Yep, there um, are. They're set continuing. after the set after the show. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying those, but the search is it's probably my favorite of the original Avatar ones because it answers the question of what happened to Zuko's mom. It's kind and of fundamental viewing if you were yeah into the show. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I, know uh, how this all ends. I haven't watched I haven't watched Avatar: The Last Airbender since the per- the finale episode 
happened. Wow. So my memory of Avatar is very, very bad. Okay. So jumping back into these characters in this world again was really, really sweet and nice. Uh-huh. And I, I really enjoyed this book. I want to just talk about the art for a second in these books. The art the art is so good at invoking the style of that show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, so yeah. fluid. It's so oh. it's so beautiful. <coughs> I love it so much. I got to give credit to where credit's due. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I forget. Let's let's see who writes these. So books. Gene Yang wrote it. He he does like yeah. the new Superman books, the Chinese Superman at DC. Yep. Art and cover by the new Superman. Thank you. I said new Superman. So he did say new Superman. Oh, I thought you said Chinese Superman. I he, did. He, I said after. Oh, I, the new Superman, the Chinese Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, art and cover work is by um. I, pff, wow. So now I now know how Brandon feels. It's a uh, Guri Hiru. It's just Guri Hiru. G U R I H I R U. So I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Cool name. But so yeah. So yeah. The scripts are, are um. Gene Lin, uh, Gene Lin Yang, um, and it's all done with kind of the uh, blessing of the original show creators. Yeah, like they they kind of shepherd these stories. They make they check off on them. Yeah, um, um, much in the same way that Joss Whedon was working with the Buffy comics in season and it, seven. It, it, huh? I'd like it, it mostly felt true to what I remember the characters being too. So it wasn't like oh, yeah. some random guy coming on and like who's this guy? Like everyone. Like, th- this felt like Avatar to me, 100%. No, this is like the sequel to the show. Like, when I first heard that Avatar was coming out in comic form as a sequel to the show, I was reading it, and I could hear the char- the voice actors' voices as I'm reading it. Mm-hmm. And once again, as I'm, I'm reading these books, I'm like, these, these books, they knock these characters, or they get these characters down pat. And, like, Azula being after her famous fight with Katara and Zuko at the end of the Phoenix King... Her like bending out or like like being so flexible, she could get out of her straitjacket to um, zap Zuko. I was like, that is such an Azula power move. That's yeah. so great. And like all of her text is like bolded because she's always crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, I, I, it's a good, it's a good character choice. I mean, what, what do you guys? What, how do I you really like this a lot. Uh, again, like it just felt just like, oh, this is the next couple episodes of the show. Like, yeah. it, it it was really enjoyable. Like all the my favorite stuff was the flashback stuff with Akeem and, and the mom. What's the mom's I, name again? Um, Ursa. Ursa. I really enjoy that stuff and like so the weird I. memory Me wiping stuff yeah. and the the the, the many faced tree monster. Yeah, yeah. This. Like once that happened, I'm like, oh, this book's great. I, <laughs> I'm really sad that Legend of Korra <laughs> derailed the movie because I would have loved to yeah. have seen this as a film. Yeah, same. Uh, the the shot where the wolf spirit first shows up. Hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, and is drinking from the pool next to Akeem is like, oh, man, this looks so good. Yeah, yeah. so calm. Uh, yeah. I I'd read this back when it came out because I have this as well. Um, so I read it way back when six years ago. I think. Uh, yeah, and it's it's really oh, it's it still holds up. It's yeah. really good. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I read this. I read this when it first came out. Also, I I I think this this book mm-hmm. is is um it continues to be my favorite because I, I do think it's the strongest. Um, of the of the Avatar, Avatar. the last Avatar. The other sequels. Avatar books are still very good. They are still episodes. I feel like they're they, still episodes they, of the show, but I don't feel they have the impact like the search does because the search was everyone's biggest question. And like uh, when the creators would go to cons, I would guarantee I wouldn't put money that what happened to Zuko's mom is a question. Right, but what I was getting at was that the promise had a purpose. The promise yeah. was. To to set up Republic City and see how that story came about. The search had a purpose. Since then, they haven't really had a purpose. They they're just kind of episodes of the show, like you said. Whereas, um, the first two had a reason for existing. They had a reason for being written. Um, we don't need anything after. It's kind of turned the fluff. 
Yeah, a little bit. We, we don't need anything. <clears throat> it's good stuff. Yeah. But we don't need any of it. It doesn't right. feel essential. The, like story, this does. the story ended. Sure. Right. The story ended at season three. The story the story of Zuko's mom ends here. Like, yeah. we don't need any more to the story. And again, like, um, from my memory of Avatar, it's like, you don't see the Fire Lord until, like, the very last season, right? Or something like that? You don't see him full body, like, full, with yeah. full face until book three. Mark yeah. Campbell. Yeah. So, like, that's awesome, right? And, like, so now we get to see, like, the backstory of this character and his interaction with his son, who's mm-hmm. not his son, but is his son. Yeah. And how that, like, that was a, his that was mother. A, basically oh, yeah. turned him against his father like accidentally because like oh you don't want him to be my son then he's not my son take that i'm like oh that's really sad that is so sad yeah yeah uh, and i really like the twi- sorry real quick i really like the twist of like oh zuko is not his son but then it turns out he is and that's so much sad that's so much yeah. more devastating you would think that's oh that was just a cop-out but then once we get back to the Mary flashback of her talking to I to Ozai and saying, I wish, I hope and pray that Zuka will never turn out like you. And it's like, okay. Is that what you want? You got it, baby. Because obviously Azula takes after um, Ozai more. Oh, yeah. But, oh, just that whole thing. Just seeing them, the whole flashback is just great. I think Ursa is, like for me, like the MVP of this book. Like, oh, yeah, definitely. Sh- the things that she goes through and, like, and like she's willing to like give up her memories because like it's just so it's just yeah, so that, much to handle. That whole story of of her and the her lo- the love of her yeah, life, Akeem. uh going and changing uh-huh. their faces and becoming these new people, and that's how they've been in hiding this and whole time. Even the yeah. si- even the side a quick little side story of the the waterbender uh, brother and sister. That's awesome. Double. All that little stuff's so good. Um, one of the first one of the things that kind of bums me out about Avatar, which there's not a lot, is there's a great episode in season one where Aang goes to the spirit world and meets Ko, the face stealer. Sure. You can't make any emotion in front of him or else he'll steal your face. And there's this great um, dial, there's this great exchange between the two of them, and he's such an intimidating and scary character. Sadly, he only shows up once again in flashback in like season two or three. But after that, never mentioned. Mentioning him in his book kind of gets that great flashback of, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, that and his sister see, is so sweet. Yeah, and also you see, like he had a run in with Ko the face stealer, and that's why the mother of face is like, oh, yeah. That's why you have no face. Okay, I I'm can sorry. help you out. I, no I understand word. now. Yeah, but also I love the design of the mother of faces. How she has like multiple faces. They're all blank. They're floating. It's the faces um, are floating behind her. The, what's the what's the Transformers character? Quintessen. Oh, the Quintessence. Oh, Quintessa? with the multiple faces. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Quintessens from. Sorry, I got last the la- the, the last, last night night. Oh, it's, yeah, I forgot. No, not that version. Quintessa. The movie version. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. But I'm glad you guys like this because this, I mean, it was one of those things where when I found out that they were remaking or they were making more Avatar, I'm obviously going to jump on that because it's one of my favorite series of all time. Yeah, sure. And then it's like, okay, you wanted it, you waited patiently, here it is. I would argue that the, um, you know, going back to what I just said real quickly, uh, I would argue the Legend of Korra graphic novels are more necessary than the Avatar The Last Airbender graphic I would novels. S- yeah. Because the Legend, Legend of Korra doesn't feel like the story ended because yeah. there was, it was all Korra three, too, all man. four individual stories, but there was still more that they could tell. Yeah. Whereas this was a story that they set out to tell and they told it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This book. Uh, <laughs> It's really excellent. Like I, I really, I really like this one. Um, I was really happy to revisit yeah. it. And if you do decide, oh, I mean, I might do other Avatar books later down the line because I love Avatar. I wouldn't mind. Um, Not at all. One thing I do love about it is that the events of the books do bleed into one another. Like eventually, we do see Ursa, Ekem, and their daughter, now Zuko's youngest sister, yeah. in um the f- in the f- in the capital in the fi- in the capital city of the Fire Nation. 
and you see her trying to reconnect with her daughter because she changed her face, and her daughter was like, you had a different face for five years. This is all I know. What the hell? Oh, dude, there's a line where she's like, I'm so sorry that I forgot you. <laughs> like, how could yeah. I forget my or daughter? E- or like, even when, that she's ta- like, when she's talking to Azula, she's like, if I am your mother, I'm sorry I didn't love you more. That's and that the line, just yeah. breaks her even more. Yeah. That's so sad because, like, oh my god, I was your mother and I forgot how I am the worst. Even like, when, yeah. even when they, uh, when when Ursa gets her real face back and all of her memories, and she's talking to Zuko, she still looks aged up. Well, and it's, it's, it's years later. Yeah, yeah, but still, I just love the detail of this book. I love how the spirits look. Even all the animals with the faces on them look great. It's like this is Avatar. I love the spirit bat thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is, this is a. Uh, uh, I liked this book way more than I thought I was going to. Not for any particular reason, but uh-huh. like, I knew like the original. Uh, creators of the show didn't write it, so immediately right. I'm kind of like, oh well, you know. Uh-huh. But it's 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 tremendous. It's uh-huh. really good. Yeah, I like how the end starts with, uh, you know, basically Zuko's going to learn the story of what happened from yeah. the very beginning, like his his mom's history. I I think that's really pretty. I think that's really gorgeous. Yeah, I'm 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 glad this has a happy ending. Yeah, like Zuko gets to be with his mom. Mm-hmm. Like that's just so touching. Oh yeah. Uh, Zuko n- needed it. <laughs> Yeah, Zuko, yeah, and also the whole the team like when Sokka and Azula's Azula's just giving Sokka all the shit like, oh, is your toy? What's your toy gonna do? And he's like, where's your toy? He's like, right there. Finally, gets her on the back of the head with his boomerang. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I also I'm really happy that the 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 cast is, um, uh, is is kind of like trimmed down a bit in this one. Yeah. Um. No toff. No toff. Like they don't feel the need to to shove everyone. In mm-hmm. here, it's just we. we I have rose there for a little need. bit, even yeah. And even he's like, with, uh, "Today's National Tea Day." <laughs> yeah, even with uh, Katara, Sokka, and Aang on the line, they never get in the way of the story. Yeah, it is a story about Zuko and Azula. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, and they never lose sight of that. All the flashbacks are like done in like a sepia tone, so yeah. you, uh, you yeah. always know when you're in the flashback, and yeah. like, as, as the show would. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, again, oh, yeah. It's, it's been a long time. Yeah. I think this made me realize because when I first saw, started watching Avatar, I hated Zuko because you know he's the bad guy. You're supposed to. Yeah, and then. It, in season two, Rufio, 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 <laughs> Rufio, Dante Bosco for life. And then in in book two, when you meet Azula and he and he and he's on the run with Iroh, I so good. Even in book three, I my favorite episodes of Avatar from book two on involves Zuko in some way, shape, or form. Oh man, Azula like burns Aang's uh, flying thing. His glider. Like, oh, yeah. it's a gift. Yeah, because like, bitch. Cause, yeah, because he got rid of his original glider. No, I know. It's reasons. just like it's little things that I'm like. Oh, I know. It's crazy. just a little things like that that do harken back to the show and even to past graphic novels because they talk about what what we're we gonna do about Yu Dao, which was a former Fire Nation colony, and then a bunch of look at the, the city having character development. Yeah, they, what the shit, yo? They also do a whole lot of good parallel work between. Uh, Zuko and Azula and Sokka uh-huh. and Katara and then the the two waterbenders oh, we yeah. later a whole lot of brother sister yeah there was themed a, storytelling between the three stuff. of them yeah. yeah he's my brother of course I'm gonna take care of him yeah, and right. it cuts to a panel of the two of Zuko and Azula and they're like meh yeah, yeah <laughs> exact mirror panels of yeah. Sokka and Katara and Zuko and Azula yeah this book's really good and he goes to put a blanket on her are, yeah. are all these other books as good as this book uh some of them I, I would say I would mm. say that they're good. I would um, say that, but, but they don't really yeah. have like the they don't really have the emotional weight of of the story because this has that spark that we always talk about where I'm like yeah this is like I feel the emotion yeah, I feel like, good about this. I would say the rift between Aang. Okay, there is a book, The Rift. I think it came out after this. It did. It comes close. But there's nothing because it does involve Zuko. It's mostly about Aang and Toph. Yeah. Because they're I love Toph. They're clashing in that book. Toph okay. opens a metal bending academy. That's well, that's my favorite stuff in well, Korra. Not, so that's, like that's yeah. not the main thing of the but like Toph is. Trained. No, but that's where that came from. Yeah. I'm gonna read that book then. Uh, it's, the, it's the it's the next immediate story arc. Yeah. Okay. I'll check it well, out. Well, actually, I think she opens her mail, Benny Cammy, and The Promise. 
Mm, it's been a while since I read the promise. It's been a while. So, so Ryan, just be safe. Read the promise first, and then read the rest. Honestly, if they're, I would, if, argue, I would they're all good. I would, I would say you should start with the promise and just keep going until you get bored. There you gotcha. go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'll bring I'll bring the all my physical copies back from Monterey, and you can thumb through them. I have them all at home if you want to borrow them, so I can bring them over some other time. Mm. Hey, do you still not, have not, some not Pokemon tr- books, by the way? I do. Yeah. I was just checking. No, okay. no, I still do. I haven't. No, I'm fine, sorry, I haven't fine. read them, but no, I still no, no, do. No, no, it's fine. Home. I was just checking. All right, shall we? Is that it? We got any more? Should we go? Hey, no, Avatar's I'm really glad you picked this book. Avatar's great. Same. I yep. love you. All right, Ryan. It's your book club next week. Do you <gasps> know what it is? Yes, I do, baby. X-Men Grand Design. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's next time, maybe. Uh, I am picking Wolverine and the X-Men, uh, written by uh, Jason Aaron <clears throat> and Chris Bocciolo. That is the Doctor Strange team from a couple years ago. They wrote this book in 2011. It lasted 42 issues, almost in an, in an entire run just by those two guys. Uh, this takes place after the schism event, which uh, broke up the X-Men. Wolverine became the Xavier, and Cyclops became a terrorist like Magneto. Wait, are uh, we reading all 42 issues? No. I mean, that's the dream, but no, we're doing the first volume. Okay. Um, uh, how many is issues? Five or six? Five or six, yeah. Okay. I, I haven't checked the volume because I have all single issues. But um, this is a story where uh, a giant murderous uh, schism, a giant murderous sentinel is coming to Genosha to kill everyone. And Cyclops is like, listen, we were trained since children to take this thing out. All of the children are staying on this island to kill this thing. I don't care if they die. And Wolverine's like, are you crazy? They're children. That is not what we signed up for, and it's that's the it is a moral, uh, the moral breakup of these two characters, where Cyclops becomes Magneto, and that's what the that, that's what the run's been for for five years up until the relaunch a couple years ago. We are picking up after oh yeah, that, that event. That, that's the case for a long time. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, so this takes place right after that event, where Wolverine opens up the Jean Grey School for y- young youngsters. And he is the headmaster with Kitty Pride, and it is a fun, great X-Men book that I want the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe to be like. And I'm excited oh. for you guys to read it, because there are so many characters you've never heard of that you're going to fall in love with. Alrighty then. All right, so that'll do it. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Um, next week, we will also be talking about The Lion King. Um, also Comic-Con 2019. Comic-Con 2019. Is it actually starting next yeah. week? Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, my we God. Will, That's we will why work I... out, depending on how much news is leaked, how we're going to tackle Comic-Con. Yeah, yeah, yeah man, right. we got YouTube if we need to. Right. Probably That's why I took the week off, just in case we were able to go to Comic-Con this year. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, we will probably... We could probably do a we'll probably do a special Comic Con mostly because Marvel will be announcing its Phase Four slate. Oh my God, I'm gonna cry. That's exciting. Also, uh, for the listeners at home, it has gone from being very bright in this room to now it is dark in this room. Yes, <laughs> I love it. All right, so uh, you guys can find us on YouTube. We have a YouTube page where we put up shows like Basement Arcade and Fake Nerd Watch, as well as shows like like you are listening to right now. Um, uh, you can find that link in the description. Uh, Sparks, anything uh, cool going on the YouTubes this week? This week? Oh, we'll have just some more of the basement arcades from these two fellas on Shadow of the Colossus. Yo, man, it's almost done. I know. We, We're uh, almost done. we also will have our uh, upload of this episode. We'll have our Fake Nerds Watch of Swamp Thing up again uh, on to episode seven. That show's coming to its close, which is very sad, but also it's very good. Right. Um, yeah, the, the closer that thing gets to being officially done, it just makes me more sad because it's like, hey, that show is real good. Uh, Kevin Duran just like Instagrammed out that he like just the other day closed his time on Swamp Thing because he was like in for ADR for one of the episodes. Oh, and he that was officially his wrap like two days ago. Damn, that's so sad. Um, all right, so we are a we are also a Funko affiliate. You can find that link in the description as well. And when you check out, use promo code Shop Ten for ten percent off your purchase. We have a Patreon and a T Public if you'd like to support the show. Um, Patreon and T Public will both be in the link in the description. I am working on getting some more shirts. There is a sale coming up this week on our T Public. Uh, so by the way, Riley Sloan uh, from 
downright nerdy podcast said she really wants a, a ladies cut fake nerd podcast shirt still do what i can she wants it there's a sale coming up riley <laughs> there you go <laughs> this week <laughs> um michael carls by the way i forgot to mention this when i was on his uh instagram live for downright nerdy he was wearing a fake nerd podcast shirt today oh nice, oh, nice. thanks dude yeah um yeah and uh uh, yeah, Patreon. If you guys want to support us, we on Patreon we have one tier, and one tier only. Keep the lights on. Uh, help keep the lights on. Which they're not on right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm gonna say we're not doing real good, guys. Patreon, please. Um, if you'd like to get, uh, yeah. So thank you to everyone who listens. We greatly appreciate it. Um, there is no show without you guys. I just read them some new reviews from some new lists. Yeah, some it's listeners. great. Thank so you guys. It's really fun. Um, thank you to Jeremy Vellucci for our theme music, and um, hopefully a new one will be coming around the mountain soon. I don't know why I said it that way. Um, You're not wrong. <laughs> you are not wrong. Um, <laughs> you can find him on Instagram at Jeremy Village Keyboards. Uh, he also does our segment intros and a show called Suburban Proctologist, uh, which is not on the air currently, but we are working on it. Should be soon. Mike Matola, thank you so much uh, for our logo. Mike Matola, by the way, in two weeks. Yes. Mike Matola will be coming on the show. Hell yes. For another Mike's Impossible Trivia Challenge. Uh, spoiler alert: Better watch, uh, rewatch one of the Indiana Jones films, guys. Uh, <laughs> watch us watch the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all watched the different ones. Yeah, so there are four of them. We could have all watched the different oh, ones. And oh. only one of us will win. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. no. Um, one of us is definitely going to lose if you have to watch Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> uh, find, if you can find him at, at Mike Matola. Uh, he has a really cool time lapse yeah, man. video yeah. of him making the print. I it's saw that. Did it say what? how long the time lapse was? It's like 30 seconds. No, how long the the, the full, like, oh, no, how I many hours? Because it's hours. Because that thing is crazy wow, cool. It's yeah, a cool ass video. Go check it out. Yeah, check that out on Instagram. Um, again, thank you to, to all who supported our um, giveaway. Uh, seriously, guys, that was really cool of you. Good job, No Victim 1. It's no Victim 1. Definitely get us that uh, that information. We will get the stuff out to you as soon as we can. Rub it in your friend's face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah seriously, that was real Especially funny. Especially the one, the, the one who said he wasn't going to win yeah, shit, yeah, right? Yeah, one, rub, yeah. It, rub it all in his face. <laughs> that was real fun. Um, so you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fickner Podcast, FicknerGuys at gmail.com. I'm a BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Ryan, where are you? Oh, I was going to take a drink. My name's Ryan Leopolis. I'm so, sorry, I said that. I'm at DJ Tony Snark. Sparks. Everywhere. I'm Sparks Witty. I'm at Sparks Witty everywhere, meaning just Instagram. S P A R K Z Witty. Ben. You can find me on the internet at BenMagnet27 on both Instagram and Twitter. And if you really want to see cool shit from uh, Galaxy's Edge, check out my Instagram because I posted a lot of my stuff from there. Subscribe. Including a picture of Brandon and I wearing Yoda ears. Yeah, I was not happy about that. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Until next week, guys, stay fake nerds.